Ahoy there, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin. Thanks for checking it out, and we're finally here. With a heavy heart and a mouth full of glee, I'm happy to say that we have finally reached the end of season four. Global pandemics be damned. We finally finished what we set out to do. And as previously advertised all that time ago, we are re-reviewing our first ever episode WrestleMania 14. And as you can no doubt tell from the fact that this is twice as long and sounds incredibly different, things have changed a little bit in the last nine years. But those of you who've been with us the entire ride of those nine years, or for those of you who've just joined us recently or somewhere along the way, a big heartfelt thank you for myself, Adam, and Billy, all of us here at the Out of Chair Podcast. We love doing this show, and we had an awful lot of fun with this season. It was more outside of our comfort zone than any time before, but here we are. There'll be information about the boys' picks and what lies ahead at the end of the episode. Don't forget to check out as well, there's been a simul dump. There is a best of WWA compilation that has been released today as well. That should be on your feeds. And as always, we are 100% fan and listener supported. There won't be a bajillion ads in the podcast you're about to listen to because of our lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. And if you've enjoyed the show and we've given you any joy in the last few years, why not head over there and give us a backing? You'll get access to hundreds of hours of content, everything from the Smackdown crawl to the Bibliotech to video episodes, Q&As, commentary tracks, the lot is available at patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. But for now, let's all get settled in and finish off season four. It's time for WrestleMania 14 again. Everyone and welcome to the Anishara Podcast. Season four concludes, and we are back once again, not by accident, but by design, re-reviewing WrestleMania 14. Hello, everyone. Once again, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin Man, settling up once again through all the 97 and 98 and everything that came before we started this here podcast by my cohorts, comrades, and colleagues. Firstly, to my right, Mr. Adam Bibolo. Hello, Adam. Hello there. End of a season. How are you feeling? I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm happy to be here finishing it off. We tried everything in our power to not get here. We, we started a pandemic. We tried to hold up everything we could to make sure that we didn't have to finish season four. But... Yeah, we, we've seen quite a bit of uh, tumultuous times in the middle of this season. It's been a long season because of that. Not long in terms of episodes, but just long in terms of time. Like It feels like a big old span. So it is finally here. We are we're re-reviewing, and uh, it's the first mm. time I think we've ever re-reviewed officially for the the podcast. Yeah, legit. It Apart is. from like a, a single match. That's it, the occasional yeah. match here and there that you might have covered on how to, or we we maybe done once or twice, but we've never ever done a whole show twice, baby. So I've got to ask you: Did you go back? Did you re-listen to episode one? You cl- know I did. Clocking in at one hour and twenty-two minutes of. Duh, uh, <laughs> 
Frankenstein's podcast. So, uh, yeah, you and I, we did actually listen back, and, and Billy, Billy joined us on the call as well. That's right, we sat down together, we had a little listen of it, we did it live on Twitch.tv, and we held each other's hand as we went through the scary, scary feelings of listening to your first podcast experience. How'd you find us? Fucking nerve-wracking, baby. You know what, it was actually a lot better than I thought. I didn't say anything horrible that I heard. I didn't say anything <laughs> crazy out there. But my, my biggest hot take I think I had is when I said at the end of it, like, Oh, Kane was great. He looks so undefeatable here after he just lost to the Undertaker. <laughs> Spoilers, yeah, big, big loss coming up here tonight, like, you know. And to my left, unquestionably, the baddest, the brightest, the bright, the, <coughs> the baddest man on the planet, Mr. Billy Keeble. Hello. Billy, is the pay per view so nice? We've deigned to review it twice. Ooh. How are you feeling going into this one? Um. Similar to Adam, I listened. I, I listened back to the first episode, and again, I thought because we kind of had the idea in our head that it was frosty chocolate milkshake. Weird but voices. We were, but we were actually higher than lower. We yeah, weren't putting. Bit. We weren't putting on a voice. It, it seemed... Hey everyone, welcome. It's just like young Triple H at the start yeah. of season four. Except for yeah. me though, I've got the low bass in my voice yeah. of a man who desperately needed this. Like, <laughs> the thing was, yeah, you had surprisingly lower energy than I expected. Mm. I had way more frantic, anxious energy. And Billy, you were like by far the most well-polished and like closest to where you are now, I think, in that first episode. We were just little baby boys wanting to be big boys, you That's know? That's exactly what it was. And become bigger than the man, and here we are <laughs> once again now. We have spanned a course throughout the years 2018, 19, 20, 21, now 22. It's been years. It's been years. And this started off originally, the idea this season, is we wanted to go back and see, just peel it back a little bit, what came before? Because wrestling, very much like Neighbours and Home and Away, you can join at any point and then mm. convince yourself that that is the definitive starting point. Mm -hmm. But I think some of the things we wanted to look at when we first started this season was, what were some of the bits that we knew were like Attitude Era, good and proper, that were already established mm. at that point? And what happened to some of those characters on their journey? Because I don't think we really understood or grasped the journey of either Shawn Michaels, mm. Stone Cold Steve Austin, or indeed Vince McMahon at WrestleMania 14 mm. when we first laid eyes on this. Uh, I mean, I was not going to dwell too much, of course, on what we originally thought and all that. But I thought I'd throw it around at the start and ask you, like, kind of you know, where we're at now. Does WrestleMania 14, were you coming into it? Did it have momentum? Did you have hype? Where were you at with it? Because we'd seen some pretty good pay-per-views recently. That's right, yeah. Mm. 97 and the start of 98 was pretty damn good. I'm not going to lie. Like, 97 in particular was really, really good. Some of the best wrestling I've ever seen. So coming into WrestleMania, there was more excitement. But at the same time, I, I've already seen this show and I have got memories of it being a bit of a dud. So I was like, I can't be too excited because I think it's going to really like miss the mark when it comes down to it. Yeah, in case you missed our first episode where three duds review a dud. Oh, <laughs> no, that's enough. <laughs> but like, I mean, in terms of what we originally set out to sort of have a look back at, like get more context for these early Attitude Era moments and everything. I feel like you could make an argument that even WrestleMania 13 was like, this is the start of the Attitude Era. It's so like, there was so yeah. many pieces already in play. And the more I think about that, the more I think then, well, Survivor Series 1996. Maybe we'll have to go back to the previous year. <laughs> keep going back one year at a time. So, Billy, it has been, I believe, 
eight years since yeah. you would have seen this pay-per-view last. I think I was out of mention. Nine years, I think. Nine, nine years, yeah, technically. 2013. Yeah. 2013. Jesus, yeah. you're right. So, you know, I, I mean, I've revisited a couple of matches on this pay-per-view particularly, I think, uh, recently for, for How To Wrestling. But had WrestleMania 14 set itself in your mind as being like one way or the other? I was dreading watching it because I remember really not enjoying... Maybe the first two or three pay-per-views that we covered. Yeah, yeah I do it remember was, you were down in the dumps at like, WrestleMania 13, yeah. And then I thought, you know, I'm not I'm not too big into this. But now, now that we've watched the year preceding WrestleMania 14, it seems like such a weird place for us to have originally started the show. Yeah. It feels yeah. so weird to have WrestleMania 14 be the first one I... It's so We're going to start with the season finale kind of yeah. feeling. Like, yeah, there was a lot of things that we did not have the context for first time round. And now we do. And it's, in some cases, it helps it. And in some cases, it makes it even worse, I think. But I guess it sounds, I mean, this is, you know, I want to give a shiny gold star to WrestleMania 14 for being, out of all the WrestleManias, I think WrestleMania generally is, out of any show, the pay-per-view that can do this. Which is, take you in if, A, you're a big massive fan, you're watching week to week. B, you used to watch and you've not watched in a few years. Or C, you've never watched at all. Mm. And I would say that this is probably, you know, if you are a typical consumer in 1998, this WrestleMania does a pretty good job because, again, we've had the non-stop media storm surrounding this pay-per-view. And that's because of one person... And that's uh, Mike Tyson, who is mm. front and center in the uh, promotion of this one. Uh, for, <laughs> the Logan Paul of the attitude. <laughs> and for those of you who, uh, who thought that it was later on in, in our, our run of things where we decided that, oh yeah, actually we're going to start clutching our pearls and being offended by everything. Uh, re-listen to the old first episode. We were all over that, especially yeah. Billy with the yeah. straight fire about old Iron Mike Tyson there. Yeah, and that, that opinion still has not changed. No, nope. Mike, Mike Tyson does not have any business being in any form of media. Yeah, or well, Hall of Fame yeah. for that matter. Hall of Fame yeah. for that matter, like you know, and the ancient WWE who's booking him on wrestling shows. So mm. you know, is a an odd thing. But look, before we get into all of that, we've got a lot of things that we need to do to set the table before we can eat. Before we can eat at the feast of WrestleMania 14, a celebration of life. It's not, it's X-rated or X-rated, depending on mm. which pay-per-view poster you're looking at. Adam, start me off because I'm a bit of a mature fan and I'm thinking that I'd like to know what's going on oh. in the saucy world okay. of print wrestling media. Well, on the WWF Raw magazine, we have a picture of Kane here and it says, Welcome to my nightmare. Kane tortures The Undertaker as he looks forward to the final inferno at WrestleMania. And what's interesting about this is there's something about Kane's mask here. I can't put my finger on it. Oh, no, it, Venom's not got the mask, has no, he? it just... You know the Lucky Likey show in Stafford Leisure Centre? That's really oh. proper. Oh, my God, like, yeah. Who is that? That's like, not Kane. You know it looks like? is like if Kane got a Happy Meal and the mask was on the back of the box. Absolutely. And it had tabs mm. to yeah. fold. Yeah. <laughs> put a little bit of string in it, like. <laughs> Meanwhile, in WWF magazine, the more family-friendly kayfabe matter, we have Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin facing off with a big grey Mike Tyson in the background. And it says, Only in America! Fuck Michaels, me. Austin, and Tyson to clash at WrestleMania 14. Now that's technically, technically, you can say all three will clash, but they're really proper making out like Mike Tyson's going to be involved in yeah. this match. Right? Yeah, it is not on the 
I mean, it's not on WWF to be fact-checkers for every media story that runs, but Vince McMahon and co. certainly didn't mind every single cable news outlet erroneously saying that Mike Tyson and Steve Austin would be wrestling. They're wrestling yeah. They're WrestleMania, wrestling. folks. And uh, if ever there was an indication that Shawn Michaels was not the fucking favourite boy at the birthday party anymore, yeah. he's barely mentioned. Mr. Yeah. Icon, Mr. Headliner, you know, that he's not getting the public kind of spectacle of this. Mm-hmm. It's all about Austin and Tyson. And again, yeah. we said it last episode, we said it Rumble, they were successful in doing that. This is know? WrestleMania 27. Mike Tyson is The Rock and Shawn Michaels is The Miz. Like, uh. he's just there to do the favors tonight. Like. <laughs> That's some magazines then taken care of. Uh, interesting to know, I should mention here on the magazine front, I don't know if you've been watching the Raws, Adam, that were even yes. this WrestleMania. Oh, yes, yeah. And uh, only time I mention it because I think it's the only time I do recall the magazine being brought up in kayfabe, mm. but Sable was brought out to be presented with a special award by the head editor and writer of the WWF magazine, Vince Russo. Venom himself. Oh, I was just thinking, who's this Vince Russo guy? He's stolen Vic Venom's spot. Yeah. That, like, he was there ready with the black leather trench so, coat. So they had Russo go. come out. And, like, Russo. It oh. actually made Promo me, in ring. It made me a little queasy, because it's clearly like, this guy who really, 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 really fancies Sable has now written himself a nice little segment where he gets to be in the ring with Sable. Right. And now I thought it was, in our last episode we had the, the dual swimsuit issues yes. with Sonny and Sable. I thought, oh, S- Sable outsold Sonny so she gets That's the award. That's what I thought, yeah. But no, it was just that the two editions were the greatest selling magazines of all time yeah. and they were there to present awards to both of them but Sonny was under the weather mm. so Vince Russo was mm. there. In the segments, I think Luna comes out to set up this match yeah. and WrestleMania, she strips Sable of her dress and Vince Russo because he's a gentleman, he puts his blazer on Sable's bum. A marvelous Mark's gonna come over and be, Why are you covering up my wife's bum? I'm doing it because I'm doing you a favor. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> you know, and that is the only appearance that I've seen so far of Vince Russo. Or the magazine for that Or the matter. magazine. Yeah. Is that the only time he's appeared on WWF television? He's been on Livewire as Vic Venom yeah. a few times. But obviously Vic Venom wasn't ready for the, the, the primetime flagship show. I think this is the only WWF instance of them being like, it's Vince Russo, everyone. That's who that man is there. That's, That's Vince crazy. Russo. Yeah. Billy, I, I think that we're coming into a very spicy period here now in 1998. And I know that in our first go around, we were certainly not troubled with issues of understanding or culture or setting us in any sort of a, a, a tangible time space. So you got a little bit of an update for me there. Yeah, so Culture Corner, we'll start as we always do with the music. UK and Ireland had the same number one single for this week. Is it Blue? It's not. Is it's, it Candle in the Wind? It's not. It's it's Like That by Run DMC versus oh, Jason Nevins. Yes. Wait, is that, it's like that brackets and that's the way it is? Yes. <gasps> oh my God. But it's specifically the Fox Kids remix yes. right there. There we go. On, in the USA, however, we had Getting Jiggy With It by Will Smith. Oh! So two absolute bangers. Honestly. I'm just saying, like, there is a world where Getting Jiggy With It was a subtitle for WrestleMania. Like, WrestleMania yep. 2000. Getting Jiggy With It. <laughs> <laughs> in the world of film, you know it's still Titanic. 
Yeah. It's still Titanic for the UK and the USA. Uh, however, it is the final week of Titanic being the number one film Oh, is that the after, US. After, that's when uh, Candle in the Wind gets the number one after that. That's, yeah, I guess that's that. Yeah. Can we say now? <laughs> no, because every time no. we say, you fuck it up even when, worse. When, no, we're putting it to rest. Look, for the listener's benefit, Jim Ross over here, myself, I sat down with Billy and Lizzie. We got them together backstage. And we're like, we need to sort out this mess right now. Wow. The peace has been made. Yeah, peace has been made. But I'm still getting messages. I'm still reg- getting messages. On the so regular. how has peace been made then? Well, it's bet- between the two camps, peace has been made. But there's still a lot of onlookers that like are unhappy about the general situation. <laughs> Billy, can you address the public at large here? That's it. That's it. He'll, he'll figure this out. He'll get us out of this. Regarding yeah, Candlegate. Yeah. Okay, so Candlegate. So... The last two episodes were recorded back, back to back. back. Yeah. So we had no way of addressing what I said in the first episode in the second episode. Yeah, yeah and if later episodes of this season have felt that we're like very much like not into addressing feedback is <laughs> often because we've had to work around COVID and yeah. back to back record things. So when Lizzie brought up to Adam that Candle in the Wind had in fact been UK number one. It was and, already in the can. And, 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 and I had said that no, it wasn't. Yeah. What I had thought would be had been suggested was that Candle in the Wind had been UK number one during the time I was doing Culture Corner. Uh-huh. Oh, and, oh. And this is a politician's answer. No, no, but but and it wasn't during the time we did Culture Corner. It, mm. but when I said we'd stopped caring at that point, that was because <laughs> yes or no, Billy. Because at this point we had. <laughs> So, I didn't mean that it had never been UK number one. I thought Lizzie was saying it was still UK number one. And I very overconfidently cor- incorrect. Mm-hmm. Overconfidently incorrect. Yes. Uh-huh. That's a way to be. So, that, that is what the issue... It was, it was a misunderstanding on my part to what Lizzie had relayed to Adam. I'm literally picturing Lizzie now sipping a glass of wine like Cersei Lannister, like an evil smile <laughs> in the of her mouth. Yes, you were confidently incorrect. <laughs> So, movies. Yes, movies. So, it's still t- Titanic. It is the final week. What is it that dethrones Titanic? I'm about to tell you. Oh, it's going to be something fucking brilliant. It's, Come on. it's something that, Kevin, I'm sure you're no doubt going to cover on Cinema Swill. Agent Cody Banks. <laughs> oh. It's Matt LeBlanc classic, Lost yes! in Space. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Last one to kill a bad guy buys the beer. Oh, gosh. <laughs> With soundtrack by Apollo 440. <laughs> Hey, it's the Joey special. Two critical and box office failures. There you go. There's your only friends reference you get. Fucking clown. Yeah, Lost, Lost in Space knocks Titanic off in the US. Wow. James Cameron has broken every piece of furniture in his hotel room. And it seems to me that you live your life like you were lost in space. And I'm assuming Lost in Space on PS1 was the number one video game at the time. Oh. Uh, well, I don't have I don't have video game charts. But I do have the video games released this month. I just, it's, last couple of months, it's not been it's not been great. Oh, don't let them hear oh, that. Yeah. They'll be up in arms. What you like... didn't like, Panther Dragoon, Gunther Dragoon? <laughs> <laughs> no, no one did. So you have to, and you at home have to start pretending that you did as well. <laughs> Everyone loves Panzer Crab Rangoon. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> it's the best game on the Sega Saturn. <laughs> but we do have some good games here. So okay. right. give it to me. Give it to me. Um, on the Game Boy, we had Wario Land 2. That's my favourite game of all time! <laughs> Released in yes. March 98. Oh, I'll tell you what. You know what? It's probably one of the only reasons why I emigrated to this country. Because when I was 10 years old, mm. I went over on a holiday to the UK. And one of the best parts of that holiday is I went to Chester. 
and Ooh. they had a Virgin Mega Stores there, and I bought Wario Land on the first day of my ten-day holiday. Aww. And Wario Land Two was so great that when I was like, should I move to this country? And I thought my only mem- memories of the country were mostly playing Wario Land Two, mm. so that's why I'm here. That and the crumpets. We also got on the PS One Need for Speed Three Hot Pursuit, okay. which was a very good game. Yeah. On the Saturn, we got the port of House of the Dead. Oh baby! Okay. Okay. You want to play House of the Dead at home? That was your first opportunity to do so. I had Typing of the Dead on PC. I mean, How the Dead walk, so Typing of the Dead could run. Exactly. You know, so. uh, still on the PS1, we've got Tekken 3. Oh, the best Tekken! Best Tekken. Absolute Absolutely. best Tekken. Yeah, Give me yeah. that Eddie Gordo. We had Parasite Eve, I... which is sci-fi survival horror. Uh, not cult favourite. Not, okay. not, yeah. not aware. Not what, that cult. One I have never heard of, which is, just made me laugh because it's called Blasto. Blaster, <laughs> curse you, Blasto! Is Blasto sounds like a three D, like a three D mascot to beat Mario. I'm picturing like a yeah, little bee. Yeah, robot can the bye bye kind of got from mm. the? He's, he's he's got those sassy eyes. You know mm. what I mean, you know. And uh, finally on the PC, a very very popular game, mm. uh, Starcraft. Oh, oh yeah, very, wow. extremely popular came out this. God, this 1998 month. was when Starcraft came out. How's about that? We're all oh baby. In terms of the event of March there's actually Ooh. not a whole lot of stuff to no. be honest going through my usual sources March 6th the British Union flag begins to be flown full mast over Buckingham Palace <laughs> whenever British monarch is not in residence following change of protocol after the death of the People's Princess sorry wait, Diana wait, is Princess that a of Wales rule? is the rule that new then yeah like, oh. so wait, that's how you as a country responded to your People's Princess died is you changed the flag routine it's about yeah we changed time. the flag that we need to know when she's not in was fucking hell. This uh, is like Animal Crossing changed the flag in the town tune to get over a fucking trauma. Three days later, March 9th, we also had Dr. Dre's Aftermath Entertainment signs then unknown rapper Eminem. Well oh, then! This kid, keep an eye on yeah. him. But we also had the 70th Academy Awards this month. Best picture, of course, going to Titanic. Of course. Best directing went to James Cameron for Titanic. Titanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, best leading actor and actress... Both, nope. But same, <laughs> same, Matt LeBlanc. Same and... film, though. It went to Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt for their work in As Good As It Gets, oh, which is an absolute okay. Bobby Dazzler yeah, film. It's Bobby Dazzler movie. Yeah. If, if for you, you just like, why can't that 60-year-old man get with that girl? You know? <laughs> and like, you watch that. It's got, a good, you, it's got a good dog in it, though. It is. It it's a good dog. A and good a dog. very large age difference yes. as well. And yeah. the thing about it is Jack is... He's so charismatic. Mm. And such a good deal older. Yes. Uh, that it, it's, it's hot. It, 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 <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> I told you you were going to say something dodgy on WrestleMania 14. <laughs> I didn't think it would be this one. Uh, <laughs> best, best supporting actor uh, went to Robin Williams for Goodwill Hunting. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Kim Basinger got uh, Best Supporting Actress for LA Confidential. Mm, this was cool. also the Academy Awards where Ben Affleck and Matt Damon got their uh, screenwriting Oscar for Goodwill Hunting. Oh yeah. I wonder what those two plucky kids will get up to next. But yeah, that's that's really all that happened in March of ninety eight, unless I'm missing something drastically well, important. Well that's that's the end of the culture of the late nineties, yeah. I guess. I think this has been very useful. And wherever we lay our our hats for season five, I would think the culture corner 
is a is a cornerstone. I, I feel like this is an important part of the I podcast. Think it's I important. think boys' picks should come with a culture corner. Well, as we've well, been doing like... it on the Saturday night's main event yeah, episodes as well, so yeah. I feel it's good for us to get ourselves into the right mind space because I don't know about you guys, but it feels that sometimes these years, like you know, when you're going back, you kind of think of the nineties. It's good to and the nineties. It's good to know mm-hmm. specific years what's going on. So very good job, Billy. It's been a much needed life raft when we've been out at sea here (laughs) in the 90s look a lot of people kind of wondering like how are we going to do this now we're we're re-reviewing something that we've done before yes nine years have passed you know we're podcasting a lot more now than we were back then but like i like to think you know that we're not like that different you know because you know i said at the start of the episode i'm a lifelong wrestling fan you know and i feel like all of us have been on our individual journeys but we're still fundamentally the same people mm-hmm. and we're still fundamentally trying to do the same thing, which is talk about rest and show and have a bit of fun. So anyway, today's poem is called <laughs> Return and this is from Paul Bosch in Much of oh, Me no. in each of these. And this one may have a hidden meaning. Yeah, returning from war. Something in, I was saying to Joe when she was picking one out, there'll probably be one about coming back because... Yes, and no. how things will never be the same again, Hang Mr. Just, Frodo. Same. No, he did survive World War Two. See, I figured there would be a couple of like, the ger- and he was there, and they're like, "What are you doing, Paul Bosch? Why are you saving all those rations?" He's like, "The journey home. Like, Nothing ever dampens your spirits, Paul Bosch." He was there at Normandy, putting you know Nazis in the in the figure four. He was putting there, pen didn't? to paper, yeah. making that yeah, right learning about the womanly art of self defense, yeah. making sure his Huckleberry was safe all night long. Anyway. <clears throat> Something inside me wants to go back to the battlefields healed by a friendly plough and foxholes empty and crumbled where bright birds sing so softly now artillery loudly rumbled. Children dance near a grazing cow where death and grown men stumbled. Yet something inside me longs to go back where each day held a heartbreak in it and loneliness was never thrilling though I hated every weary minute for its cruelty and its killing. Still, I killed to help us win it and the memory is chilling. Yet something inside me repeats... Go back where duty once was uppermost and men had but to obey. Even the brave were proud to boast of how they knelt to pray to keep a tryst with heroic ghosts who dreamt of home but had to say something inside me needs to go back. It's WrestleMania 14! The first temptation is to say that tradition has abandoned WrestleMania. That this grand spectacle, this enticing blend of celebrity and athleticism, has been taken hostage by a new generation of rogues. The baddest man on the planet. The toughest SOB. The reigning champion and number one degenerate. These are men determined to write their own destiny. To hell with historians who will pen their tale. But tradition is indeed alive and well. Because after all, despite the brash bravado, it's the allure of World Wrestling Federation gold that has brought these men here tonight. The very belt that has immortalized Andre, Hulk, and Sammartino. The symbol of excellence that has inspired Gorilla Monsoon, the big cat Ernie Ladd, classy Freddie Blassie. A lineage created by Vincent J. McMahon some 50 years ago. So tonight, through sacrifice and pain, through breathtaking displays of athleticism that define mortal boundaries. These men that shun tradition are destined to become part of it. It's WrestleMania, the grandest of spectacles, the showcase of the immortals. 
a time to revel in the occasion. And somewhere beyond the spotlights, the father of the World Wrestling Federation will revel in it too. <laughs> okay, first thing first, when we're coming through this pay-per-view, I can't remember how all of us watched this one originally, because when we started this podcast, it was before there was a WWE Network. Yeah. No network. There was no Peacock. Yep. There was nothing to complain about. Yep. I'm pretty sure I, this is one of my surviving WrestleMania anthology discs, Yeah. but one that I had played a bit, so it was scratched to fuck. How did you guys watch this one? Did I, I give you the disc? I don't remember watching a disc. I remember. For I feel a like lot. you and I watched it together. I think we did. Yeah. I think me and you watched a lot of season one together. At least the first year mm. or so of season one. Because you guys lived together. We did that, for yeah. a long time during the first year or two of recording. I remember watching a lot of season one shows with dodgy .avi files that were yes. like. 360p resolution or whatever and have been gotten from some web like wrestling torrent website or whatever because I started like getting all the tagged classics That's and, it. and I kind of after getting rid of my media collection when I moved to this country I like replaced it with just wrestling DVDs so. I still have one AVI file of Capital Carnage on my computer because I'm like I'll never let go of this I know what you're like WWF you're going to try and scrub Vinnie Jones mm. from the history books one day <laughs> and I'll, I'll always have this dodgy little file to keep me safe we still have one of the only surviving copies of Mayhem in Manchester as a result yeah. Yeah, that is impossible to find nowadays. Yeah, like. I, I, I kind of I went back and forth because I know like I've been very anti-physical media in, in the past because I kind of feel like in an ideal world I'd have all my stuff digitally and just kind of secure and this, that, and the other. Mm. But for now all the digital storefronts are going and you've sold all your DVDs yeah. and like... You can't win. It's just like no one but... If you've also ever seen Mayhem in Manchester now, yeah. I feel like that's lost for generations. It's shared with the world. I was just bringing up as well how we watched it because I was quite certain a few times during this because I've seen WrestleMania 14 a good few times because mm. one of my DVDs I used to watch I would stick that in because it's yeah it's 1998 when I first got my WrestleMania box set I exclusively watched like 98, 99, 2000, 2001 and like that's pretty much it like for a long time so I was shocked there was a couple of bits on the network that I didn't recognise yeah this was the case with, I think we talked about this with WrestleMania 17 as well when we reviewed that. I was like, I got the original DVD the week it came out, so this is the pure version. And there's still stuff on the network that wasn't on my DVD. Like, it, for, for instance, with WrestleMania 17, we had the Snickers stuff. That's not on the DVD. On this show, we have all the M&Ms. Yes! The candy of the new millennium. All that business. There are certain things that I think weren't licensed to go on home video releases that have been relicensed or expired or something has changed. M&Ms aren't paying to have the fucking no. prehistoric no, spot but though, are they? something in the licensing law that has changed or expired or something over the years that means the versions on the network usually have got a little bit more stuff that may not have been included on home video releases. I just think too much time had passed because I had no memory of the fucking sad bagpipe opening to WrestleMania 14. I don't remember this at all. No, I don't remember this. I don't think we even talked about an opening package on the podcast. No, it's some fucking... It's basically like when Connor McLeod learned something really sad has happened in Highlander, but there is no room for Queen because it would be too high tempo. So it's just mm. kind of very, very sad. Very, um... Like, there's a little bit of WrestleMania 13 of like, oh, it's supposed to be like this. Yes. There's a bit of that. They're talking about tradition. And the gist of the intro package, I do think it's quite a good one for the old, old fans coming back and the new fans. Mm -hmm. They're saying... 
everyone's going on about how there's no more tradition wrestling anymore. Yeah. But is it really right to say that when they're fighting for the title at a big old WrestleMania? And it's it's a pretty yeah. good hook. Just a, a pretty good line. It's like these men who shun tradition are destined to become part of yeah. it. And we noticed in WrestleMania 15 and a bit in 2000 as well that they were really trying their best to be like, forget about all that old shit. It's about the now. But, so I was like especially shocked at the start here. We get fucking footage and name dropping of Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and Hogan. Bruno Sammartino as well. Yeah, like, very much everyone would have been persona non grata uh, yeah. who's mentioned there. They show them and mention them by name. Like. But, but, but the way they kind of deliver it makes it seem like they're not 100% happy about the new turn. Mm. Because there's talk of that, that WrestleMania has been taken over by rogues, the baddest man on the planet an angry SOB and a degenerate champion. Yes. So it seems like they're not entirely happy or I trying to present it like... That's kind of what the, the, the show in general they're having their cake and eating here, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, like yeah. We're presenting this new edgy product, but obviously the only way it works is if it's like anti-authority. So us as a show, we have to be like, this is no good, and then we'll put it forward. And be, like, you know, it's sort of like if the Beano was like, Dennis the Menace, we can't control him, <laughs> but here he is anyway. Like, he's ruining our magazine, but you're going to have to buy it. I feel like oftentimes in wrestling, you should be show not tell and WrestleMania 13 in retrospect was trying really hard to be like we're this cool new thing and it's like are you yet though I mean mm. you definitely have elements of it but it still feels like this is a new gen show wearing daddy's big attitude trousers mm. whereas here I felt like they were dare I say compared to most last year uh, promo packages a little bit of restraint it was it yes. was shown here and I will say is in terms of restraint as well something I've enjoyed a lot about season 4 have been the much more disciplined pay-per-view times and a Wrestlemania that clocks in at 2 hours and 40 minutes yes, and please. still feels like a Wrestlemania I'm alright with that yeah that's yeah. pretty good thank you very much did you catch the reference to Vince? no this was something else. Never mind talking about post-Montreal. Oh, yeah. Vince McMahon, now we were saying before, oh, the night after WrestleMania, Vince McMahon, and now he's the character. Oh, they had, like, there were more in-ring segments with Vince and Austin than there were Austin and Shawn Michaels yes. or DX. Yeah. And at the end of this, they, they mention all the legacy and all that, and they go, somewhere beyond the spotlights, the father of the promotion will revel in it too. Yeah. Basically saying Vince is going to be keeping a vested interest mm -hmm. and I'll tell you right now I try very hard to turn on my lizard wrestling fan brain when I'm watching the Raws and try and not think about what I know happens but if I was watching these Raws I'm thinking Vince McMahon is screwing Steve Austin at this pay per view yes 100% like you know after Montreal and after all the build up they've been doing like I think they want you to think that almost I mean he doesn't show up in the show so nope. I might as well mention it here what are some things that Vince has been getting up to on Raw's War if you recall been a lot of like interviews and in-ring segments and whatnot. He, it's it's always things like he brought out Mike Tyson and then Steve comes out and ruins his big fucking segment or mm. whatever and every time it usually ends with Vince like fucking blowing a gasket and being like get that man out of here yeah Austin is basically going to Vince all the time like you don't want me to be champion do you you don't want to be champion yeah. do you and Vince is like I, I don't I won't I won't comment and do you know Billy do you know what fucking journalist yeah oh, no hey. shock you shock <laughs> you yeah no. you want journalists not no fucking you know pussyfooting around war correspondent Michael Cole yeah. not some fucking you know lad with a hat like Jerry Lawler or, or Jim Ross 
Kevin Kelly, yeah? yeah? Coconut Crusher Kevin Kelly himself, K-Double, he got Vince McMahon in the ring, and they literally had Kevin Kelly be like, say it, Vince! Say that you don't want Steve Austin to be the World Wrestling Federation Champion! Say it, Vince! Say it! Answer! Yes or no, Vince! Yes or no! And then Vince is like, oh, hell no! Yeah. He does the Vince voice, like... And it's Kevin Kelly! It is. Roddy Piper got Eric Bischoff to reveal that he was NWO, and fucking <laughs> Kevin Kelly, yeah? Kevin Kelly got Vince McMahon to show his black heart. <laughs> and you know what? Vince McMahon doesn't show up here tonight because he knows Kevin Kelly's in the building. That's it. And he knows he'll That's fucking it. womp him, yeah? He'll spark him out. <laughs> Starting things off, we are sponsored by the candy of the new millennium. Ooh. It's 1998 and I've got millennium fever. M&M is the Roman numeral for 2000. I'm going to spend the next two years eating M&M's, baby. I'm so excited. I like the candy of the new millennium. I like, I like, you know, the the old style, you know, M and M's here before they got awoke, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so bizarre because, like, I remember, like, we're obviously we're t- like just we're a year and nine months away from the, mel- the millennium. Yes. I've got my countdown watch on, Bill. But I, but I remember like how everything for like the two years beforehand was like. The Millennium's coming. Yeah, Millennium Fever. Millennium yeah. by Robbie Williams came out. Yeah. Did like... anyone have a Millennium themed like piece of like you know like the family got a Millennium thing, or did you have like a Millennium watch or a special Millennium chart or anything like that? Our no. village got a Millennium Green installed. Okay. They installed a new park called the Millennium Green. I remember we got a special Millennium candle that our local mm. church did. This mm. big fucking Mingan candle, which. For some reason, was wrapped in plastic as well. So everyone like you know kept their Millennium candles wrapped in plastic. Yes. And uh, I, I basically insisted that we light the candle on the Millennium because I was like, what's the point of having it then? And my granny, as we all lit the candle, and it was like, say a, a hope for the new Millennium. And then granny was like, well, I won't be around for the next Millennium, will I? And there was kind of a bit of silence. And then I was like, none of us will be around no, for the next Millennium, granny. A thousand years. And I'm like, all right, then that's the candle done, is it? Like, you know, <laughs> no. a hubris for my granny. Yeah, you're not going to live for another hundred thousand years. No, you're not. No, I don't think we even celebrated it. it no, America. really? Yeah, not I a thing. So. I know that Chester got the Millennium Greenway. Which is when we turned a. Sorry, uh, all you guys just got like long hair done no, and claimed yeah, it was honestly. millennium. Like. Well, there was an abandoned train track that ran through Chester and uh-huh. we turned it into like a cycle path. Okay. So you could that's cycle from Chester okay. all the way into Wales. That's a nice difference. That's, so, yeah, that's what we got. That's the millennium you didn't have like a millennium watch or any no, countdown just, business or anything like that. It's just another year, isn't it? Was it around this time that the Y2K stuff started as well? I yeah, 98, because I would have thought that would have been, yeah, big time. Big yeah. concern. Yeah. Big concern. Right. I do I do remember, like, uh, that being in my in my family a lot because my parents had an office, so mm. they, they were trying to be Y2K compliant. And I do remember, like, there was a period of time we'd be booting up 3D Movie Maker, not knowing if the movie you were about if to make the last time <laughs> was like if it was if it was Y2K compliant because you know he would give me my props give me my actors he wasn't giving me no Y2K compliance oh no it's the Millennium Bug we're gonna have to close the software <laughs> and who would have thought the, the the real Millennium Bug would be Sony forgetting that leap years exist oh buddy <laughs> you blew it well starting us off and it's the best way to start off any Wrestlemania 
with 13 teams already in the ring. That's why there's 26 studs ready for their WrestleMania moment. Mm -hmm. And we've got half of the Nation of Domination coming out looking very sheepish indeed. Mm -hmm. In separate teams. Separate teams. It's just so weird. Now, I don't know if you guys recalled uh, my incredible play-by-play analysis of this in the first episode, where instead of listing out who's in the Battle Royale, I instead said, Drew, I'm not going to read out every single member of the, uh, the, the team. The only really two important teams, I suppose, you could argue in this are the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal, who are making their uh, return to WWF, and you've got a uh, Farouk and Kama from the Nation of Domination. So, <laughs> to right the wrongs of 2013, it's a 15 team battle royale as Bradshaw and Chains take on Flash Funk and Steve Blackman, okay. take on Los Bariquas members Miguel Perez and Savio Vega, Los Bariquas members Jesus and Jose Estrada, and taking on the Disciples of the Apocalypse, Eight Ball and Skull, and the Godwins, Henry L and Phineas, and the Headbangers, who are the NWA Tag Team Champions of the World, the Nation of Domination, D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry, taking on the Nation of Domination, Farouk and Kamen Mustafa, the new Midnight Express of Bodacious Barton and Bostic Bob, the Quebecers Jacques and Pierre, the Rock and Roll Express Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, the Truth Commission Sniper and Recon even though they've left the Truth Commission, and debuting, I shit you not, their first match ever together, Brian Christopher and Scott Taylor, too much debut in this battle royale. WrestleMania. He's meant to be fighting for the light heavyweight title. <laughs> we'll wait for the light heavyweight match to get into that properly because I've got a big fucking axe to grind with this. There's a lot to unpack here. There is Firstly, a lot to unpack. I've watched this match like nine times. This is the first time I realized Kurgan's not in this match. No, nope, he's actually He an runs in. Yes. But he's so upset when he, he, he eliminates someone and he's so upset by doing that that it looks like he's been eliminated. Yep. So I thought Kurgan was this fucking Egypt for years, getting dumped over the top rope. Robert Downey's giving him the thick end of the wedge in, in, in Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> he, he even show up for the Game of Shadows. <laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't even know the Headbangers were NWA Tag Team Champions. Oh. I'm invested. Yeah, you excited about this one? Bob Buchanan is in this in a plain black singlet right. album. Yeah. What is going on? Didn't even notice him first time around. Nine times. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I just find it bizarre that we've got all these teams and we still need run-ins. Yes, like, honestly. Barry Windham, Barry, Barry Windham runs in at yeah. some Several point as well. Like. Yeah, Windham yeah. comes out as well. And also, you know, some of these teams are very peculiar. Mm. You know, like Bradshaw and Chains? Yeah, why? And Flash Funk and Blackman. Yeah. That's strange. I mean, these are guys like Bradshaw. He's been pushed pretty much yeah. quite nonstop and build yeah. up. You're making out that he's going to face Wyndham at WrestleMania. Nope. Blackman was undefeated until the Raw before WrestleMania. Yep. So, like, a lot of people here left. I mean, I think this Battle Royale, you know, having the context now and knowing that almost everyone here, like the Rockers, the New Midnight Express, they debuted the previous week on Raw mm-hmm. and Jim Cornette cast the Rockers out of the NWA even though they still have NWA written on their trousers oh. Oh. and they have the new Midnight Express Bodacious Bart and Bombastic Bob or yep. swap their adjectives so like there's loads of context and it makes this match so much worse it does actually <laughs> having more context doesn't help and speaking of context 
fucking LOD 2000. We were so sure that it was like, these guys have been gone for some time and now they're making their big comeback. But so they, they do act like that still. But they, they, they're, well, they're back, they're back. The reason why is because they've been gone for like a fortnight and we saw them last two weeks ago when they fell out after a match and started this beating was, each other up. Because yeah, like, we've had the LOD being laid out and they're gone forever. Like, loads, I think it like, happened three times throughout yeah. this season. But this time it was, they had their shot at the titles, they blew it yeah. and then they fought each other. They started beating each other up and it was really shit. So it wasn't that they've been gone for a long time. It's that everyone was like, oh no, they broke up. Mm. Nah, not really. They're 2000, baby. So what this basically is, is if you're a teacher and you've got like loads of misbehaved kids and then you put three of them together, hoping that like they'll kind of, you know, keep each other in line and it works well for one lesson mm -hmm. really well. That's Sunny in the LOD 2000. Mm. There you go. Because I can't begin to tell you, like, it just... Of all the things in the show tonight, it really feels like one of the only things where it's like someone's really thought this through. You know, like the look is is new. It's it's mm. it's reminiscent of old. I think Sunny looks like as a visual Sunny with those two guys. It makes it feel fresh for the fucking nineties. It's different, at least. It's definitely different. But if you were to like ask, like, okay, never mind Sunny. Forget Sunny. Bam, Sheen on Factor. Let's say, <laughs> what's the actual new thing about LOD themselves? Two thousand. Jim Ross really concisely sums it up when he says, "I can't believe this new LOD animal in short tights, both men with different hairstyles." <laughs> That's 2000, baby. I kind of like the new get-up, though. All, Do all, you? All the new padding and stuff. I actually quite liked it. Yeah, I thought it was cool. The one thing what was beneficial of Sunny being there, I thought, Bill, was that when she was posing for the crowd and such and doing all of her moves, it gave the LOD the requisite three minutes to remove all the gear because, yeah. oh boy, they were fucking... They were struggling with some of them clasps. It's mm. 2000, baby. There's too much going on with that gimmick now. But like... literally, the next pay-per-view, as far as I know, it's back to like, oh, the LOD are... In, you know, we are, we are one fucking drug angle away from the dissolution of the LOD. Yeah. for reals this time so we have um, a lot of people who have left groups or left teams just kind of messing about in here Sniper and Recon bless they were wearing WWF Attitude t-shirts when they Aww. came out Savio Vega first man out of the Battle Royale yeah that's not a fitting end for this man who would be, no. you know, if I was to say like a low key MVP of the season, a man yeah. who I completely mm. turned about on. Yeah, he's been a solid mid carder throughout. Good the run. So fucking good. And then he never appears all. on pay per view again. No, that's him. It's, it's literally Brawl for All was the one time we saw yeah. him in season one. Yeah. And Jesus Christ, they did him dirty, huh? Mm. They did the whole Barique was dirty in fairness. Yeah, uh, you know? nothing came of the Barique was. Nothing came of any of the gangs from Gang no. Wars, if you think about it. They're all on the outs now. No, DOA are going to stick around and work with um, Ellering a little bit, but that's about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So we have pretty much silence after that initial, you know, spectacle of everyone being in the ring and yeah. you know, way. And well, no one can do anything. The ring's too full. Yeah, it's a mess. The commentators can't even keep no, up. With the it. camera can't see anything. Like the only people genuinely looking like they can do their stuff and are having a bit of fun, Jim Cornette and Sonny on the outside are doing like a little yeah. bit of back and forth. Like so, they they're having fun at least. That's good. Also, look, Jim Cornette. He's been all over this TV show. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Non-stop. Billy, he wrestled on Raw. Yeah. Ugh. So, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much total non-stop the corny show. Like, yeah. I'm not sure if it's to keep him happy because Russo is writing more stuff, so... And I'm pretty sure angle. as well that we don't get him on pay-per-view after this either. I think we get him with the new Midnight Express and King of the Ring. Little, little bit. Yeah, because we do have some NWA bollocks for one or two months and he mm. was always around for those I matches. I not remember at Them all. Fucking, I would say the Rock and Roll Express... 
like even in a, a ring full of 30 lads mm. these two very rickety looking old men yeah. and it's saying something because I've watched Rock and Roll Express wrestle in the last couple of years I watched some of their stuff in the NWA mm. and so this is they did with like FTR and the Young Bucks and AEW and my god those guys are like they actually look healthier as older men yes. there than they do with these like sad middle aged looking lads looking like fucking Beavis and Butthead like Aww. just really fucking Beavis and Butthead when they kind of aged up a little bit like you know yeah. wasn't good luck here there is actually we should say there is actually stakes as well in this match oh yes the, the winners of this battle royal will get a title shot at next month's pay-per-view which JR tells us will be forgiven in your house <laughs> forgiven Uh Unforgiven. It's the prequel that Metallica released for. Uh, <laughs> so it was one of the B sides from their Lou Reed remaster that they did. Uh, the best Metallica album. Sorry, Saint Anger fans. We've 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 changed the rankings a little bit here. The Rougeaus, D'Lo Brown, and Mark Henry are all out because Mark Henry doesn't understand the rule that when, uh, as Billy coined it, the "you're out, mate" rule in the first yeah. episode, yeah. Uh, we have Mark Henry staying in the ring because yeah. it's his WrestleMania and he'll wrestle as long as he, he wants to. He is just wandering about from person to person. <laughs> he has no clue what's no. going on. He's literally like a bear in the neighborhood going around, like looking at mailboxes <laughs> or something yeah, he's, like that. He's, he's Hank the Tank. <laughs> <laughs> We got uh, Kama and Farouk and Barik was gone. Like, names which were, like, holding together pay-per-views yeah, a few yeah. months ago, just thrown out. Yep. Like, I will say, if there's one thing that does happen at this WrestleMania that made it a decent starting point is... They clear out a lot of the old loose cuts of meat and a lot, yeah, of, the, that's true. A lot of the driftwood gets uh, yeah. uh, collected here and put into that's one true. side. The NWA Tag Team Champions of the World, the Headbangers, they get eliminated next. No. Yeah, and uh, let me tell you, folks, if you want to have a wild time, go onto the NWA Tag Team Championship lineage page. The only place on Wikipedia I've seen, this is the first time the title changed hands in the ring, written into one of the column notes. Jesus. So, yeah, the NWA Tag Champs Headbangers are eliminated. Mark Henry does a great press time to Brian Christopher. Brian, there's a good yep. sell on it. And again, yeah. the camera misses it a lot of it because like there's just too many guys in the ring. Like you can't get good angles on this stuff. Jerry Lawler assured by Vince McMahon this is only a wooden ideal. Why did Brian Christopher pick a worthless partner like <laughs> Scott Taylor? <laughs> Fucking hell. LOD get the bucket from from the, the LOD get bucketed from the Godwins. Yep. Again, the Godwins another team that felt like, you know, a, a players and are like next month. Nothing. Again, like, yeah, know. Brawl for All. That's the last time we'll see them. Southern like. Justice, don't forget. Oh, jeez. Couple of big break players. Like, yeah. You know. And then we have the LOD and Enemy, my dad's favourite tag team. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, the New Midnight Express, Bart and Bob do all they can to kind of put a little... I mean, they do get the crowd going a little bit at the end. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Crowd is, you know, they're wrestling fans. They're happy to see the LOD look yeah. good. They eliminate both at the same time. LOD 2K win... And that's the end of that gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that it was a more complicated disaster with the context than just being a snooze fest. Yeah. Yeah. You don't open the pay-per-view at a battle royale. No, um, not like that. We, we know that now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if anyone stood out particularly in this one. No, there's too much going on. Impossible for anyone to stand out. Literally, Mark Henry press slamming Brian Christopher was one of the few spots that I could even tell you about there being in this match. I think we were saying in the very first recording of this, it was like, well, you know, they had 15 teams. That says a lot. They didn't really, though. Like, yeah. you know, they really, And the few teams in here that they did have had either broken off from their bigger group or they yeah. themselves were on the out. So... This is a worldwide event, we are told twice in the first 15 minutes of the broadcast, all over the world. 
All over the world. Everywhere? Yeah, UK. England. Sky. Yeah. South Africa. Yeah. Interesting. That's, mm. you know, interesting. Just. Uh... Did you get it here on your neck of the woods, Kevin? Yeah, we did actually. We did, yeah. We did, you know. You think they would have mentioned that? I think they would have. You would have thought. Yeah, the Good Friday Agreement was signed around this time <laughs> as well. <laughs> they should have really put that in the terms, shouldn't they? They should put that in the culture corner, shouldn't they, Billy? That's <laughs> 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 yeah, alright though. It's alright though. It's alright. <laughs> I should have expected more asking anyone from England to know anything about anything from the rest of the UK. <laughs> what's that? It's Scotland! <laughs> what? what? What's that? It's Wales! It's pronounced Scatland. <laughs> <laughs> Something here we didn't have the first time around. WWF, they're in the house, and the house is Boston, and WWF are all over Boston. And a public workout here. This looks so fucking lame. What the fuck is it? Do you know what happened to this? I, no, no, because they say DX did a public workout. Yeah. Workout in public with DX. And they cut to a shot of Stone Cold tied up while Shawn Michaels and Mike Tyson kiss him on the head. Yeah, they, they did the elite spot on him. <laughs> so confusing. So, so what the public workout was, was kind of a little hype-up event that they did. They put a ring in like kind of a public area. Everyone come on down to the market, see the public workout. They were going to have Mike Tyson there, Austin Michaels, and the big star of the show, Triple H, just to kind of cut a couple of promos, do some autographs, everyone go home happy. I think they did like a, a match or two in the right. ring as well. And Shawn Michaels came out for his promo at the start and someone in the crowd threw a battery at him. Oh, jeez. And Sean, at this point, not a happy camper. Nope. For various reasons, you know, invented in his head and, you know, very much reality with his body, specifically mm. his neck and spine at the moment. So he storms off. And then Austin comes out and does his bit and Michaels comes back. And they just repeat the spot from Raw where they tie him up in the ropes and they rub his bald head and all that. So it's just to get a bit of heat on the angle. Austin and Michaels cross paths two, maybe three times in the entire build for this. Yeah. But, you know, batteries being thrown shows you that the fans and Sean are not necessarily in the best mindset vis-a-vis Sean Michaels at the moment. We also had on Friday, Stone Cold Steve Austin being on Regis and Kathy Lee Live. Don't show this. Don't. It's such a burial of Steve's character. I was impressed that he was charismatic enough that he could be Stone Cold, go on, do that, and still be bought as Stone Cold by the fans. Yes, I think you're you're really risking his character by yeah. doing this because you see him getting in Regis's face, and obviously Regis thinks he's a massive big shot because he's got his own show, so he doesn't sell any of Forget it. Forget Kathy Lee, she non-factor. She, she, bam, bam, <laughs> she non-factor. <laughs> but Regis like is refusing to sell any sort of fear for Steve, so they're like in each other's face, and then Regis rubs his little bald head and like he's like, ah, tough wrestler man or whatever. Don't show that at WrestleMania. This is his coronation like, tonight. I'm a piece of shit, Regis. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> Those two were the only legitimate ones we had. Mm. Bill, what was going on here? Did you get Two Cold Scorpio on yeah. the Kids Network? Yeah. What were they doing? What was that going on? I couldn't really tell. They, they, they like, they was kind of just like flat. It was like a bit of like a fever dream how this package yeah. was presented. Honestly, yeah, it, it was, was. just like now flash, all flash these... Funkers with a boy. <laughs> And they're all treated like these are equal events. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know? It's like your Miz tweeting all day long and him doing the golf and then going to the art show. But yeah. instead, it's and like. Rusev was at Tesco signing autographs. Like. And Tuco Scorpio is on like public access TV. Mm, is that yeah. it? Okay. And oh, also, the Marrows went out for dinner. 
Champions Bar and Grill, you could sit and have dinner with the really, really exciting combination of Sable and Mark Mero. And Mark Mero, the lighting and the demeanour of the Meros led me to believe that this was a chance encounter and not something yeah. that was in the media it, itinerary. Yeah, it, 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 it looks like they've been having a meal and maybe had an argument and then someone's walked over to them. Yeah. yeah, To, to, to have words about the upcoming mixed tag match. But they make out like it's sort of like, oh, imagine if you were able to have dinner with these two who we've just spent the last few months watching them argue constantly on Raw and, like, basically Miro be abusive. Like, wouldn't you love to be able to sit there with both of them and pick their brains? I'll tell you what, I wasn't wasting no time at Champions because I was with Jerry the King Lawler and the NWA Tag Team Champions, the Headbangers, at the VIP dinner. And it just appeared to be a large group of wrestling fans in, got yeah. to have dinner what it appeared to be the participants in the tag team battle royale. We just, they were all just sat on bar stools on the stage, like in nice jumpers. Pretty much. The ba- headbangers brought the straps, though. Yeah, you know, they brought them the NWA tag team belts. So, um, yeah, that was it. That was all we had done. Yeah. Hey, that's some exclusive content, though. We didn't have that first time round. Well, the, the folks from Miller Bradley weren't here this time to foot the bills, so I guess we couldn't do much <laughs> yeah. in that way. Takamichinoku, Aguila, not Aguila, Kevin, for the light heavyweight championship. Well, this is my first question: Is is it Aguila? Because they say Aguila sometimes on commentary. Like, well, I've, I've, I, I get the thick end of the wedge every time I mispronounce something, yeah. and I've been told that it's Aguila, and Howard Finkel said Aguila. Aguila. So it's Aguila. You okay. gotta trust the thing. I trust yeah. the thing. Yeah, Fink would know. Fink would know. Look, someone, someone tweeted me and they said you pronounced it Aguila, and it's meant to be pronounced Aguila. <laughs> And I, I read that. Just read the name, read Kevin. Read it, Kevin. I took it at face value. JR says that there's over a hundred members of the assembled media here tonight, and he starts listing media outlets. There are daily stars here from the United Kingdom. We've mm. got the Greenwich Reporter. He's listing, like, whoa, publications. They won't be doing this in a year mm. or two. What's This is like them really trying to get into bed with the mainstream. Yeah, I think this is them being like, we've had a rough few years here and we're now realising that we're actually on the cusp of getting something really exciting going here. So let's really hit it both barrels and try and make everyone feel welcome. Come back like, into the fold, Bill, after. There's a plate of ham sandwiches over there. You can have three. <laughs> it is cool, though. I think we said it before, the visual of having all the, the, the assembled oh, photographers, yeah. particularly for something like, you know, Taka and Aguila, I do like this they've got something that ecw wcw doesn't really have i think this clash of styles is expertly done and it's something different from what you're seeing over on lucha central which is wcw at the time that's giving you some really amazing stuff that being said the fact that our light heavyweight championship is a match that is honestly not even been mentioned on the raw not mentioned and if there's any mention it ain't taka and aguila it's taka and brian christopher you know this should 100 percent be brian christopher yeah months six months of bills six months of building up to this story when we're finally finally going to get the payoff of the big one-on-one match or maybe a mixed tag with jerry lawler involved or something something at the very least we deserve an explanation as to why we're not getting that this little thrown together meaningless light heavyweight match Feels like such a slap yeah. in the face uh, for everything that Taka's um, done in the and last that's, six that's, months. And that's no dig to a, a Gwilla. Oh, no, 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 because he's obviously capable. And this is, from a technical point of view and from just an in-ring point of view, this is a great match. But it should be something I can actually give a fuck about. Yeah, like. yeah and I think, you know, this is, this is on WWF because they present the shows as these, like, you know, self-contained stories where you're meant to care about the characters, and particularly now in the Attitude Era, it's all emotive issues, mm-hmm. personal stories, ramped up to 11. 
if you just turn around and be like, oh, two great competitors, though, from over the, across the world, let's just enjoy the match, mm. folks. Like, people pop for the spots, and then they're silent. Yeah. You know, as they wonder what to do because they have no phones to look at and yeah. no, no tapes to be mm. recording in 1998. And they're both baby faces as well. There's no heat to be had here or anything. It's just not WrestleMania-worthy, unfortunately. Uh, Sonny and LOD are on the Superstar line, though, right now. Talk about all the big plans that they have for 1998. Mm. Big, well, big... well... I thought it went well. It, uh, <laughs> it's a, yeah, the crowd the crowd don't give him enough, I don't think, you know. And I just couldn't help but wonder about Brian Christopher. I tried to find out, mm-hmm. you know, rumours or anything like that to the effect. One week he's been hyped up as the opponent. And that's it. That's it. You know, next week he's in too much. I, so. I, was, I was certain that like, oh, well, I guess because we know we're not getting at WrestleMania. Maybe Brian gets hurt. No, he's on the show. We already we just saw him. I in wish the I didn't Royal. know that he was in that Battle Royale because that would kind of at least be like, oh, he's injured. You that know, makes that more sense. These guys do pretty much perfect versions of, of dueling moves here. We get lovely moonsaults from both men, lovely dropkicks from both men. We have a much faster pace than you expect from most of the other matches you have here tonight. It's mm-hmm. not a particularly long match. But JR is probably doing the heavy lifting here in, in realising that no one gives a shit about this division. Mm. It's probably a miracle that this is even on the card here. So he's trying to put over Taka, you know, putting over his spots, you know, how hard he's fought as champion. But again, it is a match where the crowd are only reacting for the spots and there is no story coming into it mm. or out of it. And Kainte debuted the night after this on Raw. Yep. So that's pretty much the end. Like, Kainte debuting, that's the end of you, Taka Michinoku. Okay? Pretty much. The Michinoku driver gets reversed. Aguila gets a sweet Hurricane Rana, but that also gets reversed into a powerbomb. This is like the first time you're seeing this type of uh, action here where you got people doing the back and forth. Yeah. It did know, you know, it did make me think about some of the other stuff that we missed out on, like the other light heavyweights, you yeah. know, who obviously stuff didn't go to plan. And, you know, I also missed the minis as I well. I was literally about to say, yeah, I, what I would have given to see Max Mini at this WrestleMania. Yeah, like, that would have been a real nice moment. Yeah, you know, Lil Key was one of the stars of, of this season, genuinely. I thought. You know, it was a part yeah. of wrestling I never thought I would have gotten into, but I genuinely was invested in those minis at that point in time. Aguila gets drop-kicked mid-dive. After teasing it earlier, we get the Michinoku driver, and Taki Michinoku picks up the win in a very good, but honestly stands out this match. If you watch it on your own as a kind of a an oddity I guess you know to be like hey they were doing these types of matches in 98 but yeah. this is one of the things that it's like you know in 97 you thought these were plans and like at this point mm. everyone knows this ain't the plan well it wasn't as good as his match against Pantera yeah yeah, yeah. it's because we have the heat of the loaded mask in this yeah. one really. even no. though I know S.A. Rios probably had one because we all know he's evil like, you know I remember first time we reviewed this show I was blown away by this because I was like I wasn't expecting this and then this time around, I'm like, yeah, we've actually been getting better than this yeah. on a regular basis. And this just really goes to show why the light heavyweight belts would go on to be like completely useless and no one gives a fuck about it. Because they had a big story and it was like, yeah. this division means something. We've set up a huge I feud mean, and ju- we're not doing it. Just look at the differences between the first entrance of Taka yeah. when he mm-hmm. came in. There's no Star been, Wars font here. And the you entrance know? here now, like, <laughs> yeah. they, they've seen the writing on the yeah, wall. Yeah, was already in the ring for Literally, yeah, yeah, no entrance know? for him. And you know what? I know I'm saying we get a nice clash of styles here that we maybe didn't get as much of in the other companies. But the one thing that WC had even in 1998 is you know you had guys who had enough leeway and enough space in the card that a Jericho or a Malenko or whoever it is could you know could kind of you know make a little something make an angle for themselves make it make, yeah. make it a little bit more interesting you did have character you did have story there because people like Jericho, Hoovy, Eddie, Ray like names who were like they're too big to be put into this small division whereas like guys here felt like Taka didn't have 
the latitude, didn't have the freedom, didn't have the maybe the confidence to speak up for himself, mm. so that he has been put into a small little spot and he's going to give you the small little spot. Yeah. Whereas over on the other show, because it's kind of a bit ramshackle, these guys who were in this spot could give you a little bit more because as long as they turned out a decent wrestling match, that's all that matters. And I think it was very foolish for Vince McMahon to try and come and eat Bischoff and Heyman's lunch here and try and give him this because fans could see that elsewhere. And all this yeah. does really ultimately is remind me of all the great Cruiserweight stuff I've seen on other shows. Yeah, that's it. If there, you was, know? if there was one way that WWF could actually do their own light heavyweight stuff is with what we've been seeing. Brian Christopher and Jerry Lawler giving yeah. you that big WWF yeah. heel stuff, the big over-the-top antics and whatnot. Like That's what WWF fans were after. Did you think maybe they shot too early on this? Do you think maybe if they decided to do this maybe in the year 2000 that we might have got something? But they did kind of try again, didn't a they? They little, brought it back. Their bit. heart was never in it. I think you know? by the time they tried to bring it back, they were already doing what they could have done with that, with the hardcore division and being mm, like, suppose, this is yeah. where you're going to have our extra stuff going on, like the extra I little suppose flavor. you can't have the hardcore division and the light heavyweight. They wouldn't set them both in the same Too many show. things, yeah. But hey, look, we got some big business coming up because backstage, it's the people's champ, the Rock, who is speaking to a mystery woman, and couldn't find out about her. I didn't know to know that. No, I don't know who so, she is, mate. No, there's no, there is literally no way of knowing. I, I would life. Bing it if Bing existed. Yeah. Check, but checked on Dog Pile, nothing. I, I asked Jeeves, he, he got nothing. Didn't know, didn't know. Folks, Jennifer Flowers is the special guest here tonight. Mm. And she's a special guest here tonight because Monica Lewinsky, rightly, wanted nothing to fucking do with this. And huh. no doubt she was given an offer. No doubt they approached her. Mm. But Monica Lewinsky knew better than to try and cash in on this. Jennifer Flowers was one of the women who was involved with Bill Clinton. The difference with Jennifer Flowers and some of the other things about Bill Clinton is that Jennifer Flowers said that she had a consensual relationship with Bill Clinton yeah. in the 70s. Bill Clinton was only like 30 years old when he became Attorney General in Arkansas. High-flying young politician. She claims that they had a consensual relationship, an affair, while Bill was still married. Yeah. She testified to that under oath in 1998 when they were rounding up basically mm. the women who had an affairs with Bill Clinton to try and build kind of a case for impeachment mm. against him. She said on the record that they had an affair and Bill Clinton also said on the record and then confirmed he said it on the record in his autobiography that he had had an affair with Jennifer Flowers. To this day, it's the only person that he has actually expressly said... I have had sexual relations okay. with this woman. He's danced around it, depending on what your definition of is, is. What is a torrent? You know, he was, he has, he's danced around it with all the other cases. And from Monica Lewinsky to Juanita, and there's mm. some very fucking, like, you know, you don't know about Bill Clinton, read up about it. There's some fucking, there's, there's a lot of, like, politics and bullshit, in inverted commas, mm. but there's some straight up shocking accusations mm. that mm. you really would have to kind of twist yourself a little bit. Like Jennifer Flowers, for instance, had recordings of her and Bill having phone sex and okay. talking dirty and all that. And she, around this time, was trying to cash in a little bit, hence the WrestleMania appearance. Well, we'll say as well, she's not just like someone that had worked in an office or whatever. She's no stranger to entertainment. She's an actress and a singer, I believe. Well, she like, did she... work in the in the Arkansas like, uh, uh, legislature. That's why she would have originally... wasn't her first foray no, into no, no, the no. world of media, was it? Like, she no. was already used to like doing on-camera stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and she kind of like leaned into the fact that, you know, that... You know, she had admitted it and Bill had admitted it. All the build-up to this WrestleMania, oh by the God. way, folks, they had 
stuff for her kind of going, come on, you could admit it. I did. He did. You're yeah. a wrestling fan. You're going to order WrestleMania. And if I bump into Mike Tyson, he will be Iron Mike. And if I see Steve Austin, it'll be anything but Stone Cold. Very Just hot the penis, wouldn't it? Basically like? saying, like, I'm going to fuck every wrestler at WrestleMania. Like. But to show you the kind of lengths to which folks in the political sphere would tie themselves up in knots at the time, she had this audio tape that I was saying, and she was saying that she was going to release it. And then she did actually release it at one point. Mm. And all the Clinton's aides, like George Stephanopoulos and stuff, they're like, oh no, if you listen to it, it's all doctored. Like she's got, like, you know, she's like put it all together. Wow. And like people bought that. And like she then she auctioned off the tape later on, like the 2000s, and she made like you know, a couple of grand off of it on, on eBay or whatever. Mm. But like the tapes exist, and it's like, you know, it is Bill Clinton. <laughs> the tapes, yeah. like, yeah. you know, look, all you can say is that Jennifer Flowers. Definitely had sex with Bill Clinton, and they both admitted to it. So I don't know why there being tapes admitting to that fact is somehow scandalous. Yeah. Do you think you could actually download the audio recording from ifreeclub.com? I wonder! Like, full Ooh. circle. I know, I'm just not Jennifer, you need to turn that into an NFT ASAP. Maybe, oh. maybe it's not an impression, maybe it's just a splice. That's what they were saying. The tape, yeah. Yeah. You're ah. quite good at turning me on. <laughs> but all I can say is, is that I was... I was expecting more of the Monica Lewinsky stuff to be brought up because it's not been mentioned recently on TV as much as it had been in the late late 97. And I was almost wondering if it's because we don't want people to be prepped up for this Lewinsky chat when we're going to bring in another Clinton scandal yes. person. Very different women, very different scandals, very different, you know... Uh, um, Outcomes, let's just say, and all yes. that. But I just, they were basically just looking for something salacious. That's, That's what they it. were after. That's literally it. You know, this is the crowd who wanted OJ to fucking write, wrestle Roddy Piper two years prior to this mm -hmm. WrestleMania. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is. It's kind of fucking lame, though, isn't it? Oh, massively. You know, like, I'm massively. not sure me knowing about this, and I care a lot about politics and all that shit, mm -hmm. but I don't know if, like, this is anything. It's on a wrestling show. Not at all. It's it's random, and like you say, it's just because it's salacious. It's it's a false equivalent, but it'd be like them inviting like Carol Baskin or someone yeah, onto yeah, yeah. and being like, you know, she's got nothing to do with wrestling, but you've heard about her, haven't you? Yeah, she's here. Well, like, like when she was on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> People in 2022, they get kind of up in arms. It's like, oh, Rudy Giuliani showed up on The Masked Singer. Yes. And, you know, mentions, you know this, this is this is only in America. Not even only America. This is just this is the media at the time. And yeah. if you want to convince yourself that it's something that's happened in the last 20, you know, the last couple of years, it's not. It's been going on for a long, 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 long old time, mm. you know. And WWE, if they were seeing scandal at the time, they were trying to figure out a way to, to plug into mm. it. I hadn't realized until they started mentioning it on Raw so much that Sable and Mero, they want, they're going for Pam Landerson and Tommy Lee. That's what that's meant to be kind of alluding really? to. Yeah, because they keep, like the last couple of weeks on Raw, they're like, oh, Mark Mero, he's just like Tommy Lee. He's been crushed by the, the expectation of the stardom of his more popular, better looking wife. You know, they, wow. they, and they're just looking for what's the scandal. You know, yeah. of course, the only scandal they don't want anything to do with is any of the scandals involving Mike Tyson, I guess. No, 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 not that type of scandal, not one that the fun scandals. So Jennifer and The Rock, all I can say is it plays off like The Rock has tried to construct his own like serious sixty minutes interview, but he's so much of an egotistical pig that he's talking about himself and revealing that he is straight up evil. What I'd never caught the first time around is that Jennifer is very clearly like every time Rock says something rude or sexy, she's like, "Ooh." But no, I, I didn't read it. As, like, I've read it as more her being like, ha, yeah, 
okay. And like her face is sort of like, I'm gonna fucking kill my agent. Like I need to get better gigs than this shit. Yeah, like, this wasn't the celeb appearance that yeah. you like. She, I, I would, I honestly didn't know she was a celebrity the first few times. I thought she would have been like kind of like Missy Hyatt or something like someone else. She was in wrestling like the seventies or the eighties yes. or something. Maybe she yeah. should come back. You want to embarrass her? I think that's it. I was gonna say she doesn't seem to be happy to be there, and I don't blame her in the slightest because this doesn't do her any favors no. at all. Genuinely surprised that she didn't get hit with a pie. Like, just, I am, right? I am. I'm genuinely surprised. I was shocked, like, thinking about it, like, you know? You tell me there's not fucking copy written down somewhere. And then Jennifer Flowers with the biggest pie you ever seen. And it's her birthday as well. Triple H, own heart, European Championship. No, no, not a fan of this. No, this... This gave me like a time to sort of pause and reflect on Owen Hart's like last 12 months and what's yeah. happened to him. The more I think about it, the sadder it makes me because I know you weren't keen on it, but I was proper yeah, into that. You guys that. Were, were, were into the black heart. I, I, since Brett's left, I thought everything Owen's done has been a big smelly turd as far nah, as I'm concerned. I think there was a good two or three weeks of the black heart where it was like the crowd were electric for him. He was genuinely like st approaching Steve Austin levels of like anti-hero guy that we all want to get behind. But you can't have two guys on the same show I mean, that do it. that yeah, though. Yeah. You, you could try. But, but you can't only one vigilante per show. That's true. They could have pivoted to do it in a different direction, but instead of doing anything like that, they were just like, nah, let's do three or four months of Triple H burying him, Like, actually. Let's just keep having him lose constantly. So the serious Mandela effect here, because every time I watch this, I'm convinced Owen Hart is defending the European Championship. Nah. Owen was the European Champion for a good long while, and then the week before this, yep. sorry, two weeks before this, Owen rolled his ankle in the ring. They don't show you the footage here, but it's a proper, like, like mm. you, know, you know, imagine the Sid leg, but just onto the ankle. Like, mm. his ankle properly, like, the side of it was touching the fucking ball of his, of his foot. It was awful. And then the next week he comes out and he's got the big boot on him, you know, because he's, he's got the limp and all that. And he sits down and he does commentary. So I think Owen did legitimately roll his ankle, but not so badly that he's, like, you know, can't compete or anything. Yeah. Although, the level to which they'll let you compete in 1998, well, we're looking yeah. later on in this card tonight, mm. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Yeah. So Triple H comes out when Owen's on commentary and he's like, Owen, I'm fighting you for the European Championship at WrestleMania 14, but you're such a nugget, I want to fight you right now because you got a broken ankle and it'll be really easy. <laughs> and I was like, come on, Hunter, I'll kick your ass at WrestleMania, but i got a bust up ankle. There's no way I can do it. Oh, what are you, chicken? What? I'll go show you. I'm a black heart. And he goes in. Triple H doesn't even take his T-shirt off. Nah. China whacks him with a billy club into the boot. And then Triple H just puts him in Indian death lock straight away. There we go. Yep. New champion, Triple H. So... Triple H felt he needed the heat of having the belt to defend in this yeah. match where, spoiler, Owen Hart gets the shit knocked out of him. That's it. And we know as well, having done this already, is it like, okay, you can at least redeem this if Owen eventually wins the rivalry or whatever. But he doesn't. He gets screwed every time. Yeah. And then he turns heel and joins the Nation of Domination and then things just go downhill rapidly. Like, it's such a fucking bummer. Say whatever you want about the Blackheart, the quality of it. But at that point, it was like... We're going to give Owen a little something. And then they very quickly decided, nah. And they never did yeah. ever again for the rest Owen of the fell career. down! <laughs> Literally. So we have another stipulation, another little gimmick in this match, Bill. Yeah. This still does not make sense to me. So <laughs> nine, years, nine years later, doing it again, still doesn't make sense. No. China is interfering too much. So we need to get China out of here. Mm -hmm. But we're not going to send her away and nope. say that if she interferes, that the belt's going to change hands. Mm-hmm. 
which should be what's going to happen. We're not going to put her in a cage like we're going to do next month or mm-hmm. month after that. No, she's going to be handcuffed to slaughter. Yeah, backstage, backstage right? Surely they'll leave him backstage. backstage. Yeah. No, we're going to handcuff to slaughter a man who has proven he is an incompetent general manager. Yes. I'd also be afraid to be handcuffed to, to slaughter in case he started feeding off my valor. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I thought what they did here, Billy, was that they did this so it could, there could be symbolism and imagery. Because what it is is China represents legitimate allegations against Sergeant Slaughter's stolen valor, and Sergeant Slaughter represents his ignorance and and basically going like and kind of you know hunkering in into the foxhole. And the handcuff—that's a freedom of information request, isn't it? <laughs> says here he was never in the Marines. <laughs> you fucking get in there, Slaughter. But like, you could handcuff her to Slaughter backstage or at the top of the ramp or at the announce table or whatever, but Slaughter goes out of his way to make sure that China can come like within an inch of reaching Owen yeah. Hart. Like, she's going for like, she's waving her arms around and Slaughter's like, ah, 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 ah. Like he's trying to taunt her or tease mm. her or something. And I do like that Sergeant Slaughter gets his own special introduction from Howard Finkel. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, Commissioner Slaughter will exercise his authority. About fucking time. <laughs> he immediately drops the key there. <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiot. Right, is there such a thing as Keystone Marines? Like, <laughs> you're going to try and steal all the valor of the Keystone cops. I was there chasing them around, waving my baton in the air. <laughs> I've loved Slaughter as Commissioner just because... Big the, fucking boob that he is. <laughs> like Rodney Dangerfield, he doesn't get no respect. Like he, Anytime he tries to exercise his authority, you'll have someone in his face like, you've got a big fucking chin and no one thinks you're any good by the way your wife doesn't like you anymore (laughs) so I will say this in spite of the fact that there was a miserable angle leading into it Owen literally looks like fucking Charlie Brown when he's coming out here for this match but as soon as that bell rings it's Owen Hart baby he brings that intensity I love that he double legs Helmsy straight away bam he's Mm -hmm. knocking the shit out of him he's wrestling like a lad he's been put into a bullshit angle for a couple of months and he's fucking wrestling hard these guys it's a it's a snug old encounter between these two that's it they've both got something to prove here things haven't been going great for Owen but things are going well for Triple H and he wants to prove that like yeah you're, you're making the right choice here I'm the next big guy so in ring wise, forget all the bullshit surrounding it. In ring wise, this is fucking great. Like, probably these one of the two... best, like in terms of the technical ability. Yeah, probably yeah. one of the best matches that we have here. Because I, I remember we were we were just sort of like, eh, it's alright. I think the last I, time we did it, like I don't think we we had a lot to say about it. I think for me, it was just like, I remember listening back. It was like confirming that I loved Own Heart pretty much because I was like, yeah. I went in like, oh, like I know I'm an Own Heart fan, but I've not watched Own Heart properly in a long time. And, you know, you do see a lot of great stuff from Owen. I did actually get goosebumps in this match where Jim Ross, when Owen is rallying at one point, Jim Ross is like, and who could forget at WrestleMania 10 when Owen beat his bigger brother, Brett? I was hey. like, fucking yeah. If he yeah. beat his brother, Brett, he can beat this piss on Triple H. Absolutely. So, like, they did kind of get me there. Well, I was shocked by it. And it was, came up in the heart match. Earl Heber, baby Earl. Yeah, I was about to say, did you hear about this? He's in intensive care. Yeah. What the fuck? Did he swear in his kids' lives again? Literally, when they said that, I was like, was there like a decaying tombstone him? Have I missed something on Raw? No. He had a fucking brain aneurysm a few days before Jesus. this. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah, an aneurysm. Later on in the main event, there's a bit where Shawn Michaels, as he's making his entrance, he turns to the camera and he goes, this is for you, Earl. Because he was meant a referee. Like, it's a very, very serious he's, like. He's back at it in no time, Earl. Yeah, yeah, he'll be I back swear, very, very months. shortly. 
Jesus Christ. It's funny though when uh, they bring up Earl, Jerry goes, Oh, if only Earl Hebner was here, he can't to three and own heart would be gone. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, I was kind of, and most of my wrestling I watch these days, Brett's kind of a little bit in my head somewhere. Yeah. And yet he was nowhere. In the, like I thought in the own match or in the Sean match layer, I'd feel a bit of like mm. the shadow of Brad Hart. But man, talk about an exorcism. That's this, it. There ain't no drop of, of no Hart family, even though they're mentioned Stu and Helen in this match and all mm -hmm. that. Like Jerry's like, you think Stu and Helen are watching this? Probably. <laughs> yeah. I bet they're watching it at home as well. Yeah. You bastards. I, I love Jerry's hatred of the hearts. Like, it gets yeah. consistent, isn't it? Yeah, though, it is. you know? It's That's a what great was... running joke. Consistently irrational. He never gives a reason for it. He just hates them. The like... best part of Brett's return in 2010 is when he comes out and he's like, it's great to be back. He looks over at the commentary desk. We're like, you know, squeaky clean Jerry Lawler. He's like, Hey King and Jerry Lawrence has his hand balled up in a little fist. He's like, "Hey Brad, like you know, <laughs> just as a little, I ate your foot once." <laughs> <laughs> that kind of bond that two men share if that happens. Owen gets cut, and I, I'm not really sure when it happens. They, they show replay of him going into the turnbuckle, but he looks like he mm. took it fairly square. I'm not yeah, sure. Nose, but it's a, it's not a nice gash, and I would imagine, you know, bloody nose is one of the worst things that can happen to you in wrestling because anything that messes with your breathing. Particularly when, like, Owen and, and Triple H, they're off the ropes for pretty much every other move yeah. in this. It's a high work rate match. Beautiful stuff, though. We get the hits from Owen Hart. We get the belly-to-belly -belly suplex, spinning wheel kick. You know, even though Triple H is working the ankle, Owen's still busting out, you know, pretty much the same yeah. same moves. Enzigiri as well. So, I don't know. They don't really play into that. Nah. You know, and I thought, thinking about it now, that for these guys... Two lads, you know, one guy who allegedly was going to be called the game, one guy who does become the game. Very technically minded men. You'd yeah. think there'd be a bit more attention to detail like that. The pedigree reversed into the sharpshooter, reversed into an inverted head into Willie. Sharpshooter, which you can't help but smile on own heart when he's got it in for like five seconds and he's like, all right, I'm going to do it. Woo! The hand goes up. Yes, I did it! China, however, she has pretty much been a factor throughout the match. She reveals the dreaded cocaine powder. And yeah. Sergeant Slaughter's like, mm -hmm. in a cloud of the 80s. Low blow, pedigree, Triple H wins. And China beats the shit out of Slaughter to probably the biggest pop we get in this match. Mm. Yes. People are well into China. And China has spoken a few times on camera now. Mm -hmm. They did a bit where it was like, why did you do that, China? And she was just like, because I can. You know, she's just, <laughs> that's, that's the much we know. And they kind of handle stuff with her and Austin quite well, where they're like, Austin's kind of lucky though. Or like, you know, China really got involved. Yeah. She'd probably kick his ass, man. So China is the star out of the three here. Mm -hmm. I think China's got a lot of upward potential, but owns on the downward slide yeah. here. Yeah. And Triple H doesn't feel like a man who's about to, you know, restart the fire at DX tomorrow night. That's it. He, he doesn't need the European belt in order to do that. Tomorrow night, Triple H is going to have a huge moment where it's like, I'm the captain now and these are my guys. This is my team. You could have easily given Owen the win here and just sew this whole thing up. like. And you could have easily avoided it as well when China was beating up Commissioner Slaughter, Jim Ross for no reason going, and she's not an intern, folks. For foot, dude. Why? Let it go. What does it mean? Come what? On. Like, there's no cigars here or anything. Like, what's <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, I think I like this match less in retrospect just because yeah. it was part of a larger narrative with the hearts that was making me a bit depressed. Yep. And I didn't have the childlike glee of a man in his early 20s about to watch loads of Owen Hart matches for yeah. the first time. So, yeah. It is now time for the third mixed tag team match in WrestleMania history. What an accolade. 
Fucking hell, right? You know, obviously because Ted DiBiase, Sherry Martel, Sapphire and Dusty Rhodes walked so the Meros and the Luna Golduffs of the world could run. Well, the bad blood is, is boiling between that woman, Sable, and Luna. You get back here, you little Oh, my. Sable has had all of this situation. She just slapped Luna. Sable has had enough of Goldust Luna and obviously Mero. Mero's strategy had snowballed into an avalanche of insanity. As indignant as Mero is with Sable, he doesn't want anybody else protecting her but him. His marriage of convenience to Goldust was quickly dissolved. And I'm sick and tired of holding Luna back, blowing myself up <laughs> night after night. Well, it's high time that Luna, you and I both get what we want. Yeah. We're gonna issue the challenge right now, WrestleMania, mixed tag match. <laughs> Gold dust, Luna, Sable, Mark Merrill, if you got the guts, put her in the ring with us. The road to WrestleMania has been a sad one for Sable. Miro continues to turn his back on her. Without Mark on her side in the mixed tag match, Goldust and Luna will destroy Sable. Sable knows her situation is serious. WrestleMania's battle of beauty and the beast will determine Sable's life, love, and future. Luna's life lacked any tenderness, Aww. so she turned her ire onto Sable. This one does make more sense now in context. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a long story going on here. Massive. A very long story that still has, get this folks, another nine months to it. Fuck Whoa. me! At Survivor Series, we're still playing the hits, baby. And we thought Kane was long-term storytelling. We haven't like... brought in Jacqueline yet, folks. No. Absolutely not. So we've had twists, we've had turns. So Meryl got jealous of Goldust defending Sable. At Ye one point. Yeah, because Mero and Goldust have been pals for a little while now. Mm. They've been doing stuff together when it was Marilyn Dust or he did Sable Dust and stuff like that. They've been having a lot of fun together, Mero and Goldust have. It's a marriage of convenience, they yes. say. Mm. But then Mero lost his cool... No, wait, I think it was... No, no, no. Mero <laughs> so lost his cool with Goldust. I do remember that happened. They had a pull apart or whatever. But, but it wasn't, wasn't like they were splits, Phil. Wasn't Luna jealous first, though? And then Luna came out and they said Luna was jealous, so Luna kissed Mero. And then Mero was <laughs> like, But I'm married to Sable. And then JR was like, Oh, but I only think Luna kissed Mark Mero as a ruse. And it's like, fuck me. See, now that. don't confuse long-term storytelling with clear storytelling yeah. like, just because it's long term you can do every fucking twist and turn all and the like, permutations basically like. they're really relying on Marilyn Manson to put a bow on this and he didn't yeah. show up yeah. so instead we got we got nine more months of it to go instead two of the most insecure men in WWF history locking it up oh boy I can't wait to see that it's all about Luna and Sable it is yeah you know and uh, you know, check out the how to episode about Luna if you want to know about like kind of how this match came about and a lot of it was because of Luna and Sable just kind of recognizing and then going to the office and saying, hey, why don't we do something together? Some business to be done here. You know, but the problem is, is you've got a lot of people who are all very sensitive about their spot. Luna thinks this is her chance to finally become a wrestling star like her family wants her mm. to be. Yeah. And Sable thinks, well, this is obviously, you know, they think I'm the big star here. Meryl thinks, finally, I'm bouncing back. And Goldust is like... <sighs> I miss you, Dad. Oh. It's just, you know, there's a lot of damaged people here for one yeah. reason or another. And we did have Dusty Dust before this. Oh, and, and don't worry, folks. We were on the phone to the Dream earlier and he got a great kick about his estranged son parodying him. It was such a bummer, Billy. So, it was so you know, sad. I'll tell you what. Four people who've got black clouds hanging over their heads. Yeah. And the fact that they make the crowd pop like they do... 
I'm going to say it right now. The Sable chants are the loudest chants I hear all evening. Yeah, yeah. I agree. You know, I agree. Louder than Austin chants. Yep. Yeah. You know, and they are fucking electric. They are and, really into this. And the one thing I would, they wouldn't give it credit for is the fact that they were smart to recognize that that's what the fans wanted to see. And it's all like Meryl, Holmback, Sable. That's it. They built Sable, to it. Sable, you know, they yeah. built to it. And what they do is very little because if you look in, it's like, it's like Luna wrestles herself pretty much yeah. when she gets yes. tagged in. But for that matter, it is far better than I remember it yeah, being. Yeah, like, so. Lu- Luna carries the fuck out. When you compare it to like Sable v. Jacqueline later on, yeah, or Sable yeah, v. Yeah. Miro, Luna is a fucking champ here the way she sells yeah. for she Sable. She power bombs herself yeah. at one point. Same like. for Goldust as well. There's a point where Sable fucking punches Goldust in the face and he goes down like a ton of bricks. Mm. They sell their asses off for her. And I said before, having two heel lads, I was thinking, oh, that's a bad choice. This really works because, again, it's basically. So you've got three heels building a hot tag to Sable yeah. and like Sable won't you, they cut to her and she's like Mark come on just tag me <laughs> she she's wants to get in and we've had a lot of folks you know who've, who've been in that spot and Sable she loses this I think I swear to God because she feels like she's feeling the energy of the crowd oh there's fire yeah there's fire there and yep. like later on she's just like fucking head on Don't her hand yeah. doesn't give a shit we got the hot Oh boy! Like so, it's all built up. Like we got a lot of stuff with Goldust and Marrow crowd aren't into it, but the whole time they're chanting for Sable, you know. So it, it feels hot the whole time. We build and we build and we build, and we finally get it. Adam, we finally get it. We get the hot say to tangle. Luna and Sable pop of the night so far. These guys wrestle fucking very basic style, and the crowd are just here for every single bit of it. And you know what? They're not screaming because they want Luna to rip off Sable's clothes or Sable to rip off Luna's clothes. They literally want just to see the two of them wrestle. That yeah. was that was the pop. Yeah. Like it's WWE who then later on, like when these guys want to wrestle, like oh well, they want to see them take their clothes off. Mm. Like the reality is, you no know, people didn't want to fucking see scary Luna. Yeah, you're like right. in a fucking strip stipulation yeah. match. Yeah. That's not really what anyone, Sable Luna or the fans wanted to see. It's like it was weird if anything yeah. for them to go there after That's this. True. Meryl gets back in and I love Meryl trying like he comes in and he's like yay you're sick I can get some of those re- residual yeah. back- <laughs> the backwash cheers like you know <laughs> And I like as well, Mero, he keeps to his gimmick. He low blows. He does that low boxing punch yep. below the belt. We get the TKO reversed and the curtain call reversed. Mero nearly kills himself with a moonsault. And oh ca- my god. The cameraman doesn't even get it. No. Landed his head. He looked so fucking grisly. Who is it he yells, fuck you in this match? Because there's a, there's a back body drop and someone just goes, as they're doing it, just goes, fuck you. <laughs> I did not catch that. <laughs> I thought it was Mero. I think it might be Mero. But Mero, yeah, the cameraman, I think, didn't shoot it out of embarrassment. And he Aww. finally gets Goldus up for that TKO. And Jesus. I don't know if he was doing it to make like Sable's one look better later, but it's the worst TKO. Yeah. From two lads who we can appreciate as much better wrestlers than we gave him credit for Definitely. in the first go around. But we got Luna coming in. She accidentally splashes Goldust. We get the Sable Bomb. The chants are at a fever pitch. Yep. TKO. The Marrows win. And they do it when the crowd are at the fever pitch. Yep. The crowd are wild. They wow. go mental for it. Unbelievable. You know, it, it, it was like, honestly, yeah, I can see why they went for it as long as they did now in retrospect. Yep. 
Because it's what the fans wanted to see. People were into it. The match was much better wrestled than I had any memory of. And you know what I fucking love here? Little detail. We were so hard on Mark first time around. But he's been a hell of a character and a hell of a yeah. performer all season. We've we've enjoyed nearly every step of this story. Yeah, yeah, because this. pretty much. He, he's been in on it so much more That's than it. we thought. Like, you yeah. know? We, we were... We just like, worked. That's all it That's was. It. We were getting totally worked by him. And I love here that he's been so miserable on TV for ages now. Really pissed off. Really sick of living in Sable's shadow. But they get the win here at the end. He's like, yeah, way to go, Sable. We did it. And she's literally like... I'm fucking sick of you. Like, she is mortified by his And he's doing this little behavior. shuffle. I love as well, because they're playing Sable's music, but he's like, that's my old music. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, it's basically like I won and wrestled. The wild man runs again. <laughs> it was, I honestly, I really, really, really went into watching this match when I did it for How To with arms folded. Yes. But I was just sold on it when I heard like Luna talk about it in shoot interviews and the work that went into it I was like I owe this a fucking second chance because I already knew at that point because we've been doing season 4 I knew at that point that I was fucking just hung up on Mark Merrow like a fucking yeah. angry little boy so I was like let's give it a chance you give this match a chance and you like crowd reactions and I'll never fucking begrudge a proper crowd mm, reaction this was fucking great I loved it and, I, and credit where it's due to Sable as well because yep. while she while she is being carried through this She's still doing like this is her first proper match. It's her first That's ever it. match, and, she, and the only she's training doing, she's doing yeah. is with Luna, and yeah. she's she's doing a lot better than any of the three of us can yeah. fucking do. Oh but, fuck absolutely. yeah! And she's really fucking into it at this point. Yeah. Like yeah, I feel like later on we do have some gripes, like some more legitimate gripes yeah. with her because she like she doesn't care as much anymore or whatever. But at this point in time, we were being overly harsh on her. Like, and you know what, as well, Adam, I think a lot of those gripes. I will always relay them when it comes to fucking wrestlers and the office. That's on the fucking office. You've got a head of talent relations. You've got mm -hmm. someone who's meant to be able to control these difficult to control egos. He's meant to have fucking insight into it. And the fact that you had, like a couple of weeks after this, Sable and Luna backstage trying to fight each other for fucking real and Gangrel yeah. having to hold back, you know, Mark Merrow and all this fucking shit. And it's like, they made some magic here. Everyone got mm -hmm. over. Everyone did their yeah. job happily. Well, I'm sorry. That's on Jim Ross and that's on Vince McMahon. That's on the yeah. people who's in char whose job it is to keep these fucking people that's in it. line. Manage and your talent better. Like. Yeah, Sable didn't know how the wrestling industry worked. No fucking shit she didn't because she wasn't in the wrestling exactly. industry. Just you a, brought her into this. Yeah, it was the fucking horn dog Vince McMahon and horn dog Vince Russo who were blown yeah. away so much you had to write her into the storyline. Well, then it's on you to fucking manage expectations. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think a lot of that, again, it's very how easily happens where Vince McMahon or someone whose job is who's wearing a fucking suit whose job is to actually make this shit not happen and they let it fucking happen we blame the fucking explosive personalities yep. whose job is to go out and turn up the real life trauma to 11 every night oh and get hurt for real please mm -hmm. yeah surprisingly they're a little bit fucking ornery <laughs> like oh baby who's coming out next <laughs> He's the world's greatest singer. He's the world's greatest wrestler. He's the most regressive gimmick that I've had. He's going to forget all about that NWA. And he's going to become Double J. J-E-double-F. J-A-double-R. E-double-T. And he's managed by Tennessee Lee. That's T-double-E. Double N. Double E. Double S. Double E. Double S. Double E. Double L. Double E. Double E. Double E. Double E. Tennessee Lee. And they're with Jennifer Flowers. Okay. I think I think that we were maybe too harsh on Tennessee Lee. I fucking oh, love no. Tennessee, <laughs> Yeah. I am joking, of course. He's still terrible. I mean, look, I'll tell you about Tennessee Lee. Great voice, 
great look. He literally looks like a southern gent. Like, you yes. know. And he is a very long, silly-looking man. Seeing him take a bump is always fun. Yes. The thing that he's genuinely really awful at is actually being a manager. Yes. yes. You know, pull, pulling on the legs. One of the worst managers yeah. ever. But I... I I can't stop laughing. Jeff Jarrett has come back to the World Wrestling Federation. Yep. Shoot promo. Yep. NWA, North American champion. Forget about the NWA. Bam, she non-factor. Mm-hmm. And now he's just like, I'm doing my old shit. Dude. He's had three gimmicks in less than 12 That's months. That's it. And we've mentioned on the last couple episodes where it's like, oh, I wonder how we're going to get from point A to point B because we know that he's a country music star by WrestleMania and he's already done that before, so how do we get back there again? And by, by summer, he's... Don't tick me off, Jeff That's Jarrett. That's it. So there must be a very interesting angle to explain all of this. Nope. 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 He loses a, a match and he says to, like, I think Michael Cole tries to interview him. He's like, oh, what happened, Jeff? He's like, I think it's time for me and Jim Cornette to part ways. It's basically, you know, then... we were saying at the NWA, every time Jim Cornette interfered, like, it is essentially a running joke at this point. Uh-huh. Every time he interferes, he costs his guys the match. He blows it. And the one time he actually hit the right person, he knocked out Thrasher with the tennis racket and he turned around to pose and then... Thrasher collapsed on top of Gibson and won the NWA tag team titles. So it's basically like every time you wrestle, Cornette costs you the match. So Jarrett's like, I'm done. And like, I tried to explain to you. I, I'm sorry, dude. But yeah, you, you've been much like Goldust reading out his Sam I Am poem at the start of the season or whatever. I feel like you've been a bit too generous with how you view this gimmick. So what I thought it was is that Jarrett was like kind of, you know, Tennessee Lee spots an easy meal ticket. And he knows that this guy, like, he just wants to be told how great he is. So it's like, we'll bring you back, you know, something comfortable, you know, that you're used to. Mm-hmm. And Tennessee Lee knows that this guy is just going to like, you know, make him an easy paycheck. And he's not going to do anything controversial as, as Double J Jeff Jarrett. And instead of wrestling at WrestleMania, you get to come out on a horse with Jennifer Flowers and all this great mm-hmm. stuff is going to happen to you, except the horse isn't going to be here tonight. Sorry about that, Jeff. <laughs> and I like, I genuinely view it as being like, in kayfabe, he's regressed because he's tried to be like, I'm the biggest star in the world and it hasn't worked for him. So now it's like, I'm Double J again. Yep. And because he's got a glad-handed yes man there like Tennessee Lee... There you go, Jeff Jarrett saying he's the greatest of all time, even though he's doing something he said was stupid like three months ago. I feel like, yeah, you're being quite generous with My, the character. Too long didn't read, he's an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like everything you said there is more likely the shoot explanation. In, yeah. in, the, in yeah. reality, Jeff Jarrett wanted the, the safety and comfort of an old gimmick to go back to. Forget like. about Jeff Jarrett, he non factor. <laughs> I ain't working with him, no way. <laughs> So he's there with Jennifer, and uh, Jennifer is here to announce the next match. And whatever was meant to happen in this segment got cut for time. Yeah. You, and I, you and I should do a duet. Nah. Nah, 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 nah. We are the nation. <laughs> I would have liked Jeff Jarrett and Jennifer Flowers to do a duet on the Nation of Domination. I mean, the remix for the 2000s, you know? She endorses Jeff Jarrett, says he's going to be a big star, and he's like, oh, thank you so much. Mm. Eh, it, just, it just felt like, like last Thursday. I've got one question for you, Jennifer. Ain't and I great? And she just goes, yeah. Uh, he's so great that he's introducing the ring announcer for a match that he's not well, involved she says, in. Not, he's not booked on this paper. No. She says, baby, I've been with Grace, so I know you're great. So she was saying that Bill Clinton's a demon in the sack. Jeff Jarrett hung like a fucking zoo animal. So yep. no more questions asked. Get your credit card info down for the Global Force Gold. I hope she got a nice payday for saying stuff like this. I really like, hope so. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> it's, you it's, know. It can't be fun. No, like, it's just like, fucking... Like, I have no 
sympathy for her because then she got, you know, she was a Trump supporter and all that fucking shit later on yeah. down the line. And if you're going to do something like this, you're going to make sure you get paid, right? Right. It's you very know? degrading. Very fucking degrading. Rock versus Ken Shamrock Intercontinental Championship. This is just some pure wrestling joy. I can stick yeah. this one on the background any time of day. Any time these guys wrestle, you know. This is the only match on the whole show, I think, that is pretty much my opinion hasn't changed in the slightest. Yeah. I loved it back yeah, then. I, think I, I love, love it, it now. now. Yeah. You know, just because there's something very pure about Ken Shamrock. And even, like, Ken Shamrock is someone who's brought in and, like, Remember we were saying earlier on, we were taught Billy that he was going to be like the future of the, yeah. of the industry. Yeah. And he's certainly not that, I guess, but he's pivoted into being something very fucking entertaining in the middle of the cards. Yeah. That's it. There's been a few examples this season of like, keep an eye on this person. Maybe Farouk yeah. could beat Nan, never mind. Maybe Owen Hart is going to, never mind. Ken, and it's not a complete never mind. It's like, okay, not yet. But there's still enough heat and enough juice with Ken Shamrock to keep him going. He's like. still being Ken Shamrock on my TV screen, and I enjoy that very much. Yeah. Exactly. This is the 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 between here and King of the Ring though is really the peak though. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. For sure. As, as soon it. as King of the Ring's done, it's he's Fizzles. going down. You know. He's yeah. Got, he's got three months. You know where it looks like oh he's going to be the going to yeah. be the next thing. But and, and I tell you from doing an episode Adam for how to like the last person in the world who realised that was Ken Shamrock. Oh. You know, which is like he still probably he still thinks he's like a main event guy. Yeah. Like some people like that. And Raven's one of those people. And he's like you know he's in his fifties and he's like still in his mind is like yeah but like I'm a, I'm a top guy. Like it's, you can't tell oh, people who've got a very clear image of their character and what they. Can, <clears throat> and what they believe they can offer, there's no way you can tell them they're not a main eventer. And mm-hmm. where about you know Raven? He's had you know a lot of physical struggles in 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 later years. Shamrock in 2020, man, he was fucking cut as shit, 56 years yeah. old, going out wrestling main events in TNA. Yeah. yeah, he could main event. Like if they oh, brought, yeah, if they could. if they brought him back in WWE, he 100 percent could main Ooh. event a pay per view. Put him and put him and Brock, baby. Him and Goldberg. Him and Goldberg. Yeah. Give me Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, this match I always enjoy. And the one thing about this match that, of course, hangs over it like a very, very dark cloud indeed is it's all about Rock swinging that chair. The the chairman of the World Wrestling Federation. And for those of you who have not listened to the How To episode on Ken Shamrock, he revealed with his very famous chair shot the reason why it's okay that he took this chair shot. You know, the Mm. one where he's on his knees and goes, I dare you to hit me. Oh, okay. Wow. (laughs) Wait to see what he does when he hasn't got someone's consent. Whoa, that guy's dangerous as fuck then. Is he going to say it's okay because he doesn't remember it? (laughs) (laughs) No, Billy. He says it's okay because... If you notice, when he takes the chair shot, and I'm on my knees, and Rocky's there, and he's got he's got the chair, and it's a solid steel chair. But as you look, as I beckon him to come forward, I lean forward. The forehead is the hardest bone in the human body, and I took it right there on the top of that forehead. I got no problem there. The blow is absorbed, and it's fine. So the blow is absorbed. He's saying you lean into it. Kenny would take it right, and he was interviewed very, very recently, and he still stands by that. He goes, "Those were fine because I went." forward like that on the front and he's saying that he himself if you look Ken's got a brow like a fucking Neanderthal let's call it a fucking spade a spade he's not built like most human beings but he's saying for him in his UFC career as well like he would like you know he knew if he was hit there he could take more shots there that he bell wouldn't get rung there like it would on the side or the back or the top of his head he is like Hammerhead from Spider-Man yeah and serious (laughs) I, I just think you know don't be taking advice on anyone who tells you why they took a chair shot to the head and it was okay you know what I will say, though, with regards to this, it's very much like WCW's drug testing at the moment, the concussion testing. You want me to stop getting concussions? Stop testing me for concussions. Yes. You know? Because <laughs> there's a lot of people here tonight who look like they've had their bell rung a couple yeah. of times. Don't and ask, don't tell. Yeah, Ken Shamrock, he is fucking electric when it comes out. He runs straight to the ring. Mm-hmm. He honestly has, like, the energy 
that if he ever had any positive energy, the Ultimate Warrior exuded. Yes, massively so. The match is very, very, very short. Yeah. Because we have a special stipulation here, Adam. Yes, we do. It's the classic AE podcasting that we love so much, which is like, if the champion gets disqualified, then they're going to lose the belt. Love that shirt. I do. Well, I literally cannot tell what I think about it because I love it. There's been just as many episodes where I'm like, I fucking hate this man, as there are episodes where I'm like, I fucking love this dude. My <laughs> absolute all-time favorite thing is a piece of shit heel beaten up because he's been wailed on by a chair and be like, give me the world title. <laughs> like Christian at Money in the Bank, like, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so, LeBrock's literal first bit of offense in this match was the people's elbow. Yep. I'll never not get a kick out of Jim Rothman. A bit of pageantry there. <laughs> Basically saying that'll never get over, kids. Lame. Adam, I'm not going to lie to you. I was keeping my ear out for grunts of the night well, when we re-listened and I was wondering this match there was some fucking yelps from The Rock and some screams from Kenny. This is it, baby. Yes! Because we didn't have the grunt of the night until Over the Edge 98, I think, no. was our first ever one. So this is the first time. We've, I'm writing a wrong Writing a wrong, okay. Ken sends Rock sailing over the top rope. Oh my God. Did you get the exact same one? This is a one hour, eight minutes and 55 seconds. It is exactly Adam that moment. Bivolo! Yeah, yeah we've got the same ear for this one. The Rock with the very anxious little... Oh, no! Oh, as he Me, John, the fans, propane, propane accessories. <laughs> Arlen, Texas! Propane ain't right. Ken, he, he basically blows a fuse early on. I'm not sure why he goes for the chair. You know, we have the, the nation yeah. surrounding the ringside. Farouk, of course, not there because, you know, the tensions are boiling over in the nation of domination. Ken goes for the chair. The Rock is the one who grabs it and he ends up using it when the referee is out of action. Mm -hmm. We get the belly to belly, ankle lock, and just like that, there we go. Oh, I love that instant tap just out. Just so quick. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about it. These guys are so perfectly matched that you buy... The Rock is such a piece of shit and a coward that, yeah, you would tap out, wouldn't you? Mm. But also, Ken Shamrock is such a badass that you're like, yeah, you would tap out, though, wouldn't That's you? It. And it protects The Rock, but gives him the air of a coward without burying him. Yeah, it's not a cowardly thing in my no. opinion. Like, you watch MMA, when someone taps out, it's like the move gets put in, it's like, ah, tap out immediately. Like, that's how mm. submissions actually feel. There's not the big sort of hanging in there kind of thing. It wasn't until later in the 2000s they got really bad, where it's like, whoa, cool, he tapped out. Yeah. His wife and kids ain't going to want to see him again. What yeah. a fucking crybaby. <laughs> so, that is the end of the match. But it's not really the end of the match, because what happens now is my favourite match of the night, which is Ken Shamrock versus The World. Yes. Suplexes all of the nation of domination. Big Mark removing the hat. Well, don't forget, he keeps the ankle lock in for a long time. This mm. is way nastier than I remember. Rock has got blood coming out of his mouth, and the referee's like, Ken, please. Please let him. <laughs> ah! The Rock is a big piece of shit, don't forget, but I started feeling sorry for him. I was like, dude, yeah. Ken, let go of the guy. The Rock now. is the, the bloody mouth. Is that capsule? Whatever, whoever called it. If he Whatever it was, the sauce. It for real, the sauce, baby. Yeah. So yeah, Big Mark Henry removing the hash. Mm. The pop they got! <laughs> As literally the sold out crowd goes, that is a big boy, isn't it? Yeah. And he fucking gives him a suplex. Fuck yeah, yeah he yeah. suplexed that big boy. The suplexes, all, the suplexes all of them, then immediately goes back to the ankle lock. Yeah. <laughs> and the only thing bigger than that suplex is Farouk's jeans when he comes oh, out. Oh, baby, them wranglers. Whoa! Billy Keeble, you could fucking wallpaper your fucking hall stairs in London with these jeans they're so big there was something about these jeans that made me look at Farouk and go 
Oh, he still could be a main eventer. With jeans like that, yeah. he could still win ben the world. Oh, jeans. <laughs> Those are fucking Warzone FMV jeans. No! Fucking lazy Sunday Farouk. Not even going to put a top on him to answer the door. <laughs> That's why he runs out and he goes to Ken. He's like, hey man. And then he just leaves again. <laughs> That's what I love. Like, Farouk, he's been trying less. He's been wearing fucking hats on Raw. Like, he's yeah. wearing a jumper coming out. Look at his shoes. Why did he come out wearing that hat? Like the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> so, uh, this course uh, causes, you know, big, big moment of drama the rock reaches out farouk leaves him gets a huge pop the fact that this gives yeah. us a nothing match at over the edge and that's the end of farouk is mm. kind of sad yeah you know it feels like a little bit like wasted time because the rock would have gotten over without farouk i feel you know yeah. but this made farouk seem like a little bit like a little bit of a chump yeah you know, I, I think that's my maybe my biggest disappointment over, mm. over this whole season mm-hmm. is that is then not you know going ahead with Farouk because Farouk was ready even yeah. just a one month reign with the yeah. belt so even just a shot at the belt something and you had like... no Brock Lesnar there to take it off him <laughs> <laughs> that's why they didn't give him the belt <laughs> they didn't have a big white guy <laughs> him afterwards like. Ken is a meltdown the referee core take a few big suplexes Recent Bibliotech attendee, Jimmy Corderas, eats one oh, or two. Oh, bless him. Fucking fantastic. Love it. And you know what? They've done this like three times, I think, this season. Yes. Every time I pop, like, mm-hmm. you know. Like, I'm almost to the point where I'm like, disappointed in King of the Ring really doesn't start attacking officials. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of these things where, like, month after month, you keep doing the same thing where it's like, Ken won. Nah, he didn't, though, did he? Like, you'd think that it's, was it's really... It's a dusty finish, really, isn't it? it? Like, yeah, but you, you know... do it so many times, you think, I'm going to get sick of it. But it really makes the King of the Ring moment so much more magical yeah, when he absolutely. finally gets the big one. It, there's, like... there's great acting from Ken here as well. Because after he suplexed everyone except... Patterson yeah like there's, there's just, he just stops for a second and then he's just he, there's like a look in his eyes of like it's like he's just woken up yes like he's just, he's just gone oh fuck Whoa. Bruce Banner has just come yeah. back and seen the destruction yeah, that he's caused and then that, that's the moment when we hear over the, the, the mic been overturned mm-hmm. due to unsportsmanlike like, conduct the, the noise the crowd makes is kind of like fuck but I guess, yeah. Fair point, actually. Fair point, he did you know? go a bit far this time. Like, You know that everyone's in a good mood because Jim Rosser is talking about the box office and uh, the gate. Yeah, great, is it? What are the margins like, Jim? Let me know. Like, literally hit like, a bottle of champagne popping in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, tag team titles are on the line as the New Age Outlaws take on two hardcore men. It's Road Dog Jesse James, Badass Billy Gunn, Terry Funk, Chainsaw Charlie, and Cactus Jack. I'll tell you now, I was I, I was coming around to the Outlaws. Mm. Absolutely. And I, I was saying again, you know, the last few episodes I was against you guys. I was saying they were getting me again. I liked mm. the kind of shit heel version of it. However, I did realize that isn't the next pay-per-view them and the Legion of Doom again? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. And yeah. that's a fish, I think, where the boat goes out to sale and it's like it's too much because I found them borderline irritating in this feud here Mm -hmm. with Cactus and Chainsaw just because like it felt like Cactus and Chainsaw got nothing in the build up to this there is literally no respect for these two Terry Funk attacks their rented car with the fucking gimmicked Chainsaw at one point Uh, but other than that it's just them making fun of them and then beating the shit out of them Mick Foley as Cactus Jack there was a cool bit where Road Dog got slung upside down in a snare trap. Oh, yeah. And then Cactus and Chainsaw pulled him up together. And then Cactus comes over as Road Dog's upside down and goes, Billy, help! Help! <laughs> and Cactus goes, I gotta admit something to you, Road Dog. I don't know how to get you down! Bang, bang! <laughs> and that was just, that's pure chaos, Mick Foley. Yeah. I love that. But I begin to say, like, 
if the shine is coming off them before this match, which is one of my favourite matches ever, I love this. Mm. I fucking love this clusterfuck. I would say if we did the next pay-per-view, I would have been right back with you. But I will say, I'm going to stamp it here right now, the Outlaws had a good little run at the start that I, as well, a fan, I, I, enjoyed. I put my hand up to I, I had them as my MVP for one pay-per-view. One pay-per-view. Mm. For one pay-per-view that I was genuinely impressed with. I think that was... That I, was, was I was okay to swill that, that around my mouth a bit longer than you were. I, I, think, yeah. I think that was their previous match with LOD. I might have been, yeah, that was I, it, I, I yeah. could be wrong. Still got to disagree with you. I, I've that's not the one time them. I've ever, that's the one time I've ever liked them in this entire Pretty show. Much. Okay, here's, here's the question, oh, question of value. You don't like them, you find, you've been watching the Raws, Adam, I'm uh-huh. sure you found all their little fucking camera to camera bits really insufferable. insufferable. Devious Alpha and Devious Bravo yeah. in the house tonight. Were you looking forward to seeing the nasty heels who annoyed you get taught a lesson by the hardcore men? Not massively, because my memory of this match was like, oh yeah, it's these two young cunts kicking the shit out of these old guys for most of it. Like, (laughs) I forgot how this match pans out completely. In my head, I was like, it's going to be nothing but these two pricks wailing on Terry Funk and Mick Foley. Mm. And there is a lot of that, don't get me wrong. Well, as I say at the start, if this is for the weak of heart, then turn away, Terry Funk. Where they revealed in a shoot interview later that their mentality going into this match was... Let's get that old bastard. Yeah. Because they were legitimately trying to stiff Terry every single week mm-hmm. and try and get him to like react or do anything about it. And he would just, you're not going to make Terry Funk go, slow it down, guys. Yeah. I don't want to be taking that fuck off. Like, you know, you're going to make this guy do a moonsault. That's what you're going to do. That's yeah. all that's going to happen from this. I love as well when they come back from the replay of them taking the dumpster dive that the shot is on the caution sticker on the dumpster. Mm. I thought that was cool, you know? They they go from pretty, pretty hard and heavy from the get-go. And I will yeah. say the dumpster is a great visual for throwing people off. It ain't a good dan- it ain't a good dance partner. No, they take <laughs> some sick bumps into the yeah. side of it, the corner yeah. of it's it. It's a combination like... of stuff that doesn't give and really those flimsy lids that yeah. seem like when they hit them, they're like, what are you doing that for? Yeah. So it's like honestly like a Rubik's Cube of difficult things to work with in yes. wrestling. I did like when they do the double mandible claw on Deviousness Alpha and Deviousness mm. Bravo. They are both there at the same time. But these boys are, you know, they're bringing out the heavy duty here. And this is different to the hardcore stylings that we would get in mm. the Ashtier itself. This mm-hmm. is something else entirely. These old-timey Home Depot ladders. Mm. You know, it's a bit rough and ready, I think. Yeah. And Billy gets a, a, a nosebleed almost immediately. Yeah. I, th- I think Terry proper, like, fucking clocked him at one point. They're working stiff yeah. here. I don't know why, but he started wrestling without a shirt finally, Billy Gunn. Like, they literally, like... As he should. Honestly, yeah. yeah. And the week before, they had, like, Road Dog be like, check it out, this is the man's the reason the Chippendales went out of business. Yeah. I was like, well, Fair great. Point. What was going on? Why was he wearing a fucking top when he had this fucking package underneath the whole Not, time? They've never figured out what to do with Billy Gunn. Seriously, like, like, you know, I, I don't understand. Like, Billy Gunn is... I don't know what you could do with them. I mean, I guess I don't know what to do with That's them. That's it. We, we, we you can't make money out of him, right? Yeah, Someone. The, the, the He's only got thing, something. The only thing I could have ever thought to get of getting properly over was maybe give him a, a, a voice piece. Give him give him a manager. Mm. That would be the only That's thing. That's what Road Dog was for a good long time. Like. He, he wanted to get over as well, I guess. Yeah. That's the problem, like, you know? <laughs> he, he needed somebody to, like, talk him up. Like, mm. tell him Because he's not a good promo. I tell you what, he's taking a, you know, low-key, some scary bumps in this. He takes the bump with Cactus off the ladder. Yep. Yeah. Into, into the, the dumpster. dumpster. There, you know, yeah. I'll tell you though, the double power bomb to Terry Funk, the one that's the one that gives him that fucking hematoma, mm. you know, that awful fucking like yeah. map of Australia in liver purple on his back that yeah. appears. Jesus Christ, it is fabulous when they go backstage because I don't know why, 
But when you go backstage, in this, just before like the year 2000 maybe, and it's a little bit dark, and it's that very grey zone, mm. and there's like, I don't know, just shit everywhere, giant Gatorade bottles, yep. Pepsi machines, golf carts. It feels like like it's not been organised for them to ruin. It's like, oh, you can happen upon this place and you can have fun as a wrestler. Oh yeah, this, mm. you can like see signs on the wall that you shouldn't really be allowed to see. Like, it's like Pete Rose dressing room this way and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah. oh no, we're not meant to be back here. Oh like, baby. I thought I was going to see Pat Patterson any second when they were out yes. there. But we get some more fucking stiff shots, lads rolling around on the concrete. I'm not sure when they filmed this, but I think it was... This was live, it seemed, because... Like, I think it was live, yeah. You know, unless they painted the hematoma on Terry Funk later on. Yeah, I think it was live, because you can, you can tell from Foley that he's he's gassed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't think he's just run into there and just done that one bit and got so gassed. I will say, that, as you mentioned gassed there, this match is an advertisement for doing stuff that takes a physical toll that makes you fucking gassed, that the crowd doesn't really... They're not on the journey with you, because a lot mm. of the shots here are probably sore than they seem. And a lot of the action is probably more exhausting than we as fans realise yeah. because you're just sat there aren't you waiting for someone to go into a dumpster or yeah. go through a table or off a ladder or whatever like, it is. Like was walking around just hitting lads in the faces with baking trays. Like, yeah, yeah, Jesus. Some of them... Sh- Terry Funk, all right, if he had receipts to give, he brought his fucking... He brought his QuickBooks with him here because Jesus <laughs> Christ. The last few moments of this one and the most beautiful end of this match, the fucking Shenmue finish right out of Yokohama. <laughs> Terry Funk, on your marks... Get set, almost time to go. And then he fucking <laughs> lays them in there. He gets them both into the dumpster, puts it on top. And I know they say it's not real the next night. I know they get fucking oh, crucified yeah, the next night it. by DX. But Terry Funk literally having a fit. Being like, oh, God damn it, we got him! We got him! Wait, it's, I swear to God, I don't know where it comes from. But it like it just puts a stamp and like that storyline meant something because mm. Terry Funk reacts this way and like there's a second where Cactus Jack is like whoa I gotta fucking bring up the energy here yeah. and he starts going bang bang it's these two dirty fucking old men with these yeah. belts and I love it it gave a tear to my eye to see it happen because you know it's very rarely you see the two friends in wrestling or mentor mentee come together get to have their moments and a nice little pat in the back that it's not. Like, you wouldn't only enjoy this if you knew that Terry Funk and McFoley had done all this shit. If you just saw the two crazy old lads here or whatever, mm. or the kind of the rough and ready outlaws win against the new age outlaws, I mean, that, it reads itself, yeah. you know? So I enjoyed this. I thought maybe, in retrospect, I guess, it is a little bit less spectacular. You know, there's fewer big moments, but yeah. for 98 and I for the outlaws, I don't know. begrudge them that because no, they fucking no. they kill themselves in this match. Even if it's not spectacular, I'm glad they didn't do more than what they did. To be I mean, I, I just I, I just kept kept thinking about after after the match, I kept thinking about the ladder spot where where Foley and and, and Billy went in the bin yeah. from the ladder because that that move in itself. Because of the shape of the bin, and the pinpoint yeah. accuracy, so, like, you, you know, know? Yeah, yeah. pinpoint accuracy. You, you know, you're, you're, you know, a couple of inches off. Your neck's hitting the side of that. Absolutely, shoulders, you're, you're fucking paralyzed. Yeah. Like, it's so like it's I very just kept, dangerous. I just kept thinking about that moment after this match. I really enjoyed this. But is it so fucking gross though that we have like you know the Legion of Doom kind of sacrificed three times in a row for these lads, and then you finally say, "Here's the team that beats them." They manage to fucking pull it out, and they beat these guys unequivocally in their own match, and they write that hideous wrong. Like it addresses the terrible mm. dumpster incident that is still like treated as like the worst thing that's happened in the last ten years in mm. wrestling WWE. 
But like just just to overturn it the following night and mm. then go hard as you possibly can with outlaws on the Legion of Doom again. Yeah. yeah. Like no wonder your fucking patience gets worn out. And even as a heel act, that's just exhausting. Yeah. I mean, just imagine Cactus and Chainsaw versus ALED. That would have been like oh, entertaining. That. that would have been Slugfest. so entertaining. Fuck yeah. Me, yeah. Or even a triple threat with deviousness, Alpha and Bravo stuck in there Something. as well. Two, two absolutely mental face tag teams. Yeah. So what do you think though of this one? Yeah, I know you're a fan of one of the teams, uh, but uh, I, I enjoyed this match. I really like this a match. Great match. Yeah, you can't deny that like it, it was way more exhilarating than I remembered it being. You needed this on this card. You needed something hardcore. Definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely. And I completely forgot they went backstage. I forgot mm. about the fun little inventive finish with the forklift. Yeah, like, I forgot all yeah. about it. There was a lot of imagination here that I hadn't remembered, and it was good. It was you know, as much as I hate the New Age Outlaws and as hard as it was to see them beat the fuck out of these guys at points it was still a very gratifying and cathartic match mm. to watch oh god almighty the next match and i can't begin to tell you i'm so excited it's kane versus the undertaker i'm so excited <laughs> i'm so excited i'm gonna burn in hell you will burn in hell the resurrection of a damned soul the torment of a troubled past. Born of the same blood. Two brothers. Now the story must be told. Undertaker! Burn the funeral home to the ground! You killed your family, Undertaker! Undertaker stood steadfast. For I will never fight my own flesh and blood. I will never fight Cain. Cain is daring his brother to fight him. For I will never fight my own flesh and blood. Cain! Cain's Kane. attacking his brother! Wait a oh, minute! He's gonna fight back! Undertaker, welcome to 
to your worst nightmare. But in the midst of a nightmare, there was an awakening. Two brothers would reunite and fight together. It appeared as if the Crypt Keeper had lost his vile hold on Kane and The Undertaker's past. And in one glorious moment, two estranged souls became one. Kane apparently is extending his hand in some sort of bond or friendship to his older brother. And Undertaker is returning it. What a, oh, what a moment. But the eternal flame was merely a smokescreen as Paul Bearer and Kane's wicked plot of deception was unleashed on the Phenom. that you could put together. Get me excited again. Like, How did they do it, it again? It, it did it to me. It, Why? It, it's the package. They. they, they damn it! This is what. <laughs> it, it, I, I could probably say it's probably a bit too long, but. It's a I, long story to tell, but, though, That's true, know? but I think it is also one of the greatest build up packages ever. They recap this. the past seven months of storytelling in detail. They don't yeah. really gloss over anything. They go through it bit by bit to make sure if you're tuning in for the first time in a while tonight, you've never seen this before, here's why this match is such a big fucking deal. And every single bit that they have done with The Undertaker since he's come back and he's been gone all the way since Royal Rumble, every moment he's come out, it's been blockbuster it has and I'll tell you one person who doesn't get the credit they always get assigned to someone else and they didn't get the credit to get this over but Jim Ross on commentary mm. the way, like, 
hey, guess what's happening tonight on the wrestling show? What's that? We're bringing out an old decrepit coffin that's going to get hit with a bolt of lightning. And then Mark Calloway is going to come out without a microphone and talk about being on the dark side and coming to fight his brother. And Jim Ross sells it. Yeah. He's like, by God, The Undertaker's been brought back to life. He's, he's given it his all. And there was a moment in time where JR lost the ability where even if he didn't feel it in his guts, and I don't think he feels the magic and manner of this in yeah, his guts. Too, it's too silly for JR, but surely. But treat, and that, for me as a kid, that's what hooked me in. Yes. You had serious wrestling announcers treating this dark-sided fucking, you know, fantastic stuff, mm-hmm. treating it deadly serious. Yeah. And it got me hyped up all over again. And I wanted to just ask you guys one little question, if you knew this, before we get into some of the, the, the tales of the matter. Did you know where Undertaker had been all this time since he'd been away. Well, me and Billy should know this better than anyone, actually, because we learned this in the Undertaker Chaos comics that we read. Wait, is it yeah. set in the exact period? No, it's not. But it's no. a, he mentions this exact thing in Chaos comics where he has been away and he's been basically recharging his dark soul. And like, yeah. ah. he's, been, he's been in Stygian. He's been in the underworld in Stygian. Of course. Yeah, sort of re-energizing himself. Because, like, the way Undertaker talks about it in this, like, kayfabiness here... Kind of implies that like he was killed at the Royal Rumble yes. and that they did successfully yeah, murder yeah. him and he had to go and regenerate essentially. Well, he says that he's been in the dark sides, yeah, like, not figurative, like like literally in the dark sides. Mm-hmm. And while he was there, <laughs> this is where he gets a little crazy. <laughs> while he was there, he got the consent from his dead parents to fight his brother. He what spoke the to the fuck? souls of his mother and father. Now, a couple of things about this. Number one. We're implying now that Kane Undertaker's parents, who were, by the way, just so we're all sure, murdered by the Undertaker, yep. they're in hell. Because I'm yep. assuming the dark side ain't heaven. Yeah, but to be fair, the Undertaker only killed his, his parents because he was being deceived by the embalmer. That's right. That's yeah. true. It was after the books of Stygia, yeah. unless we forget. That is very, very true. Patreon.com forward slash AU podcast. You can check out the comic book review. Lest we forget those details. <laughs> but I like the idea that the Undertaker, as a murderer, showed up to visit the two people he murdered in yeah. hell and bullied them into letting him fight the boy <laughs> that they had that he almost murdered. Like... That's like showing up to prison, like, you know, you frame someone for murder. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about uh, asking your blessing, really, if I could, uh, you know, go and do this thing. So, uh, yeah, it, it, the stakes are high. They've never been higher. Mm. Now, I've heard that this bout is anticlimactic and uh, entirely without merit. But, Adam, I need to know the details. I want to know what really happened in the build-up to this greatest confrontation well, Kane, of all goddamn time. Well, Kane has been a busy boy, let's not forget. Like, we've watched the roles together. He's gone after quite a few mm. people. Yeah. He went after ring announcer Mark Yeaton <gasps> and gave him a piece of business. You think Wink Collins was the first small man on his list? Uh-uh, far from it. We had, when they were in Arizona, the local, I think, the basketball team. The, the Arizona Suns. Gorilla. Yeah, the Phoenix Gorilla came out and, like, danced around wearing his jersey. And he put on, like, a Gorilla 316 shirt. And they were just like, no! Yeah. No! Not the Gorilla! Kane murdered him, too. It's okay, though, because he's a Phoenix, so he'll just come back. Phoenix Gorilla, baby. That's yeah. what it is. Dayor put it over. He's like, my God, the Phoenix Gorilla has been tombstoned. Hideous. I don't uh, like it a damn bit. And there was literally a week where Paul Bearer brought Kane out and was like, Undertaker! Kane's got all the same pa- He literally says, Kane's got the same powers that you do. All sorts! And he's like, Kane, 
shoot a fireball over there. And he did it. He's like, now shoot one there. And he did like a little target practice thing. And they set a guy on fire, like some random cameraman. Stagehand, like, yeah. Yeah, we later found out it was a guy called Hunter Brown. And JR was like, we want to send our condolences <laughs> to the family of Hunter Brown. Can I just say, was Chiapetta working behind the scenes? Because Hunter Brown is the most fucking jid name I've ever In heard. It, Implies another existing wrestler. Very plain name. Like, very, very so good. My point here is that Kane has been busy. There's been yeah. a lot going on. And it's All just sorts. even more upsetting that Michael Chiapetta chose to not include any of this. Mm in the book this is one of the the thinnest parts of Jid where he just barely just he breezes over all this detail Adam you've got the Jidlympic torch here now and you're holding the flame alight you That's have to it. keep it lit man it kind of is my responsibility now to bring the Jid out when there has been when it's been non-created in the past so I've written a little bit of Jid here yes please it's not comprehensive it's just a little taste of what Chiapetta could have done with the material that was mm. given to him it's interesting that he opted himself Chiapetta not to make any soup from the bones that he was exactly. given exactly obsessed with that idea but Glenn wasn't well not well at all the visions and bouts of confusion were getting worse despite Grimm tweaking the medicines one Monday Glenn was sat backstage chewing on the Twinkie that Grimm had forcefully insisted he eat he was considering about how the Twinkie had an unusual taste he couldn't quite place <laughs> when he saw something on the monitor oh all Twinkies taste unusual <laughs> <laughs> when he saw something on the monitor something he couldn't believe Somehow, a gorilla had found its way into the arena. It was clearly distressed, flailing its arms around and jumping down the entrance ramp in a frenzy. Even more confusing was the fact it appeared to be wearing clothing, some sort of Phoenix Suns jersey. He had to be seeing things. He had to be. He turned to Grimm, who was enjoying his favourite combination, plain M&Ms, vanilla ice cream, and this month's merchandise sales figures. Oh, baby, living it up, King. Paul, is that... Yes? Are you, are you seeing the gorilla on TV too? Grim glanced up from his papers at the monitor. Yes, yes, yes. Now please let me concentrate, he said, opening a can of Coke. I'm just going to say, this man's mind's going to be blown when he finds out they're going to put like candy in ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> it's 99, it's coming, man. It's a new millennium. He fucking love the McFlurry, baby. Seriously. Before Glenn even had a moment to consider his actions, he found himself on the way to the ring, flanked by Paul Grimm. Make it quick, Glenn! I want there still to be some fizz in my soda when I get backstage! <laughs> Glenn stormed into the ring. This'll show him. Show the world. No more will he be the Undertaker's little brother. From today on, he will be Hero. The man who stopped a rampaging gorilla in his track. <laughs> there was still good in Glenn after all! The Spaniard saw it in him! What's strange is he could have sworn he heard something. As he went to chokeslam the ape, he could have sworn he heard the gorilla say, Hey, come on, man. But he disregarded <laughs> it. He slammed the animal down before picking him up and tombstoning him so hard he heard the skull crack. As Glenn stood Jeez. over... <laughs> what? That's what happens in Jin. It gets violent sometimes. <laughs> that gorilla has a family. As Glenn stood over the lifeless body, he was shocked to hear the Why arena. He kill him? Yes. In canon, yes, he killed the gorilla. Oh no, I don't think the sun's chances in the playoffs, Billy. <laughs> As Glenn stood over the lifeless body, he was shocked to hear the arena fill with boos. They boo this act of heroism? Fuck this, he cried. Because <laughs> I forgot there's a little bit of... Every now and then there's a bit of swearing. A little bit of swearing every now and then. So there's your jid for the month. Fucking folks. beautiful. Very good. And, and that leads us to Cape's Yes, that's, that's, that's in the build. That's a vital part of the build. 
Look, you, you, you're desperate men do desperate things, and desperate podcasters write down, come on now, be good, seriously, for fuck's sake, come on now. That's it, so yeah. many things have changed in the nine years. Our tastes have changed, yeah. our opinions have changed. Maybe this match is a classic. I'm addressing this to the match, okay? I've tried many times now, and I'm just going to be straight up. You're making me look stupid now. Yeah, come on. I'm embarrassed. Mm -hmm. It's time for a caption contest. Little did those boys know all the way back in 2013 that they would be reading out captions from amazing fans all those years later. I don't think we had it in us to do a caption contest. Sat cross-legged in your bedroom floor back then. Hey, it's me, Kevin, with the owner of said old bedroom, Adam <laughs> Bibolo. Hey, buddy, here it is, the final caption contest of season four. And you know what? Let's give ourselves a little pat on the back. I think this is by far and away the most consistent we've ever been with actually doing the caption contest every time. Yes! Fringe benefits of global incidents be damned. Here we are <laughs> once again with the caption contest. And I'm very happy to say that this caption contest is sponsored by a fabulous book. Travelling through America 500 words at a time by our good pal Marissa Alexa McCool, who is a former wrestling columnist and a former wrestler. Huh. Cataloging her journeys throughout America while traveling as a trans person in the era of Donald Trump, Marissa Alexa Ooh. McCool utilizes the format of her biggest inspiration in undergrad to tell her story exactly 500 words at a time, no more, no less. Categorized by ideas such as power, maps, danger, responsibility, she uses her blend of academic basis with a theatrical background to capture an era of traveling while being a political target and a punching bag for those in power. Within this are stories of her favorite places, moments, love, betrayals, inspirations, friendships that extend far beyond the confines of their 500 word limits. I'm always really happy when folks who are fans reach out with a project that's personal to them. Yes. And Marissa has been very gracious in letting us talk about her amazing book and her amazing story. You can get it on Amazon, wherever books are sold. And it is really worth picking up. It is a heartwarming story told in a time where you need some heartwarming stories because lord knows her story was not an easy one adam and i like books that are like am i right in understanding then that they are like the book is segmented into sort of 500 word chunks yes nice little bits oh i love that that makes reading so much more accessible i think when it is just like nice chunklets like that but 500 words is still substantial but it's also just you know small enough that you can consume it and not feel like you have to you know get to the end of this grueling chapter or whatever a lot of these journeys that detailed in the book marissa was telling us that she was listening to episodes of this here podcast so the connection is there and we're really happy to get to share the book with you Traveling Through America, 500 Words at a Time by Marissa Alexa McKill, available now on Amazon. And I will say as well, speaking of podcasts, Marissa is a podcast host and producer herself, and you can check out some of her work at Spreaker.com, which... Spreaker? I fucking love that URL. Spreaker.com. Oh forward slash user forward slash marissa alexa mccool so check out some of her work over there thanks very much for sponsoring the caption contest and if you have got a personal project a podcast a youtube series a product a thing you're passionate about and you want to get in front of our like-minded fans why not hit us up at attitude era podcast at gmail.com or head over to the patreon patreon.com slash a podcast for any and all information 
Adam, we're back here now at WrestleMania 14, and this technically means we're back again for a third time because we're in the future. Yep. What is the caption du jour, and why in God's name is that book in your hand? No, 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 no. Chia Pad didn't sponsor it. We're no. not stealing Marissa's thunder. Okay, the book we're talking about today is Traveling Through America 500 okay, Words at a Time. Okay. A heartwarming tale, not that fucking big binder of bollocks that you've got in your hands. Hey, now, you be careful what you say about Jid, because, baby, you're going to be reviewing it before too long. There's a little I know people at home are going, Jid? He was talking about Jid? Really? Really? That's the book that Adam was clutching to his chest. He's literally got a pedestal for it. He's <laughs> quite literally raised on a pedestal behind me right now. The sacred texts, indeed. The sacred texts, my foot. And check out Patreon, where you can hear more about how Kevin will soon be taking a nice in-depth look at this in the Reading Ranch. But today on the caption contest, our picture is Pete Rose splayed out like he is completely splatted on the mat, spread eagles, while Paul Bearer seemingly congratulates Kane on a job well done. And Jack Doan looks like he is waiting for a bus, but the bus has went past. Oh. And he's not going to run for the bus, but no. he is going to continue the pace so that he's well prepared for the next bus that comes. And no doubt, Adam, you've got a few captions over there on the Twitter. And I've got a couple hundred here over on the old Facebook page. And I'm very excited to get into these. That's correct. Here we go on Twitter, at AE Podcast. Our first one comes to us from Wrestling Referees Are Wizards. Well done, my son. You've destroyed Pete Rose. Now the AE Caption Contest will be filled with historical baseball references that they won't oh, understand. No! <laughs> okay, it should be pointed out, and this is, this is something which... I appreciate because I, I honestly, I get this very regularly and I get this more regularly than own heart is a piece of shit messages these mm -hmm. days, which I'm very thankful for, which is kind Americans who have listened back to like way, way back and they're like, oh, I heard like King of the Ring 2000 and you said you want help with sports. Mm -hmm. Well, here it is. And I've gotten a lot of folks who've come out, want you to know, Adam, that old, old Louisville slugger himself there, Pete Rose, was known as the Big Red Machine in his so day. So I've heard. And I cannot believe this is only just coming in now, this information. Like, after a lifetime of Kane fandom. I'm just saying, Adam, all right? Jid is, a, is obviously a, a, one of the pillars of the AE podcast. But I'm thinking now that, uh, oh, Pete Rose, there's got to be some sort of a crossover there. I'm wondering... If it was actually uh, Glenn Kane who was swinging that Louisville slugger as the big red machine and uh, he, was, he was just waiting in the wings. Wait, are you telling me that Kane is Pete Rose? I'm <laughs> just saying. Just saying. I mean, if you remember, there is a bit in Jid where Kane tries basketball at school and he's actually too good at it and he tries football and he's too good at that as well. Uh, it stands to reason that he would be too good at baseball and get kicked out of the Hall of Fame for being too good. I think that's what happened to Pete Rose. I think so. And as someone who's never seen a baseball, I can confidently state that as truth. We got one here on Facebook from Derek McLeod who I'm going to give you a big old pat on the back because this is absolutely beautiful and raised a smile to my ears. He's, he's mid-song now, so I have to make sure I get the tempo right in this. Oh, okay, okay, here we go. Shawn Michaels' tragic injury lost his smile While Pete Rose lay unconscious on the garden tile We're talking mania From Kane to Mark and Sable talking mania Chemicals on the table Taka defends against Aguila Austin and his run-ins with the law we're talking big 
family. Cactus and the Sun. That's Chainsaw Charlie, I'm pretty <laughs> For sure. <fuck's> sake. <laughs> oh, very, very good. Contortions, baby. Joe Del Toro here on Twitter. First half of this is written by Joe themselves. Second half comes directly from the Twitter account of Glenn Jacobs himself. The one and only. Pete Roses are red, as are some wines. If you're on the left and you're shocked by Putin's aggression, wake up, sunshine. <laughs> Yeah, but baby. There is Fuck nothing, nothing quite like bringing me back down again. You got me a cane T-shirt recently. I'm in peak jid fever. Something about it being sunny and hot recently has made me like, yeah, cane. I'm reliving the glory days of my cane fandom. Oh no, it's that guy, isn't it? No. I, was, I thought you were about to say there's nothing quite like Glenn Jacobs telling it like it is. You know? <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Just, just <laughs> no, uncaught, no, no, you know, no, no. uncensored. Give it I, to me straight. I have just received word that Marissa has withdrew her sponsorship of the caption content. <laughs> Josh Sparrowhawk here. I was going to write a caption, but was distracted by the obscured sign in the background that reads, Kane is Fino-goon. Fino-goon. <laughs> now, we all know, right? If you listen to this podcast properly, you know that Kane is undefeatable. That is what that's true. the official yeah, that's WrestleMania what I said. 14 analysis is. I stand by that. Ryan Chiasha here. Hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, sorry. The Spaniard may have taught Kane everything he knows, but the one thing he didn't teach? How to neutralise Pete Rose. Paul Grimm <laughs> knew how, though. Chemicals! <laughs> it's as simple as that, baby. Dave Probert. Kane thought that this was all over. Unaware that Pete Rose's son, Adam, would come seeking revenge in 2014. I'm sorry, someone made me remember about Adam Rose, so all of you have For to be reminded of Adam Rose. For fuck's sake. Don't be a lemon. <laughs> he, here's, here's a flashback, Adam, right? Here's a flashback. Remember the early days of the Attitude podcast when Kevin was obsessed with, with South African people yep. smuggler, mercenary gimmick Leo Kruger, which somehow turned out to be less problematic than the party man himself, Adam Rose. Shouldn't have given that man a documentary. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Doug Ward. Well, Kane, Pete Rose is dead. Set his throat from here to here. Hey, I'm trying to have a WrestleMania match here. You know what? I know I've said my piece about Simpsons references, but that one will always get me. That will oh, always yeah. get me. Always. There's, there's nothing wrong with Simpsons references. you just got to put at least a little bit of work in. That's all it is, baby. Or make it a McGarnagle one. <laughs> <laughs> the squig here channeling the Mayor Kane book right now. I can't, this is so... so you see, Pete, that's why inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon in the sense that it is and can be produced only by a more rapid increase in the quantity of money than in output. <laughs> well, why don't you get down to the fucking Knoxville Mint and start printing some fucking gin dollars, Glenn? Come on. Now, Mayor Kane is the perfect example of that old adage about like how you can teach a lie in English and you still won't understand anything that you say in. Because I know all of those words. Adam, where's that wisdom of yours coming from? That's I, incredible. I understand every word in that sentence and I haven't a fucking clue what it means. You know what Glenn Jacobs reminds me of? He reminds me of like an advisor in an early game of Civilization where he's like, actually you should do this. <laughs> Fuck off. I'm, I'm nuking these Stone Age guys. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Andrew Bayless here. Kane, you're so dominant with your brute force and my management. You'll be WWE champion for one day. 
You mean I'll be WWE champion one day? Yeah, sure, whatever works. <laughs> oh. Wow, there's a lot of Adam Rose references here. Someone, yeah, uh, I'm just, sh <laughs> shout out to Ned Baum here, who's saying that the chemicals Paul Bear gave Pete Rose would turn him into a bigger monster than Kane, and it's Adam Rose in the house. <laughs> oh my god, Eddie O'Keefe here. Yes, Eddie. Actually, Eddie is a host of Sitcant, had yes. me on recently. I think hey, the episode hey. will either be out or upcoming where I got to see How I Met Your Mother for the first time. And I may have ruined their podcast by appearing, so <laughs> apologies in advance. But do check out the old uh, sick cans. Eddie O'Keefe, here's entry. I compare you to a kiss from Pete Rose on the grey. <laughs> Ooh, the more I get of you, the stranger it feels. Murderer! <laughs> now that your rose is in bloom. <laughs> <laughs> Mick McDonald, why did you leave a banana peel in the middle of the ring? Why did I leave a banana peel in the middle of the ring? I am a trickster. <laughs> yes. Oh, referencing truly the best Kane there. <laughs> Absolutely. Good pal Noah here on Twitter saying, another woke snowflake falls to the power of red-blooded all-American facts and logic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at Kane really own the libs there. It's quite impressive yeah. how he did that. Uh, Sam Hayden here, which is, I think, is a, a caption that will ring true for at least 50% of our audience. Americans. Oh my God, he just hit Pete Rose. The rest of the world. Is he a bad? Actually, you know what? We don't care. Biff him again, Kane. Go on. <laughs> Biff him. And, and then he has uh, added in the action here. Kane biffed him again. <laughs> Willis also young here. I'm going to go ahead and assume this is a very good baseball reference. It's a miracle. Kane can line drive. <laughs> that's that's definitely it's got to be right. I swore I heard that in Wii Sports at one point. Something. There are two stories about like backstage antics where it's like people covering when no one needed to be covering right. and it's boss man getting his finger caught in the door with Jim Cornette <laughs> and Kane can drive and if anyone thinks they can beat those two because as far as I'm concerned yeah. they're on the fucking mountaintop of, of great wrestling anecdotes so any, <laughs> anyone like desperately trying to like you know keep up the kayfabe that's what I'm all about I'm also all about my favourite musical Les Mis uh -oh. tip of the cap here to Jamie Dobbins Jacobs at last we see each other plain mr mayor you wear a different chain before you say another word pete rose before you shame the game of baseball again listen to me there's something i must do mark holloway must be turned into soup there is none but me that could intercede in paul Grimm's name a three count is all i need <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Kane Valjean saying Mark Calloway must be turned into soup. Yes! He that must is be turned excellent. into soup. You must think me mad! <laughs> <laughs> Chris Martin here saying Kane and Paul enjoying their live action version of Shh, don't wake Dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know what? When we said we wanted to see wrestlers, you know, run the Skullbuster and stuff like that, I take a round of Don't Wake Dad oh, any day of the yeah. week. Yes, please. Put that on the network. Kieran Martin. Now that I've taken down Pete Rose, it's now time to take out the real American enemy. 
mask mandates. (laughs) Yeah, there is a lot of that here on Twitter as well. Kane tears off his mask and throws it in the bin while Val Venus gives a thumbs up from the ramp. Now, he wouldn't be allowed in the arena. He'd be in prison if he showed up. (laughs) For some reason, when you said about Val Venus there, I I immediately thought of, like, Mr. Rocco getting put in the bin and Val Venus nicking it. So Val's going to nick Kane's mask and stuff it into his jock, like... Oh, that's got to be tangy. Drainer89 here. It's got the the screen cap from SpongeBob. Kane to Pete Rose every WrestleMania. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. I like myself as some SpongeBob in the caption contest. Anthony, Laura, a man here with some speculative jid part 12. Glenn was backstage, on the brink of tears as Pete ran down the Boston Red Sox. For years whilst in his basement, his father had let him watch Major League Baseball, just in case in 20 years his plan for revenge on Mark wouldn't come to fruition. Little Glenn's favourite team had always been the Boston Red Sox. He could take it no more. Silencing Pete as he entered the ring, Glenn looked at the heathen. He could take it no longer. Glenn sprang at him. (laughs) Ready to choke some him, but that wasn't enough. He lifted Rose off his feet before drilling him into the mat. Not just for him, but for the thousands of Boston Canaanites who were now cheering him for slaying their mortal enemy. That has got the tone right, Adam. I think that's a very good that job. Is, that is a very good forgery. A special, special shout out to the fact that they said he could take it no more. And then a sentence later, he could take it no longer. That is yes. very Chipetta-esque right there. Short sentences, big adjectives, small words. I like it. <laughs> I think we can actually come up now with like a style guide. Like if you were submitting, you know, like when I used to submit, you know, research I had done to like academic papers, they're like, right, you have to do it in this certain way. These are the style points or whatever, mm-hmm. the formatting, etc. how you reference things. I think we're on the cusp now, Adam. You've got so much work here done that I think we could produce a JID style guide, whether or not oh. something fits those parameters yeah if not a style guide at least i could start teaching a course i think like a four-week online web seminars of how to write jid look adam we know down the road in salford that they'll let a wrestler go in and do a ted talk so what's to say that they won't let a wrestling podcaster do a tedx talk okay <laughs> it's it feels like it's a good fit it's a natural fit i'll get you a nice shiny suit we'll send you down media city all right <laughs> l ponch here this is tenuous mate but i've got to read it out anyway i you know i love the tenuous the tenuous ones get tenure as far as i'm concerned l ponch thinks this is a visual representation of a young kevin attacking the next fool to try and stop him from watching reboots yeah <laughs> although that actually kind of made, like, I always view that story I've told of a very innocent thing of being a little boy being like eh. yeah but now if you superimpose very large adult Kevin into that it is a bit scary it's like a big man being like, reboot. reboot I'm just saying if Pete Rose is in my way and I like to watch me some reboot and I have it on good authority people have reached out and said there is new reboot that I've not yet seen Ooh. I'm not saying I tombstone the man but I don't know Adam chemicals or not things may get a bit frisky in, in Boston with me and Pete Rose <laughs> you know what I have to appreciate uh, Stephen Padone here he just reached out in the middle of the caption contest to be like here's a great gloop of the night for you Kevin Oh. But it's from great it's from Great American Bash 2006 and once bitten twice shy. Yeah, no, that's no, it. We're no, done. No, no, no. We're done with that. <laughs> Fred Stewart here. 
Again, I'm not quite sure of the connection here, but I love just being reminded of funny stuff that I've forgotten about and not thought about this in years. I dares having a tombstone snapped me. <laughs> Taking us right back to where it all began. And it all begins again. Helen Louise. For God, I didn't tombstone him. Stop stealing moves from your brother. You know he doesn't like it. <laughs> I would very much like a Brothers of Destruction Babies TV show, like a cartoon where Paul Bearer has to look after the young brother. Kind of oh. like what they tried to do with Camp WWE, I guess. Oh, I thought you were going for like kind of three men and a baby, except the three men are Paul Bearer and the baby are the Brothers of Destruction. <laughs> Just saying, it'd work. Heartwarming. Okay, I think I got a good one here to round us off on Twitter from that guy Angelo who says... Pete Rose, the Cincinnati Red, has been defeated by the Fire Demon and is mourned by the eight companions on his baseball team. But next WrestleMania, he will return as Pete Rose, the Cincinnati White. And it's just a picture of a blinding light through the tree. <laughs> I mean, Pete Rose's returns and all that is very mythical. I mean, he does come back in his final form at WrestleMania 2000, which is as the winged beast, a.k.a. a chicken. <laughs> well, was it WrestleMania 2000 where he was on the mic and he was like, Pete Rose... Yes, that's what they called me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam, it's been a good time on season four doing yeah. some captions for the old caption contest. And as a little sneak peek of season five, we can tell you that there will be caption contests still. <laughs> so, spoilers, yeah. dude. Fuck. Uh, no, no, no. I don't even think we were going to do that audio-only wrestling back in the day before there was cameras. But no, we are in fact going to still be doing the visual storytelling. Thank you, everyone so far this season who has submitted a caption, yeah. who has tweeted us, even if we haven't read it out. We really appreciate it. We get hundreds of them. And unfortunately, Facebook and Twitter isn't the best at necessarily laying everything out sometimes. So yeah. if you ever miss yours, we're very, very sorry. We wish that we could read them all out but then there'd be no time left to podcast i don't want to give an extra special shout out to everyone who has sponsored the caption contest yeah. so far this season it's been absolutely great and i have been really 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 happy to chat to you folks about some really awesome projects and things that people have put forward and we've gotten loads of lovely feedback from those people who have had all of you lovely listeners go and check their stuff out and that is like the nicest feeling in the world. It feels That's like we're it. connecting up the the matrix of a podcast fans. That's it. I want to say a massive thank you to everyone that actually does go out of their way to check out these things because, as Kevin always says, we are entirely fan and listener supported. Everything we advertise here on the caption contest comes to us via people that listen to the podcast and are fans of the podcast. So for then you listeners to go and actually check out their work and check out their podcast, check out their books, whatever it may be, it really it does make a huge difference. It makes a difference to them and it makes a difference to us because it means that this is actually something worth doing, you know? Another big shout out for Marissa McKill for sponsoring the caption contest. And don't forget to check out Traveling Through America, 500 words at a time. Available now on Amazon and wherever you get your books. Well, Adam, let's settle back in. It's time to go back to Boston for WrestleMania 14. It's a fucking yawn fest. Why is it so boring? Oh, it, it's exactly how you remember it, folks. Theory. I don't, I don't know. It's theory. Pete Rose comes out at the start. Yep. All right. Mm. And Pete Rose, he fucking cuts this crowd a new one. There's heat. Then Kane comes out. There's a big pop. I honestly wonder if it's too much birthday that this crowd blows their fucking 
collective load no, on this Pete Rose bit. They do the no. booze, they do the cheers, and then Taker comes out and they do the oohs and the ahs, and the match starts, yeah. and they're not into the corner offense. I, I hear you, but and I agree. I, me and you are the same, where it's like the crowd makes a difference in, on my enjoyment of the match. I need a crowd to be into it. But I think even if the crowd is into this, these two lads yeah. are still not fucking working today. Like to quote the first episode of Queer Eye, you can't fix ugly. <laughs> 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 now speaking of Pete Rose, we again like we corrected a wrong earlier where we actually said let's find out who Jennifer Flowers is. Can either of you tell me what the actual deal is with Pete Rose and why he's this heel figure? I know, I know the bare basics, which is. He is baseball alumni. He was... I know it's because Meltzer brings him up a few times when he's always talking about the Hall of Fame, how he was barred from the Hall of Fame and there was something involving, like, dodgy gambling or something like that. He, he would bet on... Baseball insider trading. Yeah, he, he would bet on the team he managed. How right. about So the, the Cincinnati Suns. How about uh, He would deny this for a very long time until he had a little book to sell. And he said, oh, <laughs> he did do it. But he always claimed he never bet on them when they lost. Okay, right. right. So there was, no, there was no... This is the thing, which is like, it's a professional thing. So obviously you're not in the Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame, because you've got this black cloud over you. But he didn't get like charged with No, anything, but he did, did nothing. He? he did nothing illegal. But no. I said, like, what, what does he do? Does he go and say like, you know, why don't you don't hit that ball? Like, That's I don't it. Like, like, if you're well, playing you're on your own how, team. How do you badly manage the team to ensure they lose? You, you, you know, you see that they've got a pitcher who's like better with their left hand or their right hand and you put a guy on on, on base to bat. It almost feels it's, it's as hard to do that than it is to coach your team to victory. Mm. Like you might as well put your energy well, he, into he, helping them he, win. Al- he always claimed that he never bet on the, the Cincinnati Suns right. when they lost. Right. So he so was betting I, against his own team, yes. sorry. It, yeah, right. yeah okay. betting against and betting for. Right. You're not you're not allowed to do either in baseball, okay. especially when you're in a position like a manager where you have you can influence you, where you can yeah. influence. But it. I know it's it's a big thing as well because I've played Yakuza Five recently and there's a massive thing in there about like baseball match fixing mm-hmm. and like not just for you know the gambling side of things, but it is a huge like there's been huge scandals more so yeah. than any match fixing allegations. There's more for baseball than yeah. the average sport. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he references some things here, though, yes. beyond that, that. I think people aren't booing Pete Rose because he did some dodgy gambling, Bill. No, no, they're not. <laughs> he is doing the ultimate your local sports team promo. <laughs> oh. WrestleMania size. No, he, this, so his actual promo is... We'll start off. You can't win a World Series. Did they not win a World Series, Billy? Well, I'll In tell you shortly. Boston. My buddy Bucky Dent says hello. That was followed with, I left tickets for Bill Buckner, but he couldn't pick them up. How about it? What do they call it? The Curse of the Bambino? Right here, the city of losers. How about it? So. How about it? You know what? For maximising your minutes, there. Everything there. Because everything there I know is an individual insult to to the local team. Well, they all got massive boos. Massive, massive heat. Do you think they they realise how much heat it would get? Like no, not 100% because it's Boston but it's Boston, the heat of the night it's Boston and you're talking shit about the Red Sox right okay like 100, Red Sox fans are like the most passionate fans in the world yeah I just feel like if John Cena started talking about this his Boston accent would kick in that's how oh, serious yeah. he takes it like yeah. yeah so to start off with Pete himself he was a former player for the Cincinnati Reds before he became the manager right he was the MVP in the 1975 World Series defeat 
of the Red Sox. Oh, okay. so, so he, already... is, he is like an ace, essentially. Yeah, so he himself okay. yeah. killed their chances. Yeah, yeah. Bucky Dent was a player for the New York Yankees, who is already the, the arch enemies of the right. Boston Red Sox. And, and basically everyone in America, it seems like. Yeah. As well. And he's got the robot arm and the massive machine gun. Right you know what? I was about to make it a bit of a... And I was like, no, no, no. Let's That's so 2020. <laughs> he is famous for his home run in a tiebreaker game against the Red Sox in 1978 meaning the Red Sox would not go to the World Series. So he has personally been responsible for a lot of the real-time suffering of the people in this audience. So yeah, Bucky Dent is his friend, and he he plays for the Yankees. Now, Bill Buckner... He missed a famous catch, didn't he? A very easy one or something like, allegedly. The 1986 World Series, he is a Red Sox player. It was against the New York Mets, who I've seen live. It was the most boring well, day then. of my life. Baseball <laughs> fucking sucks. Whoa, Billy! Um, but he was a Red Sox player who let a ground ball hit from Mookie Wilson go between his legs. Edge and Christian did that. that. That's why I know that. Mm. They did the bit with... with uh, oh, you're yeah, right. They did that. Yeah. And then finally, the curse. 86-year championship drought of the Boston Red Sox between 1918 and, I want to say, 2004. Mm-hmm. So, so this is what they, they never they, won a World Series. They, they reference this at last, don't they? Mm. Where they, they someone sees that they were the World Series and it's like... We've got to go back. And I was like, good job there now with the Red Sox there winning yeah. the, the, the series. Curse of the Bambino, 86-year uh, championship drought of the Boston Red Sox between 1918 and 2004. Bambino being named after Red Sox player Babe Ruth. Oh, oh baby Bambino. Who is often heralded as like the greatest baseball player he's like the, of all he's time. He's like the Babe Ruth of baseball, isn't yes. he? Like, he, he yeah. yeah. He led the Red Sox to World Series wins. 1915, 1916, and 1918. Then he was sold to the New York Yankees, and then the Red Sox didn't win a World Series again for 86 years. For 86 years. So, what we're saying here is Glenn Kane was backstage thumbing through the almanac and Mm -hmm. was furious. Couldn't believe it. You know, oh, is it because Red Sox Kane is red? Is that meant to be a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Were they hoping Kane would be like adopted as the unofficial mascot of the Red Sox? But, 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 you know, it's the Cincinnati Suns as well. Ah. That's that's a big, that's the biggest red machine. Yeah. Kane is a son as well. He has got parents. You know what? It says a lot that I'm a lot more excited about talking about baseball matches from around the time of the Easter Rising than I am mm. talking about Kane versus The Undertaker. A match which, again, legitimately, I was unironically 100% enthused and excited for. So, you know, I was excited. And, um, Adam, you can take us through this one. Oh, thanks, pal. You know I no. love Kane. Well, Michael Chiapetta wasn't available, so no. I thought that you could take yeah. us through this Best one. Best Kane, yeah. Give a little bit of a little bit of. Uh, All right, everyone. Well, Kane comes out and he uh, he tombstones Pete Rose because Kane's the heel in this match. He is, yeah. Still don't quite get that. Pete quite Rose get... is being a heel. Yep. So I, Kane I, gets a big baby face pop for doing it. I'll as well. fucking die on this hill. I think it affected it. Maybe it didn't ruin it, but it mm. affected it. It definitely has an impact on how for people sure. view Kane. But he came out, he wanted to tombstone Pete Rose, he heard the crack of the skull. <laughs> Undertaker comes out, he's got his special teardrop painted on his face. And he's got the big, like, you know, the... the, the, the oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh. And all the druids come out with the torches. Not bad. For, for a non-stadium like stadium entrance, I thought it was a good job. Yeah, Proper WrestleMania. Proper WrestleMania, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't get any of the WrestleMania-sized entrances tonight. Not so really, it's, it's nice just, that just he for Taker, his. really, yeah. Immediately punches and elbows and within 20 seconds we're getting in the comfort of the corner baby oh kick them shoes off get comfy baby that's what we know it's all about 
Lots and lots of clubbing, brawling. Kane drapes Taker over the top rope and does a big top rope elbow, which is nice. He's trying to bring a little bit of... They do try and show you, like, a lot of the time that Kane, everything he can do, his brother can do. Yes. But it's also... There was part of it early on where it seemed to be like he's more like Undertaker was when he was younger because he's going off the top rope a lot more than, than Taker yes. would be in 1998. He is now. But it is, it is kind of amazing because like I don't think Kane has ever been actually comfortable on the top rope. There's always a little... And same with Taker. There's always a little bit of... You know? Yeah. It's like taking your shopping up onto the top rope. It doesn't really belong up there. And right? It is a spectacular spot as far as two giants go. But to your point, Kevin, the crowd don't make a peep. And it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't fit with the story. This should be a fucking crowd brawl. I was this, should say, be, this should be a knockout brawl going up and down the ramp in the crowd the entire match. There should be no wrestling moves in this no, match. No, you are. This should, be, story. this should have been straight up Randy Orton versus Alexa Bliss. Mythical. Oh. They should have <laughs> <laughs> Mystical. They should have. There should have been powers. There should have been bullshit. Well, that's what they're building and up with. In the Mayor Kane book, the way that Glenn writes about it and the way that JR is trying to sell it here is they're trying to sell that it's a rope-a-dope match where Kane beats up Undertaker for hours and hours and eventually Kane ties himself out and like Homer Simpson Undertaker will then just push him over and win the match. Oh jeez, like, that's really exciting. Like. That's the story they're aiming to tell. It's a shit not, story! That does not come across It here. doesn't no. come across either at all, not in the slightest, because Undertaker still makes comebacks here and there. It's not like it's Kane wearing himself out on Undertaker for ages. There's a couple of hairy moments, like with that bit where he goes up on the shoulders. He jumps, Undertaker jumps onto Kane's shoulders, yeah. and Kane like slams him face first, and Undertaker lands right on his fucking Ooh, knees. Yeah, it's, it's sloppy stuff. It's really shoddy. Can we talk about them when they crowd brawl outside because I do believe it has the worst referee non-distraction I've ever seen in my life. This is with Paul Bearer here. This is with Paul Bearer, what, yeah. what, Why is it that distracts the referee? Because Paul ends up like wailing on Undertaker a little bit. He like. does. And then he literally turns to the referee and he goes like, yes, yes, yes. And yeah. then when his back is turned, the referee is like, Paul Bearer, what are you doing here distracting me? Kane, quiet as a church mouse, sneaks over and grabs the solid steel ring stamps. And I thought, alright, fair fucks to the referee for pretending he can't hear that because it was so loud he literally was wincing like he was caught in the air. And then Kane is like, oh, you better get rid of this smoking gun. And he throws the steps on the ground. And then the referee turns to Kane. He's like, hey, uh, what are you doing? One, two. And then the referee climbs up the steps that he threw down yeah. into the ring. Hey, I don't remember these being here. Adam, I hope you've uh, taken note of all the rest holes in this match. Oh, there's so many to choose from, Kevin. Take your pick. Did you learn that one in hell, did you? Hey, man, it, really, it takes it out of you working in the corner, you know? It's one of the most tiring forms of offense there is. You know what I'll say? You know who doesn't get tired at all? JR and King are fucking 10 out of 10 the whole time. They're like, my God, they're like yeah, acting like they're seeing something that the crowd are really into. Yeah, because yeah, they've just seen the fucking performance figures for how well the pay-per-view's going <laughs> over. Like, they know they're getting a nice big raise coming soon. JR does cover for Taker looking bored as fuck as well. Oh, God, yeah, you mentioned this on the yeah, original just, review. Just like, now, you might think that's boredom. But it's uh, it's not boredom. Don't it's even a, say it's that. A, it's, a, it's an intensity. An intensity. An intense boredom. Yeah, I just is. come back from hell and talk to my dead. Parents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna um, ask them permit their their blessing to kill my demonic brother. The, the only thing I really like about this is this match is is Kane breaking up his own pins because he wants to inflict more damage. That's yeah. it. That's I had forgotten that. That, that is a big element. I don't of it, remember yeah. Kane having the match in the back. He chokes arms Undertaker. One. 
two. Oh no, gone school. Oh. I literally do not remember, because I remember coming away from this match being like, oh, Kane doesn't look that good anymore. But no, he actually did have the match won. He just it's chose not to go for it. indestructible or undefeatable. He's undefeatable. <laughs> <laughs> Undertaker makes a comeback with those Scatman endorsed punches on his knees. <laughs> Taker suicide dives outside right over Kane onto the Spanish announce table. That's the, the thing about this match is that almost every time there is something that is genuinely impressive because these are two freak athletes. Let's call mm -hmm. them what they are. Big boys who can jump farther than they have any right to. Yep. But every time they do something remotely spectacular, it's like a fucking frog hair away from tragedy. Yeah. Taker over the top there when he did the stuff on the shoulders. Yeah. The tombstone reversing. Yeah. God bless the core strength of Glenn Jacobs to fucking muscle up his brother and save him from tragedy uh, several times in the match it felt like. Special mention though go back and watch Undertaker crashing through the table because one of the Spanish announcers falls off his chair in slow motion. He's like <laughs> <laughs> more fucking strikes for fuck's sake lads do something. The tombstone reversal spot I do actually like. It looks... I know there's a bit he, of a struggle. When he goes... And he muscles him back up. That's it. That's the bit that's there's cool. a bit of a struggle, but it's... it's way close to tragedy, though. The struggle makes Kane look stronger, if anything else. And having seen fucking Roman Reigns try and do this spot himself, like, you know that it's not easy. It does take serious mm. fucking work from both men. And this is before they had, like... You know, Kane obviously had his chemicals, but Undertaker didn't have his chemicals, his knee injections. The ozone. The ozone. No, none of that, Which makes baby. him lighter, so Roman had an easier <laughs> job because he's got, like, helium in his knees. <laughs> Taker kicks out of the tombstone. Does Kane go for another one? Nah, let's take him to the corner, baby. This'll show him. The tombstone to Kane looks legitimately sore. Like, I don't think Undertaker is quite used to tombstoning guys this big. <laughs> I don't know why. And his head fucking spikes on the Wait, mat. Like... Spikes, Kane. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it was. And he does it again as well. And no, and no one on commentary calls it the Tombstone Pile Driver. Oh, too baby. Tombstone. The crowd don't make a peep for Kane kicking out of the second tombstone. That's it, diminishing returns. This is our yeah. third tombstone. Each mm. tombstone from has gotten quieter and quieter. Yeah. And the third one finally fucking does it. Like, Kane loses. Poor Bearer immediately comes in and starts stomping on us. Like, straight, straight away, ding, ding, ding. Oh, no! And he comes in and starts kicking Undertaker in the corner. So lame. Really lame. These really light, Did you gentle hear kicks. what he does to Kane, Bearer? Hmm? He goes over to Kane. He's like, come on, get up. You have to get up. We have to get him again. And Kane's like, oh, okay. Let's do the post-match brawly bit. Like, you know, you yeah, know? so then they beat up Undertaker some more. What would have really, really turned things around here and given the crowd a big WrestleMania-worthy pop moment, I think, is that we just had this big supposed war, in inverted commas, between these two. Kane got put down with three tombstones. What if we do a little thing where they've earned each other's respect? Kane gets up and chokeslams Paul Bearer and saves Undertaker. That would have been a moment. Yeah. The time they teased it a few weeks ago, the crowd went ballistic. And they put it in the like, intro package as well yeah. to make yeah. you think about and it. You can still do the whose side is he on thing in the next few months if you really want to, split him up again. But man, having a moment of these two stood side by side after this seven month at build, WrestleMania, at Mania yeah. would have been magnificent. That's uh, true. Either that or have Kane win. Obviously, then we wouldn't have yeah, on the streak. We wouldn't have the streak then, but, though. But Kane needed to win this match. Big time. Like, and because he, he doesn't win the Inferno match either, does he? No, Kane loses no, that. Like, Kane, like, Kane just he, goes he on a fucking to, losing streak. He yeah. needed to win one of those yeah. matches, and it should have been really the first one here. Are you on mine as well? Big Van Vader off the card here tonight, selling the, 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 the wrench facial yes. injury. Uh -huh. And I just thought, like, how much more effective that match was for, for Kane and for Undertaker, even though Undertaker wasn't in it, having yeah. the man called Vader go down, like, you know, when he did but 
there you go. That's that's the, the big classic match. For sureies, for realsies, we're fucking doubling down, yeah? Mm-hmm. This match sucks. This it match sucks. fucking sucks. It yeah. stinks. And okay. so does the Inferno match. And you know what? I think there is no better way to say it than... Unfortunately, the bout itself was entirely anticlimactic. Chiapetta has got a little more analysis here for you. I think you. so, yeah. Let's sum this up right here. To the world, it seemed as if Undertaker's skill and experience was just too much for Kane to handle. The man in black won the match handily. Handily? Handily. Easy peasy. You know what it was, though? It was the medication. Fuck no! Farrah knew it. The chemicals. He used them too freely, too often. They dulled Kane's reactions, blunted his fighting instincts. He'd have to take the man off them entirely. Either let him go cold turkey or find new ones. Oh! Slower chemicals. I would have taken the route of like Kane was being too cocky because he had it won. That's it. He had. The, I would have. That would have been the yeah. take. I would or have I would have done the thing where Kane was so obsessed with beating the Undertaker that he didn't even think to pin him. I would have. I would have had Barrett being like, "No, pin him, please." He didn't learn the fundamentals. I. I. There was one or two moments where they had like they did the whole like Bear can't control Kane. Like yes. when he went after Mark Eaton and stuff like that. And I think that I love when like Heyman does that with Lesnar. Anytime Heenan would do that with his. Stop. Was like, oh, I can't stop him. And the idea that like Kane had it won, but like Bear was like, you do it, but Kane's like, no, yeah. like he wants to fucking. Not even a better story. Bear, st- look, there's a million things they could have done that was better than this. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame because there's no lack of effort, no lack of physicality, no lack of uh, impress. Like the- they put the work in, it just. Oh, yeah. Didn't work, no. you know, unfortunately. Just Paul Bear in the back saying, I have been screaming for months and you two do that shit. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. It's main event time. Stone Cold Steve Austin takes on the baddest man in the planet endorsed wrestler Shawn Michaels who is suffering from a severe back injury. Mm. It's for the WWF Championship and it's going to be X-rated. <laughs> Tyson's out first. He is not a performer. Seeing all the bits of him on Raw, he is like, honestly, he's a piece of shit as you describe mm. Billy. But the closest I can describe to Mike Tyson's performance and how he's handled on screen, and I'm not throwing shade here at all because I love that kid, but it's like negative one in AEW, where everyone kind of feels like he <laughs> loves being here. No, sh- stop laughing at him now. He loves being here. He is a lifelong fan. His passion is burning. Mm-hmm. We all have to make sure we work together to help him have yeah. his moment. He's have a good time tonight, folks. And no one address this if it doesn't go the way it's meant to. Let's all try and make it work for Mike. Sorry, Negative One's big day. Big smiles, everyone. Big smiles. Big smiles. And it works a lot better with Negative One than it does with Iron Mike Tyson because there are so many times where he's just come around and go like, I'm the ex. Yeah, sure you are, man. You sure. are a heartbreak. <laughs> and he, he like squares up to members of DX during the I match know. he's so bad at this <laughs> you know they should have gotten from fucking WWE uh, 2K14 bring the enforcer out man yeah I, the enforcer oh like, it's basically Bob Buchanan like on, yeah, his, on a weekend with a DX shirt like never in a million years would I ever have thought I would have heard a comparison between Mike Tyson and negative <laughs> one <laughs> only on the AE podcast I'm just maybe. saying man like you know and, and like you have to have the light you have to have the good and the bad like yep. negative one Describes everything that is great about wrestling fandom. There's a purity there. Mike Tyson is like, he's a piece of shit. He's a convicted rapist. Everyone hates him. Oh, but he likes wrestling and he knows the name of Mankind's seldom seen rat from 1996. Okay, then. Do you want to be in the Hall of Fame, do you? Yeah? 
I think his, his his special remix that he had. I don't think I had that on my DVD. I don't remember this. It was the, like the a punch mm, remix, a rap version of DX's music. It was pretty fucking cool, actually. It wasn't cool. The fucking DX band. We didn't mention it earlier. Oh fucking yeah, they, shit, they've been uh, here all night. We didn't get America the Beautiful on this. Was we that didn't. this pay per view? Yes. Yeah, this no, we didn't. We did. They cut us. Oh shit! I thought that was a later show. How no, America? No, how about that? For the best, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, geez, that DX band f- gave me an optical migraine watching this. It's fucking rubbish. It's like it was coming out of my fucking eyes. It's... Oh, just an awful din. Here, Adam, you talk shit about live music and rest way back in uh, episode mm. one, season one. Have you been changed your mind in any way, shape, or form? Or... F- feel free to call me out on this and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think, I still don't think we've had a decent one. We had the Bray Wyatt one, which I think we've mentioned before. That was all right. Wrong time of day for it, though. It was wrong time of day, but the, the, the music itself, the performance was fine. How about Snoop doing Sasha for WrestleMania, the main event? Fine, but again, I just couldn't help but hear like Just Eat music when he was doing that. <laughs> I, I don't buy Snoop anymore I think, as an act. I think Code Orange have always been good when they've done like NXT. When they did yeah, NXT I think stuff. You, you've not, you never really watched much NXT. Not Code Orange, yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I'm a massive mark for Code Orange anyway. Yeah. So, Poppy like, on NXT, I get. But we're talking about big WrestleMania I still think. I still think. Aside from literally the first line, Cult of Personality was a great one. That it was just tasted it's just, by it's, it's just by him missing his cue. Yeah. Like, that one, like, but I think, the, re- that, I think the rest of the performance is grand. Spot on, Like yeah. when he said, like, Mussolini. Yeah, we got that one. Nailed that line. Yeah. Or Kennedy. Yeah, or Kennedy. <laughs> no, they're kind of similar, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Cult of Personality. This song makes a really interesting, terrible point. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve Austin... There's something about Austin coming out here. And I'm not sure. This happens sometimes. You know when someone's like big WrestleMania moment finally. Their first mm. main event. And they come out. And I think it's happened with like Batista and Cena at WrestleMania 21 a little bit as well. Where it's kind of like the, the crowd are almost like, yep. All right now. This is it. This is it. Yeah. Like, the we're not at the fever pitch of Steve Austin Mania right now. This feels almost like something we have to do so we can get to that fever pitch. Yeah. I would agree. It, it does feel like the, the, the audience as well. They are waiting to explode they're like go ah yeah ah, I think ah, they, they all think wait for the glass to smash something's going to happen other than Steve Austin wrestling Shawn Michaels that, that's it I think, that's it's, what they it's, think it's Tyson's presence that maybe confuses the crowd responses a little here because if it was just straight up Shawn Michaels versus straight up Steve Austin I'm talking straight up straight Steve up Austin. Steve Austin god damn that's some good jalapeno we, chicken we might have got a more pure crowd reaction here but I think the involvement of Mike Tyson has much like The Rock at Wrestlemania 27 everyone's kind of like one eye on the ramp let's flag. see what's going to happen here they fucking chat for Evander Holyfield throughout this match oh. loudly oh, loudly yeah. big yeah. time the, well that's the because he can't hear it because he's had his ear <laughs> <laughs> for fuck's sake wash your mouth out that would have been a great moment though having Holyfield fucking run out to get time oh can you imagine <laughs> you know what it is I know I'm just, I'm just cursing boys picks right now didn't Holyfield box Matt Hardy as part of the MVP feud Yep. But for, <laughs> but for some reason in my mind Matt Hardy took out Evander Holyfield in a pizza eating contest <laughs> and I may have crossed some wires there is all I'm saying but I'll say one thing about Shawn Michaels second and third act of this match you know something's up oh, there's, there's moments in this where like I, I couldn't tell if it's acting or if he generally looked like he was about to burst into tears. I and, mean, you, know, you know, there's no shortage of times to hear about news where Shawn Michaels is a big, massive piece of shit, like, in his own right. Even modern-day Shawn Michaels well, has like, got his he, moments. He shouldn't be wrestling in he this He shouldn't be. No. And how dare they let him? Because 
he's one of those guys, isn't he? He went out there in a fucking wheelchair if they let him, you know? It was so upsetting. Like, the first 60 seconds of this match, I'm like, shit, this is it, this is the payoff. We've had months of these horrible cunts ruining Raw, and now Austin is kicking his ass, he's pulling his pants down, you can see his bum, he's like, flailing around, and I'm like, yes, let's fucking crush this little worm finally. No, no, most of them on offense. He sends him sailing over the top rope, and he lands right on his fucking yeah. back on the concrete. Or he's like, throws <gasps> him against the, the turnbuckle, and he does he does the little flip that Sean does, yeah. so he hits it back on. And but then, like, within 90 seconds, two minutes of this, I'm like, oh shit, no, now I feel bad for the, the natural nasty heel, the horrible worm but who it, I want to see him get his ass kicked. It was an amazing thing that they had done. It was like fucking Logan Roy levels of making sure no one thinks that he's not ready for it because the three or four appearances that Michaels has had on Raw, he's looked great. He looks... Yeah. He's best shape I think we've seen him in the podcast. He's tacked on a lot of muscle. He's not fucking sweating when he does a promo anymore. No, he looks a little... full of codeine. Like... I mean, he he looks good, but like, it, it generally speaking, in the first five seconds, you know, Sean's got that smile on his face and then like two seconds later, it's a big brave face he's got on. Yeah. And then he's just, he's just in pure pain. Hurting. It's just like, let's get through it, you know? It is on a season where we saw Steve Austin struggle to finish a match with a broken neck and it's a match here where you're thinking... Like, fucking hell, like, if ever there was a match you could have done a schmoz and no one would have cared about That's it. You know? You've got Tyson there for that exact reason. You could have done something involving that. How many months ago Austin had a broken neck? Yeah. And he's the guy who's meant to be the safe pair of hands in this match. Mm -hmm. Michaels is just not fit to compete here, you know? It's it's really sad to see. Now, when you say not fit to compete, I I agree with that in a very literal... I don't know, I'm not saying he's all doped up. I'm just saying the guy's in too much pain. No, no, I hear that. And I agree with you on a medical point of view that he should not have been allowed to wrestle. But again, I'm going to say that I don't think it actually affects his ability to put on a good match. If anything, no, no. I actually am really quite surprised. And I've got serious respect for the, the work that yeah, he is able yeah, to put out here. Like, what, what a fucking way to like wave goodbye to Shawn Michaels. Because we didn't, you know, he was a non-factor pretty much in uh, in a... Uh, he, Sean wasn't something we talked about much during the first season. Other than his, really. his little, you know, jaunt as special refs or commissioner yeah. and all that. But you gotta, you know, unfortunately for many people who hate him, you do have to hand it to him because... Not many people could have done this. Not no. even a question of will if you wanted to do this. And it's it's Sean is, you know, he's got the reputation for never wanting to put people over, never wanting to hand over the belt or pass the torch. So for him to have an out which you could say like, oh my back's fucked, I can't I can't put Austin over at WrestleMania. And he didn't do that. He actually did show up, he actually did put on a really decent I'm, performance. Uh, I'm not sure I buy the taker thing with him. Well, I tape it up the fist. I don't buy that he was saying Tonight, no. The gorilla like, position he, becomes he, school. He has to know that this is an easy out for him to get yeah. to hopefully get better. Yeah. There's no way he's going. Oh no! Do I have to? Do I have to lose though? But I don't believe it. Takers squaring up. No, because if you come back here and you've still got that belt, I'm the, gonna kick the, your the, head the in. The problem no. is that they're doing beforehand. Michaels keeps turning the camera, going like, "No one's replacing me. I'm going nowhere. Mm. I'm gonna be champion forever." Like he's basically saying, "Oh, rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated." But like honestly, as a fan, you'd be like. Wait, why are you saying like are you going anywhere? Like yeah. you know, they have handled in a way where you haven't really noticed since you know, since Rumble he's not wrestled. No. Nope. You know, but it is a it's a hard fucking it's a hard match to watch with even even if you didn't have that knowledge, you would think like, oh goodness, something something's amiss here, you know? And fuck me, Tyson, when Triple H and China are thrown out of there and he goes into their faces and starts doing the DX sign to their what face. Fuck. Fucking idiot. What are you, you know doing? What? He makes a negative one wouldn't fucking go over to ten yeah. in the dark order to be like, oh, fuck you. Nah, oh, he won't. Because the kid knows his fucking spots and like this dumbass <laughs> fucking moron. 
The band zone is brought out next is the next gimmick to kind of get us through another five minutes. Yeah. This match is like 20 fucking minutes long. It's too long. King explicitly states, Shawn Michaels has a bad back and is hurt badly. Like he says like he's struggling at this point. Don't this is say that. He's, King's not being like, oh man, he's just been like, oh, Shawn's hurt bad. But I, I mean, I understand wanting the temptation to say that if you feel the need to cover for him, but I don't think he needs covering here. Like, I think they're doing a decent enough job of hiding it. Like, you wouldn't mind Shawn though. You know, this is the lad you hear this. I never forget the story in Brian Danielson's book about, you know, training with Shawn Michaels. He's meant to be like, you know, uh, a doctor's orders never to wrestle again. He's mm-hmm. there doing back body drops so high he's knocking out the suspended ceiling yep. in the gym. And you wouldn't mind, Sean, every second move you're fucking doing this match, it's one of those moves where, oh, if you've got a sore back, you wouldn't be doing that. Like, landing on the back all the time. I I just still find it insane that Sean went from this and this pain and having this level of pain for years, as well as a drug addiction, and trained one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. I I find that insane that he was ever able to do that. Not not, not enough is said, I think, about Shawn Michaels' freakish ability to work He's high-functioning. Very high-functioning. You know, it's something that, I I don't know if you guys are familiar with, but I did it in the Sherry episode for How To, Shawn, crippling anxiety. She used to bring little special soft gloves made of satin for him to rub on his face to calm him down because he was such a ball of, you know, bloody fingertips. That's the thing she said about Shawn Michaels because he bite him down to the bone. I think you know what happens is when you're someone who's that anxious, you become high functioning, you become incredibly successful. Moments like this, it comes kind of crashing down a little bit for mm. him because he's used to. I think people re- misinterpret it as like, oh, he's used to getting his way and all that. And I think he's used to like trying hard and stuff going his way and him impressing people. But when Shawn Michaels does a fucking stomp and he has to wince over and double mm. over in pain, like he's been you know shot, like it looks like. And the bit that broke my heart, he does the you know the classic the forearm against the ropes. Lands flat in his back because, of course, you fucking do. He kips up, mm-hmm. which I think is probably anatomically impossible. Yeah, and the camera real. misses it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that's our last kip up we're going to get for four years. Yeah. You sure you don't want to get a second replay yeah. on that, lads? And all I wrote down here as well with regards to the walking brawl. You know, get used to it because it was Austin's champion. Yeah. You know, a lot more of this. You know, Austin in 99 and Sting in 2015. Come here to me, we'll go for a bit of a walk around the <laughs> arena. Like Michaels has tears in his eyes at this point because yeah. he's in so much pain. There wasn't much heat either in the match because I don't think people are used to seeing Austin get beat on. This is the most offensive thing Austin's taken all season, I would say. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's entirely one-sided. I mean, Sean does take a fair bit of offense himself. It's a mm. decent amount of back and forth, I think. It's, it's because he doesn't like. Unlike with the, the Brett feud, there's nothing really on Austin at this time that yeah. Sean can like l- latch onto to make fun of. Yeah, your balls. Yeah, like, there's he, nothing like there. he, he doesn't have. You no, know, there's no flag. There's no yeah. like, mm-hmm. people in the audience like that he can spit on and so like. So he does the fingers like, a bit to get heat, like. But that didn't read as like, oh, he's mocking Steve Austin. It's like, no, it just feels like he's giving the crowd the finger and he's on his That's way it. out. Like, yeah. this is a man who, by the way, the footage exists after this match of him, you know, Austin doing the press conference and him kicking open the door and yeah. stomping out in a big huff, like. And so I, I not a good say, night in the office for Sean. It's easy for us to just watch the match because obviously we're most invested in Sean and Stone yeah. Cold. But Mike Tyson was like the biggest fucking thing at the time. I think he is a big albatross over this match because he does nothing that's he does nothing but people are like well obviously tyson's gonna do something yeah so there's so and, much and like, every time he steps close to the ring the ref said no 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 what the fuck are you doing why is he here <laughs> and then the one bit of offense or interaction he has with austin is when he grabs him and to throw him back in the ring and he literally nearly rips austin's underpants off oh. like he fucking he wedges 
that man seven ways since Sunday. It's ridiculous. The ref is down. <laughs> Shawn Michaels gets like a stink face. It seems like Austin has him in the corner. At one I point. did not catch that. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was crowd. Crowd were still not into it. No. Nope. Michaels calls for sweet chin music, and it's like you know, it was like reminding me like Francine and Don Marie in ECW. It's like our spots coming up. You see him taking off the high heels outside, and like Sean starts doing the sweet chin music warm up, and you see Tyson's doing stretches about yeah. because he's like, it comes back. My, my big bit is coming up. The Magic in a bottle, the thing that I can't explain or anyone can explain, it's it's just the two of the best of all time. The magic moment, the switching music, grabs it, spins him around, against the ropes, grabs again, Austin goes, eh, eh, gives him the finger, the stunner. Yeah. That is such a perfect wrestling moment. Yes. A perfect, perfect wrestling moment and a perfect way to like coronate the like this guy is now fucking in charge. Yeah, fuck this you. is the champion now. Yeah. Like. And then Mike Tyson did one, two, three. Yeah. Yeah, weird fast count. He yeah. counted so fast, I thought Bret Hart was going to jump back over to the WWF <laughs> and be like, not in this company. Yeah. That That's near Nick Patrick. You want to see a fast count, mate? <laughs> Jesus Christ, it was so fast. Yeah. Embarrassingly fast. Yeah, tomorrow night when the New Age Outlaws get their tag belts back, Shawn Michaels is also going to receive yeah. the WWF yeah. title as well. And then, of course, you have Austin posing with Tyson. He gives him the 316 shirt. Michaels gets in his face, takes the punch. Uh, again, great job by Michaels. Yeah. The sell of this punch, he just fucking drops immediately, completely unconscious. There we go. I mean, there is part of me that looks at this Austin <laughs> posing there with the belt, and I'm just like, the filth of Shawn Michaels is washing away. Yeah, <laughs> genuinely. Because <laughs> he is all those things that we've been praising him for. But mm -hmm. even before he got hurt, he was a toxic person at this pain point. In the ass. He's a pain in the ass. And I kind of feel like, you know, I always think about the moment where it was like, it was like 99 or something like that. And someone reached out to Brett. It was like Foley or, or Austin or someone. They just, they were just talking. And they didn't say, oh, come back. But they're like, you know, things are different around here now. Mm. You know, Sean's, he's never here. You know, Triple H, he's kind of like an office boy. He just kind of, you know, he helps out a lot with creative. But, you know, everyone who you kind of rubbed up wrong against is pretty much in check. But uh, Brett was like, nah, don't want to just, you know, because whatever it is that's happened, not saying that Sean made it a toxic place, but it's a different company now. Yeah. And the company that we start on the next night on Raw, where Vince McMahon is now going to be feuding with Steve Austin, challenging him to a match. We've got Kyanta, as we said, Val Venus is coming, Dan the yeah. B Severn. Even I'm though sure, I'm not sure Brett would fit in with it. I nah. don't think so, because it already is. It's, even in the three or so months, it feels like since he's gone, it's a different company. And it feels mm -hmm. what's going to happen in the next three months is going to be a different company. Like, can it, can and how different was 99 to 98? Exactly. And 2000 to Even 99? Yeah. Like, can you imagine Brett involved in some of the storylines we had in I 98 and 99? Cannot. But no, you can know what he would have gotten? Because if you've ever watched any Brett in WCW, it's like, seems like no one likes me anymore. Yeah. This company's all different. Everyone's all weird and young. They would have had him be the old crabby veteran. Again, we've already and had we've that. We've seen that. Yeah. You know, the only difference is that you've no excuse to watch it if it's over on WCW because like, I've, I've tried to avoid watching a lot of Brett and WCW because they don't like watching depressed wrestlers yeah. fucking phone it in and all that. But it is a, it's an interesting one, this pay-per-view because even with so much of it being in place, it does feel like something changes here fundamentally. Mm. The Austin has begun is a great buzzword or great tagline for the end of the show. But I do feel like we're coming up towards something. And for me, it's literally just, I want to watch the next episode of Raw because I don't want to see fucking Shawn Michaels and DX hanging around yep. anymore. 
I want you a, know? New, a new fresh start. Like, Raw can be fun again now, maybe. Like, Sean was very much at the point where I think he had to go away. Even if he oh, wasn't yeah. hurt, I would have said, take six months. Honestly, it's you too know? much now. Too Sick much. But it's strange as well. I can't imagine Sean in any of these storylines. No, 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 absolutely again. not. Doesn't fit in. Yeah. But Steve Austin, I don't think it's like the greatest of his encounters, you know. But I think, nah. you know, this WrestleMania... Thinking back on it now, it's probably a little bit better than we, than we, we gave it credit for. Mm. A little bit. Just because there's some honking fucking bad WrestleManias coming up for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. But in terms of it still, as we said in the first episode, being a pay-per-view that is hampered by... Like, the last third of this show, like, it's over an hour, is those last two matches. Yeah. And I don't think yeah. they quite delivered. No, no. And those yeah. are the matches that need to deliver yeah. the most, yeah. unfortunately. And I'd wave a magic wand to get rid of Mike Tyson if I if I could. But, yeah. you know, it feels like wrestling has like, just decided that he is part of that history and that is it. Mm-hmm. Bam, he big factor. <laughs> Billy, you said to me earlier you knew what our original match of the nights and MVPs were. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> ah, Here we go now. Let's hear these and then ask you if they've changed yes. potentially. Okay, so Kevin... Your match of the night was the dumpster match. <laughs> that sounds and, right. And uh, your your MVP, as for the vast majority of season one, was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Ah, here we go. You know, All you, reliable. You, 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 you could be shown you know, wondrous sights and sounds. and you, You're going, Austin. Damn yeah. straight. Um, Adam, Rock versus Shamrock. Is mm-hmm. your match of the night? That sounds about right. And the undefeatable Kane. Which <laughs> <was your> <laughs> <laughs> you do say the original name. He's just undefeatable, man. It's so undefeatable. <laughs> on, on matters of, of political correctness and jid, you're down since day one, Adam, is what we're Clearly. basically saying. Like. And myself, Rock versus Shamrock was my match of the night. And my MVP was Shawn Michaels. Mm. Okay. Mm. No, let's okay. go through them then. Round table. Any, anyone, anyone opting to change, I think, is uh, the first thing we've got to establish. Changing one of these. I'm, I think I'm changing one. I'm sticking with the same match of the night. I think Rock and Shamrock was the best match by far. Yeah. Like, best in ring, yeah, yeah, best yeah. start to finish story. It had everything. It was brilliant for everything that I said originally as well. Yeah, I'm jumping over onto that camp because it, yeah. it is a better match. My MVP, I'm siding with what you said before now, Billy. I'm going to go Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I was really... Because, you know, I've done a lot of whinging about Shawn this yeah. season. I've been fucking sick of him. And he did the favours admirably tonight. He worked in horrible conditions. He was in no state to perform, like you say. But he still... Perform he did. He put on a hell of a show. And he just... For a guy that has his ego and has his reputation for not being cooperative, this was him at his most cooperative. Like, he did everything that was required of him to get Austin off to a good start, to put Tyson over, to make sure that this had, like, the little cherry on top that it was intended to have, like... Well, you see, we got two people here. We got Shawn Michaels as MVP. I'm keeping Austin, but I would jump over to 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 Ken versus yeah. uh, to to Ken versus Rock. But uh, uh, Billy, you got any changes? So yeah, uh, I'm sticking with HPK for the for the uh, MVP, just for the exact same reasons that we we've, we've just discussed. My match of the night has changed, though. I think I know. What I think I know. Rock versus Shamrock. To the dumpster match. Oh! I would have thought the for. mixed tag might have gotten I a little I genuinely was expecting the, that the, from the, you, the, yeah. the mixed tag genuinely was yeah. so much better than I remember. Yeah. Like, 100% that, agreed. That, uh, but, and, uh, You'll be amazed how much you enjoy wrestling you don't go into with your fucking arms folded yeah. and your brow furrowed. You open your mind a little bit. Yeah, and, I, and I would also say special mention MVP to Ken. Okay, yeah, yeah. Ken was great tonight. Uh-huh. Who owns this 
this season? Who Who's the top dog? Because I was going to say you'll season MVP, but I feel like this is hard. It's, it's For me, it's kind of a three-headed dog here. We've yeah. got, obviously got Austin, we got Brett, yeah. we got Sean. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is set up for Austin. They were setting him up longer than we realized. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I just got to say, I, I don't know, because I, I felt there was no natural point to bring it up here, but I just feel like it's it's Brett, and I feel that Sean owes so much of, mm. like, the last couple of months where he's kind of like a caretaker heel champion, mm-hmm. it's all Brett Hart heat you got there, brother. That's uh, you know, that's for me, I think Brett is the MVP of the season, you know? I'd have to agree. Even though we've not seen Brett for a long time now, we've had a good run of pay-per-views. Where I still think about no it, every Raw yeah. we watch, like... And the best parts of this season, the parts of season four that I thought were the best, the parts of 97 that I enjoyed the most, all revolved around Brett Hart. I am work. going to miss having Brett the Hitman Hart in my weekly wrestling diet. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And not even kind of remotely adjacent. That's not necessarily a spoiler for what the next season's going to be, folks. Mm. But yeah, Billy, what do you think? Uh, yeah, it has to be Brett, really, doesn't yeah. it? For the exact same reasons you said. Like, I've never really been a fan of Brett the person... I've always been like, he is just the the, the 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 old vet who is just like fucking bitter and twisted. But yeah. but now watching it all within the context and watch and hearing about the backstage altercations mm-hmm. orchestrated by Vince McMahon, I no longer feel that way about Brett. Yeah, uh, and I've I've enjoyed our time with Brett that we've had here. I've enjoyed the time with Sean that we've had here. Yeah, honestly, I think it's some of the best wrestling we've ever yeah. watched. I don't oh, know yeah, if I would say it's my favourite thing we've ever watched because, you know, great wrestling is, is kind of just one thing that I like about yeah. wrestling. But generally speaking, I thought, you know, particularly when we did WrestleMania 13, I was like, fuck. Like, we're going to have to muscle... I, I, yeah, I was, be tough. Yeah, I was, I was genuinely worried it. that yeah. we'd picked a fucking albatross and we'd blown it, like, but, man... An interesting, an interesting period of time mm-hmm. for reasons un, un, unknown to us beforehand. Who are your like mid to lower card MVPs? This is what I was going to yeah. say. Is that one of the big highlights of season four for me has been turnarounds and surprisements. Mm. In Treme- tormendous surprisements. Things that to see on paper I'd have been like, we're not going to like that. And then turning out like, oh shit, I loved mm. that. I'm talking things like Mark Miro's yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big fan of his character work. His in-ring work better than I expected. Just Mark as a whole. Brian Christopher. Oh, yeah. baby, let me tell you about BC. Huge turn up for the books. Yes. Like, I, I couldn't have had a lower opinion of him as a wrestler like by the end of the Attitude Era. And then going back to 97 and seeing him doing this horrible Jerry Lawler heel work. My God, he was good at it. Yeah, Very he, he was his father's son in terms of the talents it's there. Just, it's just bizarre. Like I, I know that we all love Too Cool, but we didn't like Too Much. But no. I could just see how entertaining Brian Christopher was and say, let's put him in a, uh, a tag team with someone that no one's heard of. Yeah, yeah, poor old Scott Taylor, you have to be a creep now because of this guy. Yeah, Jesus honestly. Christ, you know? And if there was one giant thing that if you'd have said this is going to happen in season four, I'd have been like, oh God, the minis division yeah. was yeah. absolutely fucking outstanding. All right, while we're on it as well, because we had people were like, when we announced what the season was, but before we got into actually doing it, people were like, oh, you poor fuckers, gang wars coming, gang yeah. wars. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, there was a few times where the gang wars was horrendous, boring, offensive as hell. Like when they brought DX into the gang wars business mm. and we had all the fucking graffiti stuff and trying to bring out the Hart Foundation to be like, you know, fucking in the Ku Klux Klan and all that, you know, mm. awful taste. But what I will say is maybe it's just Savio Vega and the Bariquas, but like there was a lot more to that. Like they got big, po- we said it in a previous episode, 
when they put all those guys in the ring and they all started brawling, mm. yep. they got big fucking reactions. Big reactions. And I have to say, Captain That Ship is Savio Vega, a guy who, like, honestly, I took so not seriously so much that like it was just a jo- he was a joke to me. Like it was just mm-hmm. like a, he was a thing like me and my brother would be like, oh, you're gonna watch a pay per view from 1995. You're gonna watch Savio Vega. Mm-hmm. Like just like a like a like a little punchline. What a fucking wrestler! Yeah. Oh my fucking and god! You forget as well how over times the DOA were because people yeah. just fucking yeah, love genuinely mo- people fucking love motorbikes. That's it. I like, fucking love the Jackal as well. I love yeah. seeing the Jackal commentary. Is there any other like shout outs mid card stuff that we wanna we wanna um, bring my- attention to? Ahmed Johnson. Damn. Yes. For like the first, I want to say, maybe maybe first half of the season. Yeah. And and I would say on the other side of that, both him and the company's handling of his departure. It's like probably Mm. like one of the worst things that we've seen. And then like we've already mentioned on the the app already, Farouk. Yes, Um, Farouk is a huge thing. I had always assumed, just based on season one, because... I didn't know who Farouk was. He wasn't much of a talker. It, you know, mm-hmm. He wasn't much of a talker. You oh, know, baby. He was an acolyte, then he was in the APA. I never knew that Farouk was at one point in um, was main eventing a pay-per-view. That's with, it. with one of the heated, most That's heated it. angles, yeah. probably. You could have had and championship potential. Yeah, like... and he 100%. Like, him and Ahmed both had championship potential, and yeah. they squandered both of it. That's my biggest regret of season yeah. four. If I could like rebook anything, it would be fucking put the belt on Farouk just for a little bit. Have the nation be actually dominant. The nation of fucking domination. The Let name them dominate. The name, like, yeah. yeah. Let them run the show just for a week or two. Come on. Yeah, there's no shortage of people who didn't surprise us all, like the headbangers and the Godwins, oh, etc. Were, were just as. But uh, last one I was going to ask you was: Was there anyone who you like had a positive impression of from? the earlier seasons and then watching this season has actually made you like them less was there a, like an anti-mero effect on any of this for you i'm struggling to think of any off the top of my head there are there have been things like that have annoyed me like honestly if i had to say what is the worst thing been for me to endure during season four it would be dx and i kind of mm. knew that was coming i'm not surprised yeah. by my opinion yeah. of dx i mean the only other thing is like i like i like him for the meme is sid <laughs> Jesus, I forgot he was there. But he like, was there. He like, was there. I, I I like him for the meme, but actually yeah. seeing Sid be Sid, I couldn't give yeah. a shit. Yeah, I, if I have one thing that really stuck in my craw, I mentioned it earlier, but like that, the last few months of Owen's run was just like, mm. like when we started season one, it was kind of in the back of my mind. It's like, oh, Owen's had this like he's having this rough go of it here, but he had a couple of great months after Brett left, and I'm like, I'm thinking watching some of this going, God, get this man hooked up with Dan the B Seven, save his Damn. career, save his career, you know. But like another person we we turned around on, this was great about the season. We saw so many sides. Yeah. British Bulldog, yeah, British probably Bulldog. one of the yeah. best wrestlers. Yeah. Oh yeah, unreal. I completely cards. forgot about the Bulldog. Yeah, oh, so many people Bulldog. have left. Like yeah, between and he's, that's it. Like I don't think you could look at a twelve-month period and it changes much. No, you're yeah. Sid Bulldog Neidhart, yeah. and then this, we got this card here where it's like those guys. What? I mean, it's it's not even just in terms of wrestling, but like I did not expect anything from Sonny, and it was like week after week, yeah. and like you know what, Sonny's actually one of the more consistent. I can go out there and get the crowd to pop and get them on their feet, kind of. You, you need a Sonny if you're running a wrestling company. There, there, have, there, have, been, there have been a lot of people with the same job as Sonny. I don't think many, many have done it as good as Sonny. No. And you know what, actually, another person maybe who I had much higher opinions of, but I just thought, mm, maybe not. 
like some of JR's commentary, mm. maybe that three man booth really didn't work for him. Hard going. But like before it got to do like him and King, the last few pay per views has been good. But I and like I would say on this pay per view, they were great. Like yes. they really hit their strides here, and he had some iconic calls in the Raws up to this. But yeah, that three man booth, I thought JR came across petty, yes, ornery, mm, yeah. like, and it just put that man with a solid dance partner, yeah. one person who knows his fucking shtick and let him at it. But I thought that it was commentary wise pretty fucking heinous the first mm. half of this season I'll go in. just Vince apologising for everything yes. constantly <laughs> yeah seriously and Vince McMahon of course you know who was all but a main character on this show all the way since 1997 late 97 you know if there's one big like sort of learning takeaway thing and it's something we've come across many many times in the podcast but it's so true in 97 as well is that all the revisionist stuff of like that was the moment. It was never the no. moment. Anytime they say, and that was the moment, you can say, no, it wasn't. It was actually happening for weeks and weeks beforehand. The double turn at WrestleMania 13 Bollocks. already been happening. Mr. McMahon being an on-screen Bollocks. character, that's been happening for ages before. Now, anytime they try and revise history and say, this exact event is what no, sparked there, there the thing. Wasn't, there wasn't an exact moment. No, no, it's always a long, slow transition. And if anything, like, they've, they've drank their own Kool-Aid there now because they keep trying to present you these fucking big moments it was said recently, uh, someone said to me that like WWE doesn't provide like beginnings, middles, and ends for its No, they it don't. Has, it has beginnings and ends. Yeah. Because they are obsessed with this like moment, WrestleMania yes. moment. This is the moment, moment, moment. It's like, no, let it be gradual. Because Austin's complex character didn't happen in a fucking instant. It took months. That's it took just, years, if you really think about it. basic storytelling. Yeah, you look at any TV show, like like The Red Wedding from Game of Thrones, yes, that is moment. That's a moment television or whatever. That's a moment piece of television or whatever. But it wouldn't mean jack shit if it wasn't for all the hours and hours of storytelling that get you to that mm. moment. Like, you can't just keep making big events happen and expect us to give a fuck when you're not going to put in the groundwork. Well, folks, the time has now come. People are wondering all about season number five. There was five of them. It took five of them. Neither, neither of these references are to do with... It's the CZW podcast. You told me we were... You said you were going to see how far we were going to go. And I can't reveal to you that season five will feature poetry. That's right. By popular demand, there will be poems in season five. But no, getting serious though, folks. I can confirm to you that season five will be... Unveiled in our next episode, it's which is the boys' picks. Save your motherfuckers for him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> boys' picks. Where now, as is our tradition between seasons, that we're going to earnestly and with no degree of irony put forward a genuine wrestling show that we want to review each of us individually with our own tastes for you, the Glad Gay community, to vote upon. And the winner could be anyone. The winner will get to pick the next episode and the winner will make sure it's the pay-per-view they think that is, don't they, Billy? Yeah. Absolutely. They will. They'll be certain we'll, on this We'll all time. make sure. We'll all be certain this time because it said anyone can win and they will be available to vote for over at facebook.com forward slash Adichair Podcast and Twitter at a podcast. We'll have a poll going on there as well. Let's have a little round table. We can all say what we're going to do or you can allude to it if you want to. Adam, what would you like to put forward to boys' picks? Well, 
gents, I'm here with my hat in my hand. I know that I've not often done great on boys' picks. Uh, I've, I've put forward things before that haven't. You know, they've got nice little bit of voting. Little voting, little voting, yeah. But uh, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna stick with what I tried before previously. I'm actually gonna present what I've already presented before previously. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say we deserve a nice little, a nice show, a nice time. I'm gonna say WrestleMania 30. WrestleMania 30. Because okay. it's it's got a lot of nice things. And also, it was very important and WrestleMania for the three of us. That was you know, very early days for it us. It was. Yeah. It was yeah. important for us and our friendship. And I just feel like we've we've had a rough couple of years as a world, as a, com as a, yeah. as a community. It'd be healing. And I think maybe it'd be a nice healing moment for the fans to sort of take pity on the AE podcast and say. Go on, lads. Review a nice, fun show from start to finish. That's an interesting tactic you're taking there. I'm, 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 I'm going to grab the other end of the stick, I think. Like, all right, you fucking losers in Gibraltar. <laughs> oh. If you if you think you're hard enough, oh. I fucking dare you. You think? Well, you think you're you think you're you, you can you can hang? You think you can control your narrative? Is that what you're saying? That's right. I'm putting forward you big bunch of idiots. Uh, I'm putting forward control your narrative an EC3 production, which was filmed in the pandemic. Because I, honestly, Adam, I think we've all gotten soft in the pandemic with all these distance recordings and only doing one recording as opposed to stacking two recordings in one day. Yeah. So I think we've gotten a bit soft, actually, if anything. I think we need to be reminded of the early days of the pandemic and brought right back down to earth with a hard dose of reality. And I will control the narrative of boys' picks when I control the votes by making you all vote for control your narrative, if you dare. Maybe you got a match that you can at least pitch to why people should choose this. Just say, <laughs> if I had to pick one thing here, we're gonna see the shield beat the fuck out of Kane and the New Age Outlaws. Wouldn't that be nice, everyone? Wouldn't that be such okay, a sweet look, treat look. after everything we've been through together? Uh, so, and, and I do know, and I do know this, right? I'm not searching this now. Yeah, no, you know, oh. he's, he's, he's getting straight oh, off the top oh, of the Oh, no, CYN is the name of a famous singer. Someone should tell Braun and the boys. CYN. That's their new wrestling promotion. <laughs> Control your narrative musical artist? No. Control your narrative God, wrestling. picked a worse fucking name. Look, they're not optimized, all right? Because the office has been trying to control them. Uh-huh. Okay, so they're not optimized. Yeah, great job controlling your own narrative here, lads, by making it literally impossible to find on a basic search engine. I think people will want to... Sorry, it's free the narrative. It's what? It's free the narrative. Free the narrative. Free the narrative. Free the narrative. So we're going to control your narrative by freeing... <laughs> free the, the narrative. Narrative. Free the narrative. Okay. Free the narrative is an album by Control Your Narrative. Oh no! <laughs> Guys! I bet they don't have a single match booked. So I bet this, it's just Can, can you maybe go through EC3's Wikipedia There's page? got to be something out there. Come on. Song one and Free the Narrative by Control the Narrative is Stop called it. The Narrative Team. And then to track two is called Welcome to the Narrative. <laughs> this is some bad company by bad company off the album Bad Company bullshit. Okay, okay, look, here we go. Is even a show? Are you sure? This it is! is. They did it! They did a fucking show! How are we even going to watch this show? I don't if you know! you can't even search it's for it, tangible. how are we going to get a hold I'm of gonna it? I'm going to DM EC3 and I'm going to get it sorted, alright? You're voting for it. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Alright, now here we go. EC3 and Matt Cardona in a singles match? <laughs> it happened! And it happened with no audience and it happened shot like the wire, right? Imagine it's like shot like the wire, yeah? The whoa. unknown hand takes on Jake Logan. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Okay, you get you get one match to put forward here to pitch the people on, 
Or if you give them too much, they're going to start salivating and start voting early, Kevin. I'm just saying that you, if you want to go to a non-aggression pact, out of the one, two, three, four, five matches, four of them are under five minutes in length. Now, do you want to control our narrative? Can we team up? We can control <laughs> the narrative! Can we team up? Look, I'm just saying, right? I've got the ball here that has no, all of this. pay per view, like 45 minutes. Oh, baby! I'm just saying, lads, we could. Look, I'm just saying, if you vote for me, we might have time to record Tough Enough as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be tempted by it. I'm sticking with WrestleMania. Look in 30. the mirror, Adam. No! What will I see? No, you, you can't see, tempt me. You will see many things. <laughs> Billy. Oh, come on, then. D dare I fucking. Ask. All right, what are we doing then? <laughs> <laughs> no, we had an honest stab. We had a bit of yeah, fun. That was the last one. Had to look it up online. It's oh. fun to pretend, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, what yeah. are we actually going to review? Do you want then? to control our narrative? <laughs> Billy tells what we're doing. On the third ever boys' picks, Billy gave to me three Triple H matches, two men eating pizza, and a prison match. Punjabi. Oh God! It's Man. No Mercy 2007, baby. Signature Pharmacy presents oh. No Mercy. Oh, babe, you know you want to see Triple H wrestle Randy Orton, then Umaga, then Randy Orton again. <laughs> Come on! I want to see Randy Orton's final form and see what he pulls out like. Come on. Punjabi prison match, another one. Batista versus Great Carly. Oh, real for this time. Sake. And what's this about pizza? Matt Hardy and MVP are gonna eat some pizza <laughs> in the ring. <laughs> so fucking scared. Baby. So if you want to support the Attitude podcast, you can at <laughs> patreon.com forward slash AE podcast and get access to a whole shed load of extra content. Even enjoying season four, you may not know there's entire seasons worth of some of the best podcasts we've ever produced. I'm talking book reports, I'm talking 80 some episodes of the Smackdown Crawl, we're all the way past WrestleMania 17. Video episodes of myself and Adam and Billy. Also Q&A, commentary tracks, random side ventures and bits and bobs like Limp Bizkit album reviews. Yeah. And honestly, I lose track of all the content that's on there. But everyone who's ever joined and every month that goes by, there's more and more content, at least two pieces a month. It's never been more better value to join the AE Podcast Patreon than it is right now. And Something that has happened a lot during the pandemic is there was definitely a proliferation and lots and lots of podcasts. And we, has been pointed out to us, we're one of the only podcasts in a lot of people's rotations where we don't have ad stings every two seconds. True. We like that because that's how we like to listen to our podcasts and that's how we like you guys to listen to our podcasts as well. Read the audio being interrupted every few seconds. Mm. We want to be able to fall asleep and wake up to the show is what we're saying exactly. basically. And as such, we are 100% fan and listener supported. Any sponsorships that's given in the caption contest, it's through our fans as well. So please, if you've enjoyed the show and you've enjoyed the season, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash a podcast. A minimum of $5 will get the access to the content. You can drop out at any time you like, but everyone who support us, we have 1,200 plus backers now on Patreon, and it's absolutely fabulous. Thank you everyone who's helped us get through season four with a lot of bumps in the road that we did not anticipate. And for everyone who shouted us out and let other people know who maybe dropped out when we were doing other things like the WWA and the Saturday Night Main Event and the Eugene Raw series, Thank you, everyone. We have produced probably more content than we ever have in the last mm, two years. Mm. And honestly, some of the weirdest and most fun times I've ever had recording. And I want to say a big shout out and thanks 
to my co-hosts, comrades, and colleagues. Because we've all had to adjust here on the fly. We all had to do things Mm -hmm. a little bit differently. And it wasn't necessarily how we intended to do things. And whatever about the patience of the fans, patience of you guys, and changing your schedules and everything it is so that we can get this podcast out and finish on a high... It's an honor and a privilege to record with you guys as always. So big love right here from me to you. And to those of you listening at home, thank you so much. And as always, it's a goodbye from me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. And we'll see you at Boys Picks and Season 5. Whoa! Baby! It's then event time, folks. Stone Cold Steve Austin's in a rage. He wants Shawn Michaels, and he wants him in a rage. I don't know why I'm saying that. Snip, snip.